From 1979, The Dream Police by Cheap Trick. Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. I am Todd Dandruff with Tellus. This is being broadcast live and hopefully recorded on April 4th, 2018. The time right now, 8.39 p.m. Pacific Time. We were gone last week. It's because I was on vacation. I was in Utah for six straight days and then uh, one night in Vegas before returning to the L.A. area. Tell you a bit about that before we get the show going. But it's good to be back. I do miss the show when I skip a night. I remember being in Utah. I was actually in a very small town called Hanksville, Utah. You can look it up on Google, Hanksville. It's tiny. On Wednesday night last week. And I thought about, wow, uh, people are kind of expecting radio. I know I announced there wouldn't be a show, but... Yeah, there's some maybe who didn't pay attention or forgot or just didn't hear the previous episode. And we're expecting it. And I'm thinking, here I am, like, in the middle of nowhere, and I can't do the show. And there's some people who are disappointed by that. So I look forward to getting back and doing that show this week. And here we are, April 4th, first show of April 2018. And we should have a show every week now, probably on Wednesday, until the World Series. And then at that point, the schedule is always crazy because I have to fit it in between the events I play. I am playing the World Series of Poker again this year. Actually, I have more events on the schedule than I've ever had before because I'm starting to play more and more non-Hold'em events, specifically Omaha-type events. So with those in the mix as well, I have some extra events scheduled, and... Hopefully it goes well. So I'll try to squeeze in radio during those months. That's starting from late May through early to mid-July. Try to squeeze in radio every week if I can. Otherwise, you know, it might have to skip some weeks. But who knows? Once in a while we've actually done two shows in a week when it warrants it, when there's enough news of the World Series that we feel it's worth doing an extra show. 
Not saying that will happen, but it could happen. You never know. So this week we have a free roll, as we always seem to. In fact, I, I pretty much will make sure there's a free roll every week, unless we're starting at a really unusual time when it's unlikely we'll have many live listeners. But this week, it's a normal week, so we're going to have a free roll of $150. $150 is being given away this week on Poker Fraud Alert, and the money is as follows. First place gets $70. Second place gets $40. Third place gets $20. Fourth place gets $13, and fifth place gets 7 So it's 70 40 20 13 and 7 to make a total of... See, (laughs) I think I need a new adapter. What just happened there was my power adapter to my preamp, which is basically what... It's it's the amplifier for my voice and, uh, you know, for the sound system here. The power adapter to the preamp is getting uh, pretty beat up. In fact, I should order a new one. It couldn't be very expensive. I just have to figure out which one to order. But I, I see bare wires there. So just in the middle of talking, it just cut out, and I was able to jiggle the cord, and we're working again. Now, if by some chance the thing just dies completely tonight, we're not totally screwed. I do have an alternate setup I can use. That's the setup that Handicap Me hates because I'm not as loud, and then he can't hear the show when he's walking through the busy streets of Manhattan where he works. But uh, that's the backup in case this breaks, but I will have to remember to order another cord. Or adapter, actually. So uh, this doesn't happen again next week. But uh, I'll try to sit still so this thing does not uh, slip out in any way. It it doesn't really slip out. It's just the way it's making contact, I guess, because it's, uh, you know how these adapters are when they get old. So anyway, 70, 40, 20, 13, and 7 adding up to 150. The 150 this week came from two people. $100 again from Eric Benzamokin. Thank you very much to him. Very, very generous. And Handicap Me gave $50 with Snow Tracks and Never Heeb not being eligible. So if either of them win, then um, they will not get that portion. So a third of whatever they win won't go to them if either of them play. Never Heeb doesn't play very often, but uh, if Snow Tracks plays and he wins, he'll only get two-thirds of the prize, and the other one-third will be redistributed to the other winners. And that's because Handicap Me chose it to be that way. Everybody who donates has a right to exclude whomever they want, and this allows people to donate to the free roll without money going potentially to those that they don't like. So I've always been someone who believes that you should not force people to spend... This is not a good start here. (laughs) This is the second time this has happened already. I'm always someone who felt that you shouldn't force people to spend money in a way they don't want. It's their money. They should be able to spend it the way they want. If they're going to be generous to donate it to the show, then I want them to be happy that they did. I don't want them to be pissed off that someone won it that they don't like. So that's why I give that ability to exclude anyone. These are not my decisions. I leave it up to the individual donor. I'm just the distributor of the money. But I... The first respect always has to go to the person who donates, because they don't have to. They're just giving money away, if you think about it. Before you get mad at any of these people, they're giving away money that they don't have to give. They just want to be nice. They're just 
taking money out of their pocket and handing it to Poker Frottler to distribute to the free roll. So the first level of respect has to go to them. And I give that respect. So it's on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. It begins at 9 p.m. Pacific time. No Fraud or No Limit Hold'em. The No Fraud Online Poker Room can be found near the top of the screen on PokerFraudAlert.com. You need a separate account on there, and it needs to be validated and approved by the manager of the No Fraud Online Poker Room, Belly Buster. If you need to be approved by him, if you have a new account, PM him on the forum. It's Belly Space Buster, all lowercase, Belly Space Buster. Tell him why you feel you should qualify for the free roll. In addition, you must know the rules for qualification. PokerFraudAlert.com slash free roll is where you can find those rules. PokerFraudAlert.com slash free roll. There are 25 minutes of late registration. You can get in there till 925 Pacific time because it begins at 9. If you want to call the show, the phone number, as always, is 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. There's also the Mount Charleston line. The Mount Charleston line which I visited. I I went and made sure it's okay. The Mount Charleston line is located on Mount Charleston, which is a mountain near Las Vegas. It's about 45 minutes away by car. It's about 30 degrees cooler there than Las Vegas that you know. 702-430-1808 is the number. It's an old 70s rotary phone in a cabin on top of Mount Charleston. 702-430-1808, a separate number into the show, the Mount Charleston line. Now, if you want to listen to the show... But if you don't have a computer available at the moment or a smartphone, if all you have is just a phone, just you know, a cheap cell phone that's not a smartphone or just an old-fashioned phone like the Mount Charleston line, and you want to listen to the show, you can. It's very easy. You call 712-775-8162. That's the call to listen line. It's a number you just call up and listen to the live show. 712-775-8162 is the call to listen line. Never buffers, never stops, never pauses, just plays. It just works. Doesn't cost you one byte of data, does not require a smartphone, does not require a data plan, does not require a computer or the internet, anything like that. No, just any phone in the world that can dial, you can use to call the call to listen line. And listen to your heart's content. Now, when we're not live, then it plays streaming reruns, meaning it picks a show from the past and runs it as if it's live. And when that's over, it picks another one from the past randomly over and over and over again until we come back live. It, it dutifully played two weeks' worth of reruns while we were gone. And it will play reruns once again when we're off the air here. I usually turn it off about an hour or two or three before the show the live show, that is, just to prevent confusion. Otherwise, I've had pe- I have people asking, is this live? Is this old? So you know, just to make it easy, I turn it off. So you know when you hear me on the show, on the time it's supposed to be on, that it really is live. Though once in a while, I forget. I, I have had it before where I'm like, uh-oh, I'm starting half an hour late, and the old show's been playing this whole time. Oops. But usually I remember to turn it off, as I did today. So if you take a look at the agenda, not the agenda, if you take a look at the description of the show, I'm going to read the agenda shortly, but it reminded me. If you take a look at the description of the show in the last archive that we had, you will see timestamps. It's something new I started doing. TMMLK suggested it. 
and insisted I do it. But it wasn't really because of him. He wants to take credit. But many have asked me to do this, and I had resisted simply because it was a pain in my ass. I'm doing so much when I'm running the show. I'm I'm paying attention to so many things simultaneously that I don't want to have to worry about every time we start a new topic, I have to note when it is. And then the other pain in the butt thing is that if I forget or if I don't note when the show started, like tonight, then I have to adjust whatever time I note down of what time it is in the stream. Like It's a pain in the butt. It took a little time last week, but... I'm going to get better and better at it so it's faster and faster. But the bottom line is it's staying. Everyone reacted very well to that. A lot of people thanked me. Some people told me that they're going to start listening to the show again, that they had stopped because they were only interested in some of the topics and they wanted to fast forward to them and it was too much of a pain to do that in a seven-hour show, so they didn't bother. So I said, hey, you know, while I would prefer everybody listens to every show in its entirety, you don't have to. And if there's only certain topics that interest you, then yeah, go ahead and just jump to them and listen to those. But you never know what happens on the show. Sometimes the best stuff happens in between the scheduled segments. Or a segment that seems boring on the surface ends up being one of the best of the show. So you never know. So I suggest you at least listen to part of each segment before you skip ahead to something else that you prefer. Nevertheless, I'm going to list every single scheduled topic and when they begin on the show. So this way you can skip this intro. This way you can skip past the topics you don't like. And it's easier to listen if you only have limited time. I realize not everybody has six, seven hours a week to listen to the show. So maybe you only have two hours. Now you can pick how you want to listen to this show. You can listen only to the topics that you really find an interest in hearing. So that'll be a regular feature from now on, including tonight. Cal Watt, uh, I don't know where he is. I'm going to be honest here. Um, you know, he's been texting me throughout the week, so it's not like he's gone. But today, I haven't heard from him. And I, I messaged him the agenda at 9.49 his time. Now, that's not early, but I, I don't think he's likely to go to bed before 10 o'clock. But he has not answered me, and he's not around. So maybe he fell asleep early. I don't know what happened. But uh, I guess I should – the reason I took this long even to message him is I just – I was kind of late posting the agenda. So I only sent him the agenda maybe half an hour after I posted it. But he has not responded, so presumably he's sleeping. But you never know. You know he might wake up to go to the bathroom again. Last week we got – or two weeks ago, we got this uh, good Facebook segment that everyone liked. It was a two-hour segment, but everybody liked it. When, when it was like – Two hours in, I was like, oh boy, we, we wasted two hours talking about Facebook, which has nothing to do with poker, and the listeners are going to be pissed. But everyone liked it. It, it got uh, very good reviews from the audience. I, I get messages on the forum, I get messages on the text line. Oh, I forgot to give that number. You can text the show at the same as our main number, 775-372-8355. By the way, if you forget any numbers we've given out, you can just go to the radio page on PokerFrottler.com, click the radio tab near the top of the screen, and you will see all the phone numbers. But uh, yeah, I, get t- I got text messages about it. I got messages on the forum. Everyone liked the Facebook discussion, and that was the segment of the show that Calwet was part of. He-, he woke up to go to the bathroom, turned on the show, heard we were about to start discussing Facebook. <laughs> He's like, ah, crap, now I've got to call in, because he- I knew he'd want to talk about it. I knew he really wanted to talk about that. So, very glad to have him on there. He was very, very uh, insightful, 
as was Trader Ruski. Everybody contributed very well to that discussion. I thought it was a, one of the best discussions of the topic that I've seen anywhere. And I'm not just saying it because I'm biased because it's my show. I, I really thought that was a high-quality discussion of the Facebook privacy situation and the Internet privacy situation from people who are actually knowledgeable of the industry. All three people in that conversation, myself included, are, are knowledgeable about it. So it, it's not just like listening to idiots guessing at the situation. So I, And all of us had a different perspective. I thought it was a great segment. So anyway... He might wake up again. Now, we don't have something that will grab his interest as much as the Facebook thing two weeks ago, but you never know. He might wake up and decide to come on. Trader Ruski has committed he will be on tonight, and Brandon said he may even try to call in. So uh, we may have Brandon tonight. I think we're going to have Trader Ruski. I'll try to call him in a second. Here's the agenda, then we're going to get going. I'm going to tell you some about my Utah vacation. It's not going to be... Uh, It's, it's not going to be like watching someone's boring vacation slides. I, I know how much it sucks to hear about someone talk about their trip. Oh, I went here and I saw this, and then I went and did, did this and saw this. Like, It's interesting to the person talking about their trip, but not very interesting to listen to. So uh, I'm just going to quickly go over it and tell you some entertaining stories and then move on. There's a big poker fraud alert heads up free roll tournament that's going to happen. Actually, two of them, but uh, I guess I'll tell you about both of them. On the agenda, I I was only meaning to talk about one, but I'll talk about the second one, too. The first one involves uh, a lot of people on Poker Fraud Alert. The second one involves uh, just me and one other person. And no one knows about that yet. There's only one other person listening to the show right now that knows what I'm talking about regarding the second one. So I'll talk about those free rolls. We're going to have Ray Davis on the show. Uh, the Real Grinders Facebook group, if you're not part of it, I suggest you join it. It's uh, an entertaining group and a lot of drama over there and uh, a lot of ridiculous situations going down, a lot of different personalities there. I really enjoy that group. And the Real Grinders group, has you know, it's really become a friend of Poker Fraud Alert Radio. And I, I post a link to the show on there every week. And uh, Raymond Davis has been coming on the show recently, and uh, that's that's really the best poker group on Facebook by far. It, it's got kind of a little of everything. So the Real Grinders group and, and Poker Fraud Alert Radio, you know, they're not officially associated, but I, I'd say they're uh, they're friends of each other at this point. So we're gonna have Ray Davis on the show tonight. He's got two things he wants to talk about. Uh, first of all, a very weird guy named Jared Click who tried to run an affiliate scam. <laughs> Very strange. And this guy has an odd backstory, too. He was actually robbed of a lot of money after bragging about having it on on the, the Internet. So we'll talk about Jared Click and what he was trying to pull and why he got kicked out of Real Grinders. And then uh, Ari Engel, who listens to this show, known by some as Bodog Ari, he's a, a religious Jew. He listens to the show. He's a nice guy, very soft-spoken and uh, easy to get along with. Very good poker player. He really travels the tournament circuit. This is really, really a dedicated tournament grinder, Ari. 
Uh, he plays big events. He plays, I mean, not tiny events, but he'll play kind of like moderate size events all the way up to big events. And he, he just goes all over the world and plays. The guy's constantly playing. I think he even says that he doesn't have a permanent home. I, I believe he does not have a permanent address. I think he just he just travels and stays in hotels. It's crazy. So uh, he just had a big score at the bicycle club of, I think, over 300,000. So congrats to him. I'm always happy to see when he wins. But the reason I'm bringing him up is not just to congratulate him. Uh, Ray Davis brought him up because of a controversial structure at the bike, at the, that particular event, where pros are allowed to buy into day two with an average stack without having to play day one. Something I don't particularly like. So Ray Davis will come on and talk about that as well. And I even have a rebuttal from Ari that I'm going to read to you guys. He wrote a rebuttal to me in uh, in Facebook. Because I, I was mostly agreeing with Ray Davis. While I didn't fault Ari for anything, I did not like that format either. And Ari basically gave me a rebuttal as to why that is a good format in his opinion, at least on a term, at least on an occasional basis. So when we get to that segment, we'll talk about that. So those will be the two Ray Davis topics. And uh, Ray Davis also has an announcement about a lounge that you can go to during the World Series, the Real Grinders Lounge. And we'll understand how that works and how you get into it. And I don't even fully know, but uh, I'm actually planning to go to it. it. It sounds like a cool idea to me. Tam Wen. The face of Jiao Poker, who ended up having egg on that face when Jiao Poker ran off with everybody's money. Uh, he's moving right along to promote another shady poker site. He didn't blink. So I'm going to play you his video promoting it. And we'll talk a bit about Tam Wen and what's wrong with this guy. The World Series of Poker has decided that they're going to have the Big Blind Ante, something I've discussed on this show for the last few weeks, in eight events in 2018. That's a change from before. They were only going to have it in some like very high roller events that were not going to affect anyone except for those who played very, very high at the World Series. Uh, now it's going to be at some regular events as low as $1,500 buy-in. So uh, eight different events at the World Series of Poker in 2018 are going to have a trial run with the... I just lost the damn sound again. This is pissing me off. <laughs> it's going to have a trial run with this big blind ante. I hope it fails. I hope it's a failure. I hope everybody hates it. I don't like it. I think it's awful. I understand what they're trying to do, but I don't I don't like it. I don't approve of it. I think it's stupid. I think that uh, it really takes away a lot of the short stack strategy on both ends. Both as a short stack and stealing from short stacks if you're not a short stack. And that's something I really enjoy playing the World Series, by the way. I mean, I'll get to this more when we get to the segment, but um, I, I consider myself a very good short stack player where I know exactly what to do and when to do it with a short stack. And also, uh, when I'm not a short stack, I'm... I, very good at uh, knowing who to target, when to target, you know, who's going to auto-call me with the, from the big blind, who's not, you know. Like, it's a big part of the game, and it's, it's, it's going to be somewhat diminished by this stupid attempt to save a little bit of time with this big blind anti-crap. So we'll talk about that when we get to that segment. The SLS Las Vegas. It's been a big failure. It's the former Sahara 
It's been losing money rapidly. It's been a money pit. So what do you do with a hotel that was ill-advised in the first place and that uh, is hemorrhaging money? Seems to have been a bad idea. Well, of course, you put more money into it. One hundred million dollars is going into the SLS. We'll talk a bit about that. There's a thread on Reddit that someone sent to me about ways to kind of game the casino at a low level, meaning you're not going to get rich doing any of these things, but little things you can do to either improve your odds or uh, you know get something extra or, or, or make something more convenient for you, just little tricks that you can pull at the casino. So this has been getting more and more popular on the internet, and I'm going to read through it and tell you which is true and which is not, because it's uh, some of the advice is good, but some of it is not good. The person who wrote it like kind of knows what they're talking about, but they don't know as much as they think they do. You, you really have to understand casinos and how they work before you can give advice like this person was giving. You may think you understand, but there's a good chance you don't. There's a good chance you only partially understand casinos and how their systems work and how everything works there. Like It's really something you have to learn from a lot of experience and a lot of careful observation and basically having an interest in the industry. So I would be a good person to give such advice. Brandon would be a very good person to give such advice, uh, but a lot of other people wouldn't be. We're not the only two. There's a lot of others, but I'm saying that uh, you really, really have to know casinos well to give this type of advice and not accidentally screw people. So the person who posted this Reddit thread is kind of a mixture. Some of the advice is good. Some of it's not so good. We'll go over it. If you want to see the the thread itself, it's in the radio thread for this week on the Flying Stupidity Forum of Poker Fraud Alert. Doug Polk and Jonathan Little are going at it on Twitter. Jonathan Little posted a not-so-veiled attack on Doug Polk by saying that he does not feel the need to post controversial or hateful content and that he's seeing that many poker media or poker uh, social media providers, many of the major ones, are going by drama now to get views. And he thinks that's bad for poker and gives poker a bad image. It was clearly aimed at Doug Polk, and Doug Polk responded. As a bonus, Doug Polk has also been blocked by a very, very prominent person in poker. I think you might be able to guess who it is, and I will tell you about that and give you play a little video that he made in response to the blocking. Harris Atlantic City did something really bad. I mean, Harris, Caesars, you know, they, they're known for fail. They're known for terrible operations. They... It, it, I was just thinking today, it's, it's amazing how often they screw up. Sometimes it's a small screw-up, sometimes it's a medium screw-up, sometimes it's a huge screw-up, but it's amazing how many times they screw up and how other casino companies like, like MGM, yeah, yeah, they have some fail too, but never to the degree that we see from the Caesars Corporation. So Harris Atlantic City really screwed the pooch on this one. Uh, players that were traveling to Atlantic City during a big storm uh, some of them couldn't make it there for a very large invitational tournament they're having there. So what happened? Harris decided that uh, without telling anyone until people were already there, that they were canceling the tournament. 
So you come all the way there and find out that they've canceled it. They, they couldn't let you know this before you got on the plane, right? <laughs> Awful. A lot of people pissed off right now, rightfully so. Gemico, the card making company that uh, the card manufacturing company that provided the cards to the Borgata when the controversial Ivy edge sorting situation occurred, they had a court case that was uh, they were being sued by Borgata over the entire situation that uh, the cards they provided were defective and allowed Ivy to take advantage of it. Gemico had a successful outcome in court. I'll tell you about that when we get to that segment. New Jersey is the only state in the nation that disallows a casino from kicking you out of the casino or of a game or from a game because you're engaging in advantage play. Advantage play meaning you're not cheating, but you're using your head to give yourself a mathematical advantage over the house. In Nevada, they can kick you out for that. In every other state, they can kick you out for that. They can't arrest you, but they can they can get rid of you. They can throw you out of there. You have no recourse. Uh, New Jersey, you cannot, thanks to a landmark case in the 1980s where a player who was ejected for card counting challenged it, and New Jersey ruled that they cannot kick people out for that reason. And that stands today, 30 years later. Louisiana may be the next state to do that. They're considering making banning advantage players illegal. I want to give a warning for those that are going to use their rewards credits to pay for Caesars property hotel rooms, especially in Nevada. Uh, They may overcharge you inadvertently. I'll tell you how they may overcharge you and how to avoid it. It just happened to me, so it may happen to you. That is only if you're paying with rewards credits. Well, I'm sure you heard the story about the YouTube offices being shot up by an angry woman who, uh, whose channel was demonetized. That is, that uh, she wasn't allowed to make money on it anymore. They, they took away the ads from her videos. Something that's been happening to content creators everywhere. I don't think her channels were that popular, but uh, uh, the woman definitely had issues. She traveled all the way from San Diego and, and shot up the YouTube offices and shot three or four people. Didn't kill anyone, but uh, injured, I think, four and one of them pretty badly before killing herself. Uh, Obviously, the woman's a total nutcase, but is it time for YouTube to address the demonetization issue? And is there a parallel with what they've been doing to what PokerStars did to the supernova elites? It's a very similar situation in some ways. And... Does YouTube at least have a moral obligation to treat their content creators more predictably and more fairly? So we'll talk about that. Finally, I'm going to tell you a story that was brought to us by a listener named Klins from Finland. He actually translated a Finnish article or interview or something that he translated it and posted it on Poker Fraud Alert's Scam Scandals and Shadiness Forum. This was about uh, at the EPT, not the main events, but the side events, that there's probably money stolen from like every prize pool there until 2011 by a guy named Thomas Kresner, who was eventually caught doing it, but it's assumed that he stole a hell of a lot more than the one thing that he was caught for. Very interesting story, even though it's seven years old. It has not been covered, and 
he just translated an interview where someone was talking about that. And I, I want to bring attention back to that story. Of course, since it's an old story, one we've never talked about before, but it's an old story. Uh, I'm putting it at the end of the show. But I, don't turn it off just because it's from 2011. It, I think it's interesting and it's never really been talked about or discussed. Or if it has been, it's been very lightly discussed and, and never on this site or this show. So that's our agenda this evening. The free roll began nine minutes ago. And we're going to get going. Let me see if I can locate young Trader Ruski here. If not, we will make do without him. I'm hoping we can find him. I, I don't know. I'm kind of getting uh, lonely these days when I have to do this myself. A trap. Oh, there we go. Okay, so I have, I have a co-host. Good, good. Okay. So, Trader Risky, welcome to the show. And, Thank you. You know, have, have you... Damn it. I'm going to try to fix this. I'm really having trouble here with my sound, with the stupid plug. It's, uh, it's not staying in. I have a, kind of an old... Adapter here. It's it's not that old. It's just a. Uh, it's kind of falling apart. You know. You know those black power adapters. They're always such pieces of crap. They fall apart so easily. Just oh, yeah. Just from from normal use. That's what's happened here. And it it just like all of a sudden went from perfectly working to awful. Like two weeks ago, it was perfect. It didn't look perfect, but it worked perfectly. So I didn't bother thinking of replacing it. Now it's it's like the fourth time. Do you have electrical out. tape you can wrap around it? Uh, somewhere, but it's not worth stopping the show to look for. So uh, anyway. The have you ever been to Utah? Um, I skied there a couple of times, but I was just kind of in and out to uh, the ski resort. It's interesting. I've never skied in Utah. I've never skied in any state except for California or Nevada. Those are the only two I've skied in. Um, oh, you haven't been to Colorado? Never Colorado. Never Utah. Uh, never went up to, to Whistler in, in, in Canada. I know. Yeah, people have said this is very good. I've just I've just never done it. It's just something I've just never done. I think part of the reason is because. Yeah, they have pretty good resorts in uh, in the Sierras, like Mammoth and and, uh, and Heavenly Tahoe and some of the other Tahoe ones. So, like, it's harder to get myself motivated to go that extra distance, which requires a plane flight, when I can just drive to Mammoth or Tahoe. That's that's the reason I've never gone to one of them. So, anyway, I, I went to Utah this past week, not to ski, but uh, we actually did a, a national park family vacation. Some of them I've been to before, some of them I haven't been. And what I did is um, I flew f- the family from L.A. to Salt Lake City, and then we rented a one-way car and drove it to all five national parks in Utah and then drove all the way back here, and then I returned it to a local uh, rental car place here. So it was a one-way rental. Uh, few, so the five parks we went to were, were Zion... Well, I should start for the first one we went to. We went to, Can- to Arches, Canyonlands, which are right next to each other, uh, Capitol Reef, which is not known very well, then to uh, Bryce Canyon and to Zion. Zion's the closest one to Vegas. It's about 160 miles away from Vegas. So we, we had been to Zion and Bryce a bunch of times. Capitol Reef we were at once in the past, and uh, the other two we'd never been to before. Um, we also went to a weird state park called Goblin Valley, which is kind of in the middle of nowhere. It's kind of by where Capitol Reef is, like you know, 60 miles away. But uh, if you've ever seen the movie Galaxy Quest, 
there's a scene where there's a rock monster trying to kill Tim Allen, who's playing like a, a version of, of William Shatner. And it's set, you know, that scene is set on another planet. Well, it was actually filmed in Goblin Valley. In fact, it must have been very difficult to get all the equipment over to that remote location. But uh, a very interesting place, this Goblin Valley. It's like, it, it's rocks that are, it's sandstone rocks that are, are kind of like, they almost look like mushrooms. And it's, it's, it's all throughout this one, like, large area. So you can kind of run around through them, climb on them. It's, it's a very weird place, but it's, it's very unique. So we went there too. But some funny stories of fail that happened. So I only, I did two one-way rental car reservations. One on the day we flew just to get to the airport. And the second one was you know, the long rental from Salt Lake all the way back here. So on the day we're flying, I went to go pick up the car. And the only reason I did the first one-way rental is because I, I wasn't going to have a car. I... I I needed to get to the airport somehow. I couldn't park my own car there, or else I'd be stuck at the airport. And then when we went back here with the second car, then I wouldn't be by the airport anymore. So we, we rented a, a car just to drive to the airport. So I got there, and I was told that um, the car that was being held for me, the tires were bad, and that the tire place was closed already. And for that reason, uh, I had to choose between a pickup truck or a tiny vehicle, neither of which were going to work. Well, I looked up in the sky, and, and I saw what looked like a very reasonable possibility of thunderstorms. On, uh, this was on Saturday the 24th. So I said, I can't take either one. I'm not going to put my luggage in the back of a, a pickup truck. Number one, it could bounce out when we're driving to the airport uh, on the freeway. And number two, I c- it could rain on it. And, and I said, no. So they said, well, sorry, that's all we have. So I said, well, do you have any other locations? So they, they took me down to their second location. And I, I called the second location as we were on the way there. And the second location, I got this woman who was super bitchy with me, telling me that uh, I'm not her customer. That the, the people over, you know, in her, the people who are uh, renting the car from her location are her customers, not me. And I said, but it's the same company. It's not, and this isn't a franchise. This is all the same corporate uh, company. The two different corporate locations. So it's the same ownership. So, and she was trying to rush me off the phone saying she's got to help customers. I said, I am a customer and I can't get my car. So, um, she was just very nasty with me, refusing to help me, acting like, you know, it's not her problem. Telling me that there's, you know, a bunch of other people that I, they can't give a car to me that other people have reserved because they're, they're booked solid all the way through two o'clock. This is like 12 o'clock. And I said, yeah, but I was there before the people at two o'clock. I said, I, I got here at 11 something to the other location and you have to honor me first, then worry about the other people later. You can't just count me out because uh, I'm from the other location. And maybe some of them can take a pickup truck. I can't. So um, she was refusing to help me. And they basically told me you know, to go eat shit, <laughs> for lack of better words. Until I told them, I'm, I said, okay, well, if that's what you're going to do, then I'm going to take an Uber to the airport. And I'm going to sue you, and I'm going to make a major corporate complaint about this, and I'm going to name you. I'm going to name you as the person who's refusing me. Well, that changed her mind. All of a sudden, now she she was willing to deal. Why that? What? What? Which one was it? Enterprise? Did you say? I I didn't say. Oh, you didn't. Okay, my bad. So I don't think I said. 
Anyway, oh, Cal watches came online. Anyway, they they were uh, they were very difficult with me, but they uh, they changed when I told them that uh, that I might sue them and, and make a corporate complaint. The, the lawsuit they weren't afraid of because it's not a lot of money, but uh, what they were afraid of was that the consequences of you know me taking it that far. Because basically, this is a. I don't use crap rental car companies for this reason. Because if something goes wrong, I want them to be a company that actually has uh, standards to where they don't want customers leaving pissed off. And if like the, the crappy little ones like Budget, they're awful. They'll screw you. They don't care. Uh, the better ones, uh, which include you know, Avis, Hertz, uh, National Enterprise, ones like that. The, those ones, uh, they will. If you really get pissed and threaten to report them to above, they will get nervous and they will usually help you. So that's what happened. She was, she she knew that if I reported this to her superiors that this would have been a black mark on her and it actually would have been a black mark on, on the other location too for giving away my car or, quote, having a flat tire, which I don't even believe. So um, anyway, they, they managed to find one for me in a, in a very bizarre set of circumstances which happened from there that I won't even go into. But... Uh, what I will go into is the fact that we have Calwatt here. What's going on, Druff? So, so uh, yeah, I, I, I thought you just... When Did you just... Uh, are we done with the intro? Did you just get started or, yeah, or we what just, Yeah, we're just getting started here. Yeah, I, I, When you didn't respond to me texting you the agenda at like 9.50 your time, I thought, well, I guess he turned in early and that's it. No. <laughs> well, I was thinking about it, but... No, I mean, it, like, I have no idea. Like, you got to ping me when you uh, when you start. You know? Oh, okay, okay. That's what. Cause, well, because I know, I know that in theory, right? There's a start time, but well, well let's yeah. Be real, let's be realistic. No, I know, I know. But, but <laughs> no, what, what what I had thought is because you didn't respond, you hadn't not responded to the agenda thing. I thought you just yeah. were asleep, so I I didn't want to bother you again. But did you do the agenda? Yes, yes, we did the agenda. Oh, so, so I here I got a I got a question for you that's been burning in the back of my mind for the last couple of weeks. Yes. Every year. I get this urge to just light money on fire. When are you going to list your package for the World Series of Poker? <laughs> oh, that's well. Um, the short answer is I don't know because see, here's here's the problem: is I I haven't decided what I'm going to do, whether I'm going to sell it or not, or if I'm just going to take the entire risk myself. I I, I last year, and I know I'm deviating from this uh, trip topic here, but since you asked. Last year, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know you were in the. No, 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 it's, it's fine. I, I, I might as well address this. Last year, I I had that incident with this family emergency that came up on day two of the of the three K event, and then I, I ended up blinding a short stack out like twenty five minutes of day two, which was very bad, and I ended up not cashing. I gave everyone their money back for that for that event, so it was basically a free roll for anybody. And then some idiot troll tried to accuse me of. Uh, that I was going to roll people and not tell anyone, but the, the guy like jumped the gun. Like 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 two hours after the event, he decided that I'm, I'm rolling everybody. He didn't give me a chance to even you know say anything about this. So anyway, everyone thought that guy was. was You're a, not going to let the haters get you down, man. No, Come it's on. not. The, no, it's not the haters. I you know everybody thought that guy was an idiot, and no one no one took his side on that. And so you know everybody knew that uh, what he was alleging was not true. So I'm not worried about that. But but what it did make me think about was when I sat down. And it was 25 minutes late to day two with a short stack to begin with. Uh, the first thought I had, aside from, oh, my God, I can't, you know, I, 
Like, for those of you that forgot, what happened was that um, I could have made it on time. It's just with all that was going on, um, I, I, it just morphed in my brain to be 3 o'clock instead of 2 o'clock, the restart. And by the time I realized it, I, I was 25 minutes late. So the when I got down there and saw you know that I had lost chips and that uh, this was going to really affect me probably, and then I ran bad too, my first thought beyond, oh, I was an idiot, was, oh, my God, I feel awful for the backers, and what do I do about this? Like, that was the first thought of, of, of you know, oh, the backers. Of, like, had had this happened just uh, to me and, and my own money, I, might, I may not even have said anything to anyone because it was nobody's business. Um, not that I'm trying to hide something, but it's just one of these things that's kind of embarrassing, and, you, you know, it was about a personal situation going on in my life I didn't feel like explaining to people like you know I probably if, if it was all my own money at, on the line there then I would have not said anything probably and just dealt with it and it would have been frustrating I would have been mad at myself but uh, um, it, there was an extra level of this when that happened and not that I expect this to ever happen again I've never showed up late to a day two aside from that so like I, I don't expect to keep showing up late to day twos uh, I, I'm very obsessed with not missing hands <laughs> at that point in, in the event um, but I have the same feeling when I bust out or when I think I've made a mistake or, or anything else. The first thing I think, or, or just, I'm not doing well. And I, I've, you know, I've bricked a bunch of events in a row and I'm, I'm not just saying this to sound moral or something. I really think of the backers, like I'm letting people down and it's like an extra level of, uh, of frustration and pressure, even though it shouldn't be. And I know at the same time that uh, people, first of all, I wasn't letting anyone buy very much. So the most people owned is 4% of me. So no one was losing big money. Nobody was. Uh, so I know that. I know that everybody's doing it more for the entertainment and the sweat of the whole thing rather than a chance to make big money. I understand all that. I understand that people are, are enjoying it. It's, it's more enjoyable to follow the World Series if there's someone you have a piece of there. And who gives frequent updates as I do? So those, you know, those are the reasons to do it. But it's still hard for me to get out of my head uh, that this is going on. So, so there's that factor. But then there's the positives I just mentioned too. You think, uh, you think people in the NBA give a fuck that people are betting on them and losing money? You know? No, but there, the, there, are, lo- there are lots of people that, like you were saying, they like to throw little money in there just to give them a little skin in the game, a little sweat. No, I, I understand what you're saying, but it's just uh, there's. The, the NBA players aren't asking for the money. It's just happening whether they like it or not. Uh, with me, I, I have the choice whether it goes on, and then these are people who actually own pieces that otherwise I would have owned. And uh, so there, I, I have kind of this battle still going on within myself of do I want to sell pieces and uh, have the negatives that come with it that I just mentioned or, 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 or you know, are the positives and outweighing the negatives for me here because I, I do like the fact that people care about it. The people are, are, are happier when I'm winning because they, uh, they have a piece of it. They have a reason to be following. I mean, it's, it's, it's like having a little cheering section there. I mean, like, that, that's all nice to have. And I, and I got to enjoy that when I made fifth place five years ago at the, at the five K limit Hold'em that, uh, that people got that, that excitement. And, and even some other ones where I was coming, you know, I seem to be making a deep run like down to 40th place or whatever in, in recent years. And then just, yeah, didn't make it further. So I, it's just I haven't decided nowhere yet. So I'm not giving the excuse now why I'm not doing it, but I'm also not saying I am. So that's why it's been kind of a um, a stall. Uh, the other reason is I have on the schedule 
near the beginning of the World Series, the 10K08, Limit 08 event. And that one I may actually uh, be looking to, to sell a piece of the... Yeah, I may actually be looking to sell like a large piece to someone who wants to do like a big gamble. And I, have some, I know of some people who might be interested, but that would be kind of separate, so I don't want to make that part of the package. And it's, it's actually for the... Um, part of the reason I, I'm doing that is because I haven't... Uh, you know, I haven't played Omaha as long as I have Hold'em, obviously. So uh, I, I don't something of that size. I don't even want to make part of the public package. So there's yeah, there's a lot of that stuff still going on in my mind, and uh, that's that's why there's a delay on that. So I'll I'll probably make an announcement in the next week or two as to what I'm going to do, whether I'm going to sell pieces or not. Uh, but you I sound very conflicted. I, I am very, very conflicted on it, and I have been ever since the end of the last World Series. I, I, I like, I had times I said, "That's it. Next year, I'm not selling anything." And they go, "No, no, I probably should. No, 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 I'm not doing that again. No, no, you know what? I probably should. It's no big deal." Like I, I'm constantly going back and forth. It's like the, the the angel and the devil on each shoulder. I don't know which one's the angel, which one's the devil, but uh, it, it's that sort of uh, conflict in my head about it. Anyway, well, Druff, tastysteaks.com is ready for you. Thank you. I, I will definitely Despite use... the fact that I've been busy as hell, I, I put in all the fucking tournaments. Very tedious. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you have no Chowak idea. did all this work just for you, Druff. I know, man. I mean, what the hell? And I'm not even going to have a sweat. Like, uh, maybe I should just ignore the World Series this year, you know? Yeah. You're ruining it for me. You ruin it. You ruin it for me, Druff. You, you, you know what else though? I, on, on the on the positive side of of that that I should offer the pieces is like, what if this is the year when I don't do it and I like totally kick ass and like get super deep in a bunch of events or win an event and like especially if it's one I would have sold and like a, like how fresh would people everyone be who bought pieces other years where this year I decide not to and then win? So, well, let me so. You know, I'm I'm kind of joking around, but it, it actually was a pain in the ass to put all those tournaments up there. Um, but I might as well plug my free site on your free show. Yes, <laughs> go ahead. But the no, no, but when I was going through and entering all these tournaments in there, the one thing that kind of struck me well, there are two things that struck me about it. Um, one was that the the buy-in levels really haven't changed ever since the world series started for the most part in, in that there, other than a couple of high rollers, like 10 K is the championship tournament, right? Yeah. And, and 10 K back then is not even close to what 10 K is yeah, way today, more. right? Yeah. Um, and then add in the fact that you also have a ton of lower level tournaments that are in here. And a lot of them, like over the years, like I, I think, I don't even remember, I think 20, 14 or 2015 maybe was the first year that we did tasty steaks I'm, I'm not even really sure but i've entered them every year and i've noticed that like the tournaments are getting gimmicker and gimmicker yes, every they are. year they are like i mean really like you you went i mean you get the colossus and then you get the giant and now you get the plo giant and they get i mean it's just yeah and i'm staying away from those for the most part and uh but we'll talk there's actually another gimmick this this stupid big blind ante that's going to be in eight different events this year we'll talk that's an official topic on our agenda so anyway um yeah tasty steaks is, is it's a great site to use to for record keeping as as far as if you want people to buy pieces of you i've been using it every year and uh if i, if I do sell pieces i'll definitely be using it again Yes. And it's free. Totally free, like, yes. Fr- free as in fucking beer. Like, don't uh, – there's some other sites out there where, you know, you can 
sign up and what they do is they they charge you like a a five percent fee just to like buy a piece and it's just ridiculous you know yeah why yeah it is totally free and it works well and so that that's that's why i use it as soon as as cowbot suggesting i use it i'm like oh, i don't know I, I don't know if i want to spend money on this <laughs> then, oh he, then, then he told me it's free i said okay then i can you think it. you run your site at a loss let me just tell you the loss that i run this fucking thing at <laughs> Okay, so just concluding the thing with the Utah vacation, and then we'll go. So, so they. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. And and the the closer. Yeah, that's dumb. The whole thing with starting events after the World Series main event is dumb. But yeah, why are they doing that? Do you I know? Do you have no. any kind of inclination as no. to why the the main event is not the last event? No, it's stupid. The only the only positive to me is that the best no limit hold'em finish I've ever had at the World Series was in one of those. It was a fourth place, but. But it's it seems like I mean could it be related to the the one drop because they they are doing the the million dollar one this year I don't know it's it's just probably some or something. TV coverage or I mean like what what is the reasoning I think because they feel they have the staff there anyway for the main event until it's over so why waste the space and why waste the staff I think that's what they're saying uh, yeah and they have thousands of people that bust out that would probably want to jump into something else I mean, that makes sense. Could, you know. I but yeah, I don't feel like it. I like I, I I kind of wanted to be done. Then I was pissed when I saw that the stupid three K six max hold'em was after it because that I don't want to skip. Otherwise, if it was just crap, I could go either way playing. I would have skipped it. I, I really yeah. just want to be done when that's over. So anyway, uh, at so that was getting. So I got this car finally to get to the airport. The car I got at Salt Lake was fine. Everything was fine with with it until I got back and I was supposed to return it on April 1st. I get there to April fir- on April 1st to return the car, which is a Sunday. And uh, I'm all ready to return it as was agreed upon on the uh, sign up. I have the confirmation sheet and everything. And there's a sign in the window. We are closed today in observance of Easter. So I, I said, wait a minute, what, what is this? How, how could I possibly have rented a car to return on this day when you can't return it? So I didn't know what to do. So it says, oh, you can drop your key here and leave the car, but if anything happens to it, it's on you. I'm like, yeah, screw that. So I just drove back, I just drove back home and said, screw it, I'm keeping it another day. And I demanded that they uh, not only take off the extra day, but also that the gas I used go back and forth, which actually took it a little bit under full, that, that they don't charge me for that. So they, they agreed. So there was there was that fail. And um, I, I stayed in two budget motels. Ones I don't... like. No, I don't usually stay in budget motels. Well, you think I'm a cheap Jew, I probably stay in budget motels all the time. I don't. Because even though I'm a cheap Jew, I'm cheap in the way that I like value. And Budget, so I don't like crap. I just like value. I like getting a good price for things that are quality. So budget hotels are actually not usually a very good deal. Yes, you're getting a cheap price, but it's not cheap. Like, if, Would you rather have a really crappy hotel for $60 or, or a, a, a decent hotel for $90? Unless you're poor, the answer is a decent hotel for $90. Like you, you know, you'd be stupid to take the 60 hotel that's crap if there's one for $90 that's, that's, that's fairly good. So that's the approach I take. And I'll even stay in a very nice hotel. I've, like I'll stay if I see that a hotel which is normally would, would be worth five hundred dollars a night, I can get for uh, two eighty. And then there's another hotel that's kind of okay for one twenty five. I'll usually do the ones two eighty if it's if it's that good of a deal. You know, like I I really just go for value. 
I I go for getting fucked in the ass. I'm going to a, a conference down in New York City. Yeah. And a buddy of mine booked the hotel room a week ago for ended up being like two fifty a night, something like that. I called uh let's see, it was late last week, I think. And it was now up to I think I'm paying four eighty a night. Yeah, well you're gonna same hate fu- same fucking room. You're gonna hate me for this then a year ago. I think a year oh, ago no. this week. I, I in Times Square I had a big suite on the top of a, of a nice hotel in the, t- in the middle of Times Square for uh, 300-something a night. I'm hanging out. <laughs> yeah, this is in Greenwich Village. Yeah, this is, I, I couldn't believe it. The thing actually went for like 1200 a night, and I got it for like 320 That was one of my best values of all time. I was very proud of myself. But mm. um, a- anyway, the... So I don't usually stay in budget hotels, but in this case, I didn't have a choice because two of the tiny towns I stopped in, uh, that was all there was. Like you I, weren't kidding. Like, I saw some of the photos. I looked it up on the map. You were in the middle of fucking nowhere. Yeah, I, I sent it to Calwatt. <laughs> like, that, that wasn't even a one-horse town. That, yeah. was, a, that was a no-horse it, it town. Was. Like, like, it was. Like You wouldn't believe how tiny some of these places were. And it, it, I, I didn't just randomly stop there. That was where I was planning to stop just based upon the itinerary of the trip where I kind of had to stop. So... It was interesting because they were both around the same price. They were both around 60 bucks a night. And they were both well-regarded on TripAdvisor. And yet one of them was horrible. Not just horrible. One of them was bad. I shouldn't say horrible. One of them was pretty bad. And one of them was, was very good. Now, which of the two you think was better? There was one that was like on top of a convenience store. Literally on top of a convenience store. Mm-hmm. And one of them that was kind of just a typical uh, roadside motel in a t- in a small town. Which which do you think was the bad one? Which do you think was a good one? Well, without looking at them, just on paper, I'd take the one above the convenience store. That that was the better one. Yeah, the the, the one mm. above the convenience store was actually surprisingly good. It was very large. It was clean. Uh, the, everything the, the they were very friendly there. They were you know, th- when I checked in. I said, "What time's checkout?" The guy's like, "Well, it's eleven, but uh, you know, it's, I see you're checking in pretty late, so we're pretty easy going here. Just you know, just just whenever you feel like leaving." <laughs> so, no, no, the, I mean, there's no rush of people going to occupy the room. No, but the other one was the opposite. The other one was like super hard line. We were like a few minutes after eleven, and they they uh, they, they banged on the, the maid banged on the door. It was like the maid and family guy. Uh, she wouldn't take no for an answer. She banged on the door, and I explained to her we're getting our stuff together to be out shortly, and she's like. No, no. I'll check out eleven. I go. No, no. We're 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 we came in very late last night. You know, the shower doesn't work very well. We're you know we're we're getting everything together. We'll be out in a few minutes. No, no. Check out eleven. Check out eleven. And I'm like, what, what was I supposed to do? Just abandon my stuff and leave? Like what? I don't know what she was asking me to do. So finally, I just is closed. This the, the part you were telling me about where you demanded her green card. <laughs> we're gonna skip that part. But I, oh, okay. I, I, I so I, I finally just closed the door on her and. and uh, uh, but anyway, yeah, one was bad, one was good. And what was bad about the bad one? Well, I knew it was a bad sign when I arrived there. And th- they were closing the office at 10, and I arrived at like 9.40. So near closing, but not like right at closing. And the the woman who was managing it, like lives on the premises. She lives in the office with her husband. She must be the owner. But she... Uh, I walk in there. She says, "Oh, you must be Steve." I go, "Huh?" 
I said, no, I'm Todd. She's like, Todd. And I go, oh boy, this is not going to be good. So she goes, no, we only have Steve. I go, well, I can show you my confirmation. He's like, oh no, I realized what happened. I thought Steve was you. And now you're going to get Steve's room. Huh? Now, how does Steve okay. go through the whole check-in process without her noticing that he's not that he's not Todd Wittellis? Like, a, somehow Steve was... I, I don't know how the hell this happened, but this she was sincere. I could tell she was legitimately shocked I was not Steve. See, elderly? No, she was the same age as me. I actually found out later she's like... The, she looked older than me, but she was the same age as me. She was, she was mm-hmm. born the same year as me. So... Joe, so, I was once checked. Do you know where uh, Trinidad is? Trinidad, the country? The, con- the country. Yes, yes. So a lot of people don't necessarily know where it is, but do you know where Tobago is? Yes. it's Yeah, they're, they're associated. Yeah, so it's one country, Trinidad and Tobago, and <clears throat> Tobago is like a little island off the coast. So I'm in the middle of nowhere in Tobago checking in, and the woman is confused, just like you're talking about here, about, you know, uh, I, you know, I don't understand. You just took your room. Like, not what's going on? In in the middle of fucking nowhere, someone with my exact first and last name was also checking. Oh, into that that's hotel. so weird. That's so weird. Well, at least that one. At least that one has a good reason. And he was for a it. native uh, Trinidadian. <laughs> that's funny, right? So I met I met like my you know doppelganger sort of you know really? at least in name. It was really bizarre though. They were confused for a little while, and I'm like, wait. And then I met the guy. I'm like, oh hey, what's up, man? <laughs> Well, you know, I, I'm, I'll tell you something. This is something a lot of people don't know. Uh, there are no Wittelluses in the world that are not closely related to me. Every single Wittellus in is that the, the world, result of inbreeding, or no? I mean, there's just there's very very few, and the ones that there are, I, I know very well and are part of my close family. What about Whittles? Uh, well, there there actually are some Whittles if you take the, the second E out of my name. <laughs> That are not related to me, but if you spell my the exact way my name is spelled, there are none other than ones that uh, are in my you know, immediate family or kind of you know, direct offshoots of my immediate family. So I'm not going to meet another Todd Wittellis, but I, I did meet I didn't meet Steve, but Steve got my room. Now the good news was we had the same bedding type reserved. The bad news mm. was that I hate small motels that are like. Right there, like the room is right there at the parking lot where you can like drive up to the room. I mean, it's con- it's convenient to unload your luggage, but other than that, it's very noisy in the morning. People get up, they you know they're all getting up to leave. They're they're all noisy. There's kids outside that are noisy. Like I I hate being like right there where your door's right next to the parking lot, like literally inches from the parking lot. So I made sure to get a second story room, but Steve got my second story room, so I got Steve's first story room. And sure enough, it's 7 a.m., these super loud kids out there, and this went on forever. And uh, Very bad night of sleep after 7.30 a.m. because of, uh, of that situation. So that, that was fail. So that was one problem at that place. Uh, it was also kind of small. It, uh, the, it didn't have a fan in the bathroom, and the window was either bolted shut or painted shut. So if <laughs> you take a dump in there, it's, it's, the smell's not going away. And uh, then the the heater problem. So the low was like 30 degrees that night. So you're going to want to turn on the heater. But the problem is, is when is this heater like, that sticks out of the unit. So it's very strong. 
Even the low setting is very strong. So you turn on the heater and it blasts hot air, and very quickly the small room gets roasting. So then you turn it off. Well, then it gets freezing in there. So I was waking up over and over and over, having to turn the heater on and off. So I'll wake up freezing. I'll go turn on the heater. It warms up. Then I wake up all hot. I wake up and turn it off. Then I wake up again and I'm freezing. This went up over and over and over again. So there's such fail. And it's amazing. These two things were the same price, these two hotels and these two small towns. And one was so much better than the other. One of them was kind of like Holiday Inn Express quality uh, with a nice staff. The other one was was uh, crap with a, uh, a difficult staff. And the funny thing is on TripAdvisor, they were both related about, they're both rated about the same. I, I sometimes wonder on TripAdvisor what people are thinking. Because I've... Usually I agree with the consensus of reviews, but there's been some times I'm left scratching my head where people, if something's very well-reviewed and it sucks, and even a few times where something's not very well-reviewed and I actually think it's much better than it, than the rating says it should be. I actually had this, this past summer where I stayed in a place I was dreading and it was actually very nice because the TripAdvisor review sucked, so... Can't can't always trust this stuff. Even when there's like a ton of reviews, you think there's like, like a thousand reviews, the place is gonna yeah, you're gonna get a pretty good picture of it. But no. Do you use these review sites when you you travel, like to to look where to stay? I mean, I check them out a little bit, but most of the time that I'm traveling somewhere, I'm not planning to spend a whole lot of time in the room anyway. So as long as the room's decent, I really don't care all that much, unless I'm bringing my wife or something. Well, that's the see. I, I will admit I'm much more particular when I'm bringing the family than just myself, especially because um, other things start to matter which don't when you're traveling yourself, like the size of the room mm-hmm. and the bedding configuration and a lot of stuff like that. So, and if I bring the kids, I make sure that I've got a door in the middle that locks. Right. And that, that's, <laughs> that's the other issue. It's like That's a constant battle with me of like how much is it worth to spend on that. Uh, or is it even available at all? Because, like, uh, yes, I, I'm always very happy when we get to the days of the trip that have that. Like, oh, good, this is the sweet day. So, uh, anyway. Yeah, and I think it's stuff like bed bugs and things like that you got to look for in mm-hmm. those, uh, you know, as far as the reviews go. I, I've run very well with bed bugs. I've never had a big bug bite in my life. Not in my life. So, but I, that that I've I've run, I've run well with that, and also with trip weather. The weather's always good every time I travel. Sometimes a little bit hot, but other than that, like never get rain. Even in places that rain all the time, like I, I mean the the number of days I've taken trips, and the number of days I've had above average weather for the time of year and where I'm going, it, it's almost every time. Like I'm what waiting. the fuck, man? I I traveled over to Malaysia. I called in and. There's a fucking typhoon there. Right. You, know, right. you See, don't get typhoons when no, you travel? No, that doesn't happen to me. No, I, like I'll go to places <laughs> that it rains like, like 300 days a year and, I'll, and, and I stay there a week and it doesn't rain once. So, like, that's, so, somehow that's where I run really well. If I, if I could run in the World Series the way I run in weather on trips, I, I'd win like a bracelet every year. So I, I'm way above expectation on that. Like every year I keep waiting for it to change and it never changes, including this year. Okay, so enough of that. Let's, let's talk about the, the heads-up free roll that's coming up. This is interesting. This is – I feel on Poker Fraud Alert that I have to do the heavy lifting on here, which makes sense because it's my site. I own 100% of it. You know, this is, it's, it's my responsibility. But um, usually not much happens on the site if I'm not organizing it and overseeing it and doing it. So that, that's what I've gotten used to in these six-plus years we've been running Poker Fraud Alert. So I was very pleased to see that something big actually was set up and 
got going and uh, hasn't started yet, but it's going to be starting soon, and and everyone's looking forward to it. Uh, without my input whatsoever, and in fact, uh, the person who organized it was Brandon, and he actually just made some decisions on his own and just hoped I was going to be okay with it. Like he made some promises to people and just uh, just knowing me figured I'd be okay, which I was. He didn't promise anything that I uh, didn't like. But this is the Poker Fraud Alert Spring, Spring Classic Heads Up Invitational. And it's a heads up No Limit Hold'em tournament with uh, 32 people that are pre-approved to play. This is partially sponsored by the JSIP repayment fund. JSIP was a scammer <laughs> who, who ripped people off. And this is one of the few scammer success stories where he was tracked down. He ripped off $12,000 from the community, but he was tracked down by members of Poker Fraud Alert and, and pressure was put on, legal pressure, let me say, but uh, pressure was put on. To, I thought uh, you are talking about a different kind of pressure. Yeah, to... to, to Make him pay. Basically, that uh, that if he didn't start coughing up the money, that uh, members of Poker Fraud would be forever in his life, and everybody who he ever associated with would always know what a scammer he was. And that, uh, or he the was, the pressure of something large being inserted into his anus. Well, that could have happened too. So, <laughs> so anyway, he's been slowly paying, and, and you know, so, so just about all the money has been collected and unfortunately in the time that this has taken some people who got ripped off vanished and we can't find them so we've given years for some people to reappear but but at some point we have to do something with the money it seems like some are just gone it can't be reached we've tried to email them with the email address on file we just cannot find them this is the years have gone by and they they, they they cannot be reached through you know despite everyone's best efforts so uh, obviously it wouldn't be ethical for Brandon or, or China Maniac, these are the two who are mainly in charge of uh, of this effort here, uh, for them to keep the money, even though they, they did a lot of work on this whole thing, especially Brandon. So, uh, but they decided the best thing to do with the money would be to put it out for uh, this uh, heads-up invitational. But then something even nicer happened, and that is people started donating to it. So there's a lot of money now that is involved in this. And uh, is this China Maniac by any chance on the phone? Yeah, is this the fraud show? It is the fraud show. So I figured you're calling up since we're talking about this and you're, you're very much in, involved in uh, in doing this. So so there's, there's so China, there's there's 32 people that are going to be involved in this. Uh, and are, have the 32 all been selected yet? Oh, no, that's, that's why I was calling in. We actually, we're, we're going to have a, a 64, 64 oh, person 64. field. And right now there's over 70 people signed up. So what we're going to do is I think we're going to take about 20 out of the 70 and we're going to put them into a tournament this Sunday night. And let's say that there's 50 guaranteed spots and then we have 20 or 25 people left over. Out of those 20 or 25 people that play that tournament, the 14 people that last the longest in the tournament Sunday night, we'll get the final 14 seats. Okay, that's, that sounds good. Now, now uh, I, I said I'll play in it. Do I have to go through this process, or have I been approved to, to skip past oh, no. this? Uh... No. Yeah, you, 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 you passed the preliminary. You're, okay. you're, you automatically have a seat. Okay, good, good. So I... As does um, Calawant, Trader, they have seats too. Okay. So, so Nice. And, and what, what is the current prize pool? Awesome. What's the current prize pool? 
we're, we're looking at, I think, over $1,000 right now, or okay. close to it. Okay, so, th- yeah, so the start, I think the start there was about $300 in from people that got refunds from the JSEP refund thing. So that all got, they donated that, and then there's just donations coming in from the users. So I think when all said and done, we're up to around a thousand, maybe a little less, maybe a little more. And if people want to play, they have to request permission in the thread until Friday night. Okay, this is the, the it's called PFA Spring Classic Heads Up Invitational, sponsored by JSIP Repayment Fund. That's the name of the thread in the Flying Stupidity Forum. You'll find it on the first page because it's an active thread. Uh, it's up to like. 13 pages or so now. So, yeah, so if you guys if if you're not in this and you want to request being uh in this now, now what criteria comes towards uh being approved? And first of all, anyone who requests at this point, would they be in this uh tournament on Sunday or are there are some who may uh, leapfrog it and actually just become get an automatic seat? Um some some will get automatic seats, others won't. I would think the lower post total that people have, or the if it's low inactivity, then they they might have to play in the Sunday night tournament to win a seat. Um, if you make a donation, there's a, a better chance that you get a seat, okay. an automatic seat without without going through the tournament Sunday okay. night. So so uh, yeah. So anybody yeah. who wants to go so, ahead. Yeah, so anyway, anyway who wants to post on that thread, and there's a committee. Then the committee who who does the selection. That's a is it U P L O L Willie McFML instead of King? Is that the the committee? Um, no, it's me. And the other three you mentioned all got fired for unknown reasons. <laughs> and then there is um, there's four more people on the committee, but I can't I can't make those names public. I see because. So, so, so you, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of bribery going on. There, there's a lot. There's, so there's trying to bribe. That's that's, yep. that's funny that there was a house cleaning here that you, I didn't know about that. See, this all this all took place. Yeah. This thread was created on March 29th. Okay, I was still on my trip until late March 31st. So I and I was in an area you know, mo- as as Calwatt saw. I was in these remote areas with very poor internet access, and I, I just. I, I saw this was going on at one point, but I couldn't even read the thread well enough, so I didn't even bother to read it. Like I, I really didn't get to read the thread at all until the early morning of April first. So this is, this was all set up and going on without my input or, or or anything having to do with me. And I was very happy to see it that this all took place without my assistance. So yeah, I, I had no idea it was going on either. I was named the uh, the head of the. Commission without even my knowledge. Oh, I didn't even I know that. <laughs> I accepted the position gracefully. Okay, well, that's that's good. Well, thank you, China. So this will, this will be fun and, here. And one other one, one other thing: if non PFA users, if you don't have a registered account and you want to get into the tournament, hundred dollar donation that will get you in. Yeah, and and by the way, it's a donation. This is not like gambling. It is not a buy into the tournament. He's just saying that if you want to, yeah. If so you, I got to I got to donate a hundred bucks then. No, 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 you, no, no, no. you have you, a seat. You guys have automatic seats, but if any listeners out there that don't have poker room accounts or PFA accounts, if they want to get into the tournament, it'll take a one hundred dollar donation. Yeah, and I, mm. I and I think it also yeah, as far as whether you get a direct seat or whether you have to uh, give the donation or whether you just get to play that tournament there, uh, it has to do with 
basically what you've done for for the site and how long you've been there and how active you've like a lot of things come together so like like uh, Cal Watt and, and Trader Ruski they've they've done so much here with being co-hosts of the site and other things they've yeah, done yeah but the the stuff i've done they're probably going to make me pay 500 bucks to get in there no <laughs> <laughs> so and i think for the this tournament too it's going to be heads up best 2 out of 3 you'll have a week to play the matches get them in versus your opponent um, we're going to have the table set up in the fraud room by Belly Buster and the blind levels, will, you'll get 1500 in chips, five minute blinds. And I think it'll start at like 1530 and every five minutes it'll go like 2040, 3060, something like that. Okay. I'm sure it'll be very good. So I'm going to enjoy playing this here. And, uh, to be honest, I'm really playing for, I'm not even trying to win the money. I'm just going to play for fun here. It sounds like a, Interesting event. Uh, all these people from Poker Fraudler are coming together to play these heads-up matches, and uh, eventually it'll get down to the final two. So we will see. And uh, if, if I do manage to win, though, I, I promise you the, the room is not rigged for me to win, even though I would like that, but it's, yep. it's, it's not. I I don't even have control. Now, if Belly Buster wins, that's a different story. But uh, if I win, I have no way to rig it. It's not even on my computer. Yep. So and the, the one other thing, me and Drexel, I think we're going to do a a selection show one maybe Sunday night or Monday night. Okay, like a a radio selection show, and if this goes well, we might have the fall classic as well. Yeah, that, that'd be interesting. I, I mean, that'd be a great thing to have here. I think that uh, everyone's very excited about this, and uh, it also I think it gives people more incentive to uh, participate in the site in some way, whether it's through the radio, through the forum, sure. or whatever. You know, just uh, basically this is rewarding people who who really have been part of the site in some way to where there's been some form of, of contribution that has made the site better. So anyway, uh, yeah, thank you, China, all for right. doing all this, and uh, I appreciate. It. I owe you some money too. Some money was sent to me on your behalf, so I'll send that to you soon. All right, sounds good. Okay, good yeah, th- thanks for the seed, China Man. And, yeah, uh, and I'll kick in uh, 50. Wow. So just let me know where to send it. I'm going to kick in 51. All right, no. oh. <laughs> All right yeah. Okay, 52. Uh, 53. <laughs> just, just post in the thread or send it to Drop or Brandon, and then we'll go from there. All right, perfect. Okay, very good. All right, thanks, guys. Thank you, China. Have a good one. So and yes, radio listeners, you know, you guys can try it too. If you, you know, if you're total unknown, unfortunately, the uh, selection process is going to be a bit harsh on you. This is why this is why I recommend you you make a forum account and make yourself known in some ways. If you just kind of appear out of nowhere, I appreciate the people who just listen and just lurk. But uh, and I'm glad you're out there. But when it comes to things like this, like it, it's hard to tell the difference between people like that and those who just showed up for the money and also even if they know you've been listening there's a yeah, there's a difference between listening and contributing in some way it's it's more effort to contribute in some way whether it's by money or by time or whatever so uh, th- this is more to award to reward people who have done things to make the site uh, better or more interesting so okay uh going on to our, our first topic now this is i i don't know what happened here raymond davis who usually is not difficult to reach. Let me, I'm going to message him. Because he, uh, oh, he said, I need a time block for tonight. I, I want to post my time in the group. Oops, I didn't see that till now. Are you around? We can do it now. Raymond Davis wants to come on and talk about two things. Uh, there's a really weird guy named Jared Click. That's K-L-I-C-K. If the name sounds familiar, it's because he was part of a weird story that we talked about on the show previously, I think like two years ago, two, three years ago, 
where he was bragging about like a large score he had and all this money that he had won. And he had like $120,000 cash in his home. I think it was in the Cleveland area. And he claimed that uh, some black guys came to his door and that when he answered the door, they busted in and uh, you know, tied him up and, and stole all his money and demanded that he tell them where every bit of money is. And the, the story seemed like it was BS. It just seemed like so much of it was sensational. And, you know, of course, the, the guys doing it were, were the stereotypical black thugs and you know, there was a lot of elements to this where it sounded like he was making it up, and and he also claimed that he won the money playing. Where they dressed as Humpty Hump. Yeah, <laughs> and he claimed he won it playing five five no limit, which didn't make any sense. So there's a lot of stuff that just didn't add up. Well, of all things, it was true because there was a guy arrested, and this was in a, a reputable publication in the area. A guy wow. was arrested for having done this, and and is currently in prison for having done this, and. uh so, yes, the thing really happened. And then he, he rubbed it in everybody's faces on 2 plus 2 who doubted him. Well, that's not what this is about. We've talked about that before. Uh, he's been active on the Real Grinders group, this Jared Click. And uh, at first he was being very generous to people and uh, giving them money here and there. And like he wasn't asking for anything in return. And Raymond Davis is very suspicious that this is some kind of long con. That's... That's often what scammers do is they come off as very generous and uh, never ask for anything back and just ask, act like they, all they want to do is help. And then when people get to trust them and like them, that's when they start to scam them. It's known as the confidence scam. So Raymond Davis was suspicious this was going on, and then he saw some things he didn't like and then uh, removed Jared before uh, anything could occur from the Real Grinders group. Well... Then I started getting all these messages, like, I don't know, about a week and a half ago. It, w- it was after the last show we had, so that's why I couldn't talk about it till now. But I started getting all these messages about this thing called Click Poker. That's K-L-I-C-K. That's just how you spell his name. That he was uh, supposedly a, an America's Cardroom affiliate, but and asking you to sign up through Click, Click Poker to get an America's Cardroom account and supposedly get 37% rake back. Now, that all sounds pretty standard. I, I think the rake back sounds a bit high, that, what it really would be, but that wasn't the story here. The story was to sign up and, with Click Poker under their affiliate account, uh, you were supposed to give them $250. <laughs> so that's not how it works. <laughs> You're doing them a big favor to sign up under their code. You shouldn't have to pay them. If anything, they should be paying you. So uh, everyone's messaging me about what a scam this is, and he was writing there about how you know, this rambling message about how you also be automatically in America's Card Room Pro, but he didn't really describe what that meant. And the, the whole thing looked like a big scam, and he claimed all these different people were signing up to do it. Uh, after a lot of people made a big deal about it, then he claimed that... Uh, He's taking down Click Poker. It's not going to exist after all. That he's going to sue Raymond Davis and a few other people who questioned it publicly uh, and also file felony charges against them. <laughs> and and uh, and that he's moving to Costa Rica, which people don't believe either. So Raymond Davis is going to come on and talk about that whole thing. Uh, hopefully he's around. And then um, the other thing he wants to talk about is Ari Engel... I mentioned this in the intro, but you know, why not say it again? Uh, have you guys ever heard of the format where you can enter a tournament on day two 
without having played day one and just start with an average stack, provided that you pay, you know, several times what the buy-in is? Do you, Evie, no. You haven't heard of that? Okay. I mean, I mean, isn't that just an extended... Oh, you're talking about where you can buy in at, like, a certain level is if you're willing to pay, like, double or triple or whatever? Yeah, so, and start with an average stack. Yeah, I remember Bart was... Uh, they were doing that out at... Um, God, I... I'm not sure if it was the bike or the LAPC or something like that. Well, yeah, the bike does, so the he, bike does it, right? He loved it. Okay, so that's interesting. So there's various schools of thought on this. And uh, Raymond Davis didn't like it. I didn't like it either. But of all people to end up winning this year's, this wasn't the first year they did it, but Raymond Davis brought it up. Uh, of all people to end up winning it, it was Ari Engel, who listened to this show. Bodog Ari. Nice. Yeah, so he, it was over 300000 he won. And... Uh, See the exact amount here. Can we get him on to see how much he lost? Uh, Ari, Ari, <laughs> just kidding, Ari. Ari won uh, three hundred fifteen thousand one hundred forty-two at the uh, the Mega Millions at the bike. So this was the, and so it had six thousand eighty-seven entries, and a small percentage of those were people who bought in directly to day two for more money. So they you you pay a lot more than than the buy-in. But uh, you you get to go directly into day two. Here we are. It says, uh, right. So this is interesting. The event uh, for for a day two buy-in, it was forty three hundred dollars to directly buy in, and it was uh, five hundred fifty dollars to uh, to buy in normally. So you're buying in for much more. But by, of course, by day two, a large percentage of the field is, is eliminated. Now. Here's the the positive and negative of this. The positive, well, let me read. Well, let me give you my opinion of why I think it's negative. Then I'll read you Ari's response, which he wrote to me privately, as to why he feels it's a positive. At least as long as it every tournament isn't like that. He doesn't feel every tournament should be this way, but he thinks that some tournaments being this way is okay. And I'll, I'll read his own words in a second. But what I feel and what Raymond Davis felt is that this kind of corrupts the whole idea with tournament poker that everyone is equal, that everyone's on the same level, that no matter how rich you are, no matter how good you are, no matter how well-known you are, you have to start with a starting stack, and you have to run that starting stack up and end up with all the chips to win, that there's no shortcuts, that uh, Phil Ivey has to start with the same starting stack you did, and that unless it's a rebuy, that um, if, if Phil Ivey busts, Tough luck on him. He can't rebuy. It doesn't matter how deep his pockets are. So this uh, this thing where you can just directly buy into day two, that really is for those who uh, don't feel like they want to waste time with day one. They they don't right. want they, they they their pockets are deep enough. Their time is worth enough to them where they say, hey, I'll pay extra money to enter day two. A lot of extra money in this case, but. Uh, I'll start it with a starting stack with day two. That's average. And uh, most of the field will be eliminated by that point. Yeah, that's exactly the rationale. So the most most valuable asset that we have is time. Right. You know? so, so the reason I don't like this is because I feel it corrupts the whole concept of the tournament where you can't just say, hey, I'm rich. I don't feel like playing day one. I'll just play day two. Or, hey, uh, you know, I, I'm such a prolific tournament player and I play higher than this anyway. 
uh, I, I don't want to waste my time with day one in a small tournament. Just drop me in day two when it matters. So I, I don't like that. I, I want if you're going to get to the end of the tournament, I want you to play from start to finish. And if you don't feel it's worth your time, then stay out. And what this also does, it, it uh, this is also what keeps tournaments from being too tough at, at lower buy-in tournaments. Because if the, if the buy-in's too low, typically the better pros are not going to want to enter because it's not worth their time. And this keeps them out of there, and then it keeps the lower buy-in tournaments uh, uh, as a better option for amateurs or okay players. And uh, and then the higher buy-in tournaments, it's, uh, it's better for the, the people who are either have the money to enter them or who are the better players that, uh, that want a, a higher return when they succeed in these. So I, I feel this is something where those who have the bankroll to do it have a big edge which in tournaments otherwise you don't. So, are you also against the very proliferate? Uh, mm, God, can't even speak. The very widespread uh, reentry tournaments, and too, because that's a huge advantage to people that can just keep on well, reentering, right? I don't love those either, and I typically don't enter them. But uh, I, I do occasionally, like I played that eight 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 one last year, which had unlimited reentries. But um, the because that that does a similar has a similar effect. Sort of, in that but, but they have to play. People with deeper pockets can just you know. Yes, but they still have to play through day one. They still they still can't say I'm skipping day one because it's not worth my time. They still have to play it. Yes, they they can just right. keep firing and say if you know, if money's no object, I'm going to just keep you know playing super wildly until I, I I get on a hot streak and catch on and build a big stack. But at least they have to build that stack. I mean, look, there was the the infamous Negranu entering a thousand dollar rebuy in two thousand seven at the World Series 48 times and did not cash. <laughs> he didn't cash. He, he entered 48 times and didn't cash. I'm not even kidding. That's great. And, and, and <laughs> I was particularly proud of that one because I finished in 10th in there and I only entered once. So so, so, that, so anyway, that shows you, though, he entered 48 times and didn't cash, that it's still not a guarantee. You're not going to, like, he just couldn't make it stick. And what is this? Do you hear that? I don't hear it. You you sound different though. Do you have a different headset or are you a different location uh, or something? If Raymond Davis is calling. Okay, I, I, he, Raymond Davis is calling me through Facebook. That's what it is. Let me see. He, he he can't be on the on the radio show through Facebook. So give me your phone number. <laughs> no, uh, I think the reason I sound a little different is that the ad- power adapter to this preamp that I use for the radio is. Now it just did it again. It, it, it's been cutting out. Mm. So I, yeah, I think I'm. Yeah, it's been slipping out here. Tell the gerbils to run quicker, man. Got to power that thing. Yeah, I, I think I have to buy a new one because I think it's just worn down. But uh, I just I just tried plugging in a different outlet. Maybe that'll get better. So that was Raymond David trying to call me through Facebook. <laughs> I can't put him on this show, the show through Facebook. Like you guys will be able to hear him, but uh, you guys mean the listeners, but not the. Uh, not the co-host here. So I just asked for his phone number again. So we're going to put him on in a second. But what I was saying about uh, about Ari, okay, he gave, he gave his number. We're going to put him on here. Is I don't I don't blame Ari for buying in. You know, Ari plays a lot of tournaments. Obviously, it was, to him, it was worth his time to do. And if if he felt this was the best option for him, and they allow it, then he did the right thing to buy it into day two, which he did. Right. He bought it. So so I'm not I'm not saying he shouldn't have. If the you know if any option they give me at a tournament that I feel is advantageous for me, uh, I will do if it's within the rules. Like, I, I'm not going to say, oh, I don't like this. I'm not going to do it. So I, I don't hold anything against him. 
but uh, Raymond Davis, uh, hello, welcome to the show. Now, where are you right now? I'm hearing some noise in the background. You know, you know, you guys are the only guys that are allowed to call me uh, after eight p.m. Yeah, yeah. Tell everyone your eight p.m. rule. Don't don't make don't make that a habit. The eight p.m. rule is anybody uh, with a penis, born with a penis, or obtained a penis at any time in their life cannot call me after eight p.m. Mm. Okay, so so you this is an honor that you actually answered the phone that. Uh, at, at 10 p.m. Uh, here. I mean, you guys are celebrities. I have to answer the phone. Oh, you know? oh thank this you. Is well, like, uh, this is like getting a call from Trump. Well, I mean, we're, we're not we're not the real grinders here, but we're we're, we're trying to aspire to be that one day. But uh, so, 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 so Raymond, until you guys see the lounge. Wait until you see the lounge. Well, I know we're going to talk. We're going to talk about the you lounge tonight. Some live broadcasting over there. We're going to we're going to talk about the lounge tonight. I'm I'm very interested in the lounge actually. But uh, we're, we're talking yeah. about the, we're talking about the Ari Engel situation right now and the, and the tournament he won by buying into day two. And I know you were uh, upset about that and posted on on Facebook that you thought that was crap. Uh, would you like to say some things about that here? Yes, um, I, I I don't think this is poker. I don't think this is fair. You know, I, I think the playing field should be level. I don't think uh, pros should be able to come in and buy in sixty. No one, not even it. Don't even have to be a pro. I don't think anybody should be able to come buy into a tournament that's been going two, three weeks and then get sixty-five bigs. I mean, a, t- a totally skilled player is going to take them apart, and this is like the third time that a pro has won this. Uh, not only do they juice the tournament for four hundred thousand, but then another three hundred thousand dollars is on its way out the door that they'll never see again. So I, I I really feel bad for the locals more than anything because these these are working people and they're the ones who built this prize pool up one sixty at a time, and it's really bad that the bike allows someone to come buy into a tournament forty two hundred and give them all these chips and say okay it's like Feast or famine. Well, I mean, I, it's it's a joke. I'm trying to understand this. So I saw the it says the buy-in is 160 and 550. So what's the difference? What's the 160? What's the 550? I wasn't getting even what One, they meant. Uh, the 160 is you get like you can add on for another hundred or whatever. You get like minimal stack. Uh, I think 10 percent advance, and when you play the 500. You get a, a pretty nice stack and a better structure, and then still ten percent. Just Mo Phantom in the bike—they're so bad for the industry. They're just bad. He just comes up with any concoction that he can, and I don't know what kind of regulation they have in California, but it's just bad. It's just bad. Well, so I agree with you. I agree with your interpretation that it's not a level playing field, and that it's allowing those with deep pockets to just uh, leapfrog. Over the the, right. the the boring parts of the tournament at the beginning that they don't feel like wasting their time with, and, and just start when the money matters. So that that's that's what I don't like. Now here's Ari's response. Now Ari claims I want I want to ask you about this. Ari claims that he posted a response to this on Real Grinders and that it was deleted. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, I deleted it. <laughs> well, shouldn't you let him respond? I mean, don't you don't you want to see his, his answer? He sounded like an idiot. Let me tell you, first off, I got history with Ariel. Uh, last time I played with him at the Legends of Bike or whatever, and I was sitting at this table and he raised the hand, this fish called. Uh, Ariel ended up turning the full house. The fish had 
the nut flush or a king high flush or whatever. Aria tanked five minutes on on three different streets and got the clock called on them for about by three people. I didn't call the clock, but I thought it was totally inappropriate and out of line. And then the last tank was the floor man came over there and counted them down, and then he shoved on the, the fish, and uh, obviously the fish called. It was just such bullshit. And he's one of the reasons that clocks exist in poker. So I, I'm not friends with him. Uh, you know, I'm not as, you know, I got nothing against who, we, you know, he's a great player. I got nothing against his skills. I, I don't I don't like his tactics at the poker table, obviously. And I told him that. And uh, he, he, that was his first post in Real Grinders. And... I took down the post, and then I went to boot him and saw he had already left, and then he inboxed me a bunch of crap, you know, don't mention his name or whatever, like some kind of threat or whatever, you know, whatever he wanted to be, you know. But like I said, I'm not a fan of the guy. Well, that makes me sad because I, I, I like both of you guys, so it it's makes me sad that you guys are fighting here. But uh, here, I'm, I'm going to – on this show, though, you know, he's a listener. He's hard to deal with a guy that's 75% of his life he's thrown out of his mind. So, well, okay, you know, so, so Ari, I get, I get Ari listened to the show, by the way. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Re- he sent me a response privately about uh, his point of view. So I wanted to get that out there too, so people could uh, get the other side of this. Uh, he said that uh, uh, some things to consider. How else do you get 160 dollars to over 300 k for first? People love that lottery feel. Otherwise, the prize pools will be significantly smaller. Also, clearly, there's a price point where you'd want to accept pros. Let's say they had to pay 100k to buy into day two. That's it's just the number we're arguing about. Actually, paying more than 26 times what day one buy-ins paid, 160 to 4300, is a quite a high multiplier. Uh, you could argue for different amounts, but I don't think you're taking into account enough the positive effects that high buy-in pr- players bring. Also, you were thinking that everyone buy-in for 4300 are top-level pros, and probably less than half of those can even be considered a poker pro. Like I said, the amateur lady who got second and had less than 1K lifetime caches prior to this bought in for 4300 So he's saying that this amateur that he, he beat heads up was also a, a second-day b- direct buy-in and that, that there were others like this who just had a lot of money and, and uh, you know, were, you know, she happened to finish second, but that the most, a lot of the, he claims more than half of them weren't good anyway and just were pumping up the prize pool by buying in at that point. Uh, <laughs> then he says, uh, That's a joke. He says, Finally. And, and, and as a Todd Whittles, as a bracelet winner, you're a bracelet winner. You know, one of the things that uh, you need to have is endurance. Uh, when somebody's been playing for a few weeks and then they come to a finals, obviously somebody, you jump somebody in, jump Phil Ivey or Daniel Nebrano or or Aria in a tournament fresh when people have been beating their brains out all week. That's a huge advantage in itself right there. That that advantage ain't even pointed out. Well, it's, it's interesting. player come in there. That is a good point because mm-hmm. Phil Helmuth does that. People ask, why does Phil Helmuth show up late to so many tournaments? Uh, which he can do, right. of course. He doesn't start with, it with, it with uh, a bigger stack, but he shows up late with a starting stack because he actually likes the starting fresh thing and also he doesn't he wants to play more meaningful he has so much money he doesn't care if he loses the buy-in very fast because he's not very deep so but he also likes starting he also likes starting fresh so it's it's also strategic to some degree where he thinks that coming in fresh at that point uh, is somewhat of an advantage uh, and all he has to do is double up like you know once or twice and he's back oh, yeah. well, well, uh, he's also oh, very like tired to... very very tired yeah, from we... the night earlier night before of 
kissing any yes, celebrity's ass. Go. Kissing any celebrity's ass, and we'll pay attention to him. Yeah. It's very draining. No. It takes a lot of work. He's my buddy. He's my buddy. He's okay. He's great for poker. <laughs> But that's a great point. I would love to come in level 20 of every tournament myself. <laughs> I mean, come on. Okay, so this, this I mean, let, okay, let's make them all come in level 20. Let's make every tournament universally you can buy in level 20. Okay, so, so know, they wait, want to even playing field. Let's do it. He, I mean, do it. Here's here's the rest I mean, of here's the, the rest is, here's the rest of his answer. Let me let me give you the rest of his answer here. He says, "Finally, I wouldn't want this to be a constant on the poker schedule, but having a few tournaments like this every year as part of a balanced schedule seems perfect. Diversity and choices are great. Let the market dictate." Now, I agree. If if this is only going to be a, an occasional thing, it's it's not terrible for poker because people who don't like it can simply not play. However, I can't fully agree with that because a lot of people don't really think about the ramifications of this. They just see it's 160 to buy in to win all this money and, and they, they, uh, right. they, they play. And, and so so that's, I mean, I, I just don't like the whole concept. I just don't think it's, it, even though, yes, you can just say I don't want to play if I don't like it. I, I just don't think it really has a place in tournament poker. And that, that, so that's how I feel. However, I also feel that if Ari felt that for him, that this is what he preferred to do for whatever reason, and he did it and won, then great. It was, it was an option they gave you, and uh, he chose to use it. So nothing unethical on his part by doing it. I, I, I No problem. No, no, no. I, I, I say he didn't do nothing unethical. I mean, he didn't do nothing wrong. He did nothing wrong. I just pointed out in the post how easy it was for like a pro like him to come in and take advantage of a situation like this. Now, tell me one time where somebody was an amateur and bought in the 4200 and won the tournament. Well, it I almost mean, happened here. This lady came and, you know, I don't think it ever happened. Well, it almost happened you know, here. But... First, off, first off, an amateur isn't buying in 4200 you know, and uh, you know, an amateur is not buying in 4200 because it's I don't think I. You can't name. I mean, probably somebody like deep pockets, like a Barry Woods or somebody who can buy a forty-two hundred or whatever. You know, and they're considered amateurs. But it's not too many amateurs buying in forty-two hundred that actually have a shot. Well, it depends. You know? You'd be surprised. Yeah. Like I don't know because I have seen like like for example at the the ten k limit hold'em event at uh, at the World Series of Poker, which I play every year. It's an interesting mix. It's a, it's a mix of like. Very, very good uh, limit hold'em players. Very, very good just overall tournament players. And then some fish. There's some fish who just buy in the 10K that for whatever reason want to play 10, 10K limit hold'em and are dead money. And that, that's the reason that tournament has any value. Uh, now, once the fish are eliminated, that's then, the reason th- poker has any. Value. Yeah, but, but you you think <laughs> that, right. but you think that event would be like like a terrible event to just be like all the limit hold'em all stars uh, and who runs better. But but the the value and that's what it becomes when the fish bust. But but uh, at the beginning, there actually is some value there because there are some fish who are just dead money and and you're you're just shocked they're even putting 10k up to play there in, in something like limit hold'em. But oh, but there are. But, but I have a few LA friends that come down for the 10K limit hold'em. That uh, Jesus Christ, I wouldn't feel comfortable with them playing a hundred dollar limit hold'em tournament. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah. so it just means they're winning their life, though. You know. Yeah, that means that, I, you know. I, I, I wish I, I wish everywhere was just limit hold'em. I go back to playing live every day, twenty four hours a day. <laughs> so right, Todd, that'd be great for you, wouldn't it? Well, except, yeah. Except, let's make every let's make it, let's make every tournament limit hold'em. <laughs> I, I would play more of the tournaments then, for sure. If if, it, if there were more limit hold'em tournaments, I would I would play more because there's just you know provided that they still had a, a good number of fish because like 
Fish in Limit Hold'em in tournaments, they they have very little chance because you can't just get lucky no on chance. a few big. You can't just right. get lucky they, on a few big. No you can't just get lucky on a few big hands and win. You have to like run really well the whole way to be a fish and win in Limit Hold'em. So right. we're right. no no limit. I you can't agree with you. Yeah, I used to be. I used parlay. to be a Limit Hold'em player. Yeah, I used to be a Limit Hold'em player. Then they got rid of the tournaments. Your your plan of making every tournament a limit tournament, that is a genius way to just torpedo (laughs) Poker Go. Like, if you want Poker Go to just go under, make every World Series event limit. That's true. It is the the most boring thing to watch, I will say that. Like, people sometimes say, hey, Todd, can I watch you play poker? Like, just like friends. I go, no, you you don't want to watch me play. Trust me. (laughs) Yeah, limit limit is really fun to play, especially, like I told you, I used to play horse all the time. I loved it, but watching it, I mean. Yeah, it's super super boring. Yeah. (laughs) I, I, try, I try to tell people that you don't want to watch it. Like maybe a final table of a tournament, fine, but like other than that, you don't want to watch it. So okay, let's. Uh, so so my conclusion about this whole thing uh, with with the day two direct buy-in, I don't like it. I you know for similar reasons to why Raymond Davis doesn't like it. Uh, but but at the same time, Ari Engel, uh, you know, he he played for in the. The format that he felt was best he for him. The yeah, he, he played within the rules, rules and he did it, and that's won. fine. And it, whatever someone does within the rules that they feel is best for themselves and they win, then they've made the right decision. So, so you know, congratulations right. to him, and uh, and I, I don't fault him at all for any of this. And and I don't, you know, I I would even go to say, like if I were to play it, and even if I personally disagreed with it, but felt it was giving me the best edge, I, I would still do it because. Uh, why not? If that's what's giving me the best edge, and it's in the rules, I do it. So, so it's if there's any right. fault here, it's with the organizers who who made this. But as long as it doesn't spread around too much, it's not a huge deal. Because then, it, as long as it doesn't catch on too much, then I, I just like here's something similar that I don't like. In fact, it could even be worse. The, the, the super late registration that they allow oh, at, yeah. at the World Series yeah. of Poker, where where in some events you can actually enter with yeah. like like seventy five percent of the field gone. It's insane. Yeah, that's unbelievable. That's like insane. I I noticed that last year. I was like, "Wow, are you kidding me?" You know, but you know, what what, what do you think about the BBs, the big blind, the, the blind change at the World Series? Well, Start thinking of the World Series. Okay, so well, since, since since you're on, let's discuss this. It was going to be a topic uh, we're going to do later, but I'll, I'll jump to it right now. Uh, they announced just recently that they're going to do right. more of these than was first planned, and and that's. I don't think it's any events I'm planning to play, but it, it could have been because, yeah, here I'm going I'm to read the events they're going to do this for. This is the Big Blind Ante format, which I've mentioned on other shows, but what a Big Blind Ante is, it's where instead, when you get to the ante levels, instead of each player anteing whatever the ante is, you know, 25, 50, 100, every hand, there's no more of that, and it's only the Big Blind posts everybody's antes together, you know, except that he's putting it all in himself, in addition to the big blind. So uh, when the big blind comes to you uh, during the ante levels, you're going to put in a, a, a lot of chips. You're, you're committing a lot of chips, some to the ante, some to the big blind. 
And that really changes a lot as far as how play goes. Now, the advantage to doing yeah. this and the reason they're doing it is to speed up the game because right. everybody putting in their antes and getting collected, make sure everybody, you know, did, uh, that, that nobody forgot it, it. It is annoying as fuck. It is annoying and slows the game down. <laughs> I agree. Uh, so I, I understand the problem they're trying to solve, and I agree it is a problem, but I don't like the solution because it, it changes the game too much and it makes the big blind. Mm-hmm. Every time it comes to the big blind, they've got to put this massive amount of chips in, and, and it's it's going to pretty much uh, pot commit the big blind too often uh, if, if right. they're a short right, stack. Right, that, that, I played that and it happened to me at the bike uh, at the commerce. Yeah, and well, and, and also it's the kind of thing where it's not going to make a big difference until until it really makes a big difference. Like when you right. start getting and, short and, and you got to pay that, it's totally different. You know? Yeah. So so here's yeah, you got, you, uh, it, it really it really widens your range. Yes, right. So, so here's the, there's eight events that and, just, and like and like Todd just pointed out when you're pot committed because most of your chips are in because you have to cover everybody's big blind. You're calling with almost any two cards. Right. So, so here's here's these eight events they're going to do this with. These are the eight main uh, eight uh, bracelet events they're going to do it for. This just announced, and then there's a number of other like satellites and stuff like that they're going to be doing it too. But here's the eight events: uh, the 100k high roller no limit hold'em now. That's not going to affect <laughs> most people. It's not going to affect me or you or pretty much anyone listening to the show. Maybe Mac Lance. I might play that. You know, you know what? Mac Lance listens to the show. He, I can see him playing it. But other than that, I can't imagine who listens to the show that's going to play 100K. Uh, event number 13, uh, 1500 No Limit Hold'em. Now, that one I don't have scheduled to play, but I, it could have been. I play those sometimes, those 1500 No Limits. So event number 13, 1500 No Limit is going to have it. Event number 20, 5000 No Limit is going to have it. Event number forty-five. One, uh, event number forty-five. The uh, turbo no limit hold'em. The, the thirty-minute levels. Uh, one thousand no limit is going to have it. Event number fifty-four. Three thousand no limit hold'em is going to have it. Uh, event number seventy-four. The ten thousand dollars six-handed no limit will have it. And the uh, event. Wow, se- the six-handed. That's going to be brutal for them. Yeah. And, right. And, and that's going to really be brutal for the six-handed. And then, it's already fast enough. Why would they have it for a six-handed when it's already fast enough? Obviously, you don't need to speed up that game. Yeah, that, that's true. I don't see the reason for that. The six-handed and event seventy, yeah, event seventy-seven, uh, the high roller no limit holding for fifty k. They're doing that. That was planned before. And then oddly, I, I don't know why they're still keeping this one now that they're doing uh, seven other events. Uh, the the one drop, they're they're actually doing it. I thought that was weird. But the, the million dollar buy-in. Yes, the, the one drop this year, where. Jesus yeah, Christ. right. The one drop where the buy-in is one million dollars. That's they're doing it there, and that seems weird because there's like these businessmen who play it, who are. I think they're not going to like it. I, I think the I mean, that that event is like a combination of super rich businessmen who can afford the million dollars, and then poker pros who are backed right. in, who are backed in some way sometimes by Guy La Liberté, who, who who puts on the event. So like. The businessmen, I would think they just want to stick to a standard format. I think they're going to find it to be weird, and I'm surprised they're trying right. it there. But anyway, that's that, those are the eight events, and my problem, my biggest problem with it is you once you get pot committed by this, then you, as Raymond just said, you're going to call with any two, and then this affects the strategy so much because people know they can't steal from you anymore because you're going to be calling with any two. And, uh, and also... Your strategy as a short stack changes because you, you eventually you know you're going to be pot committed in there. You know, uh, 
uh, no matter what two cards you have, and, and it changes everything that way too. And, and that's a big part I think of these. The tournaments. latter is more important though, because I mean, does it really matter where the money comes from? Right. I mean, you you know what I mean? Like whether whether the money is coming from everyone in the form of annies or you in the form of paying it. And that really shouldn't in- influence your decision. It's just a pot odds decision. You can't think of that money as "quote unquote" yours. But when you start getting short, I mean that can right. seriously affect things. Well, seriously that, affect. That's things. what I, I here's the, here's an example I gave when I was arguing. I think it was on, on the Real, Real Grinder site. I, I was I was giving the example. Let's say you're two away from from under the gun. Because like if you're on the button, this happens. Then it's pretty much the same because then you get a lot of actual free hands. And by the time you get back to the big blind, it's essentially the same. It's very close to the same thing you would have paid to get there. But let's say you lose a big pot, like under the gun or two, or under the gun plus one. Okay, so so you do that, you lose, and you you lose a big pot, and you're short stacked. Well, but yeah, then, then start backing right. up the backpack right there. Yeah, then then one or two right. hands <laughs> one or two hands later, you're going to have to put in such a massive number of chips between the blinds and the antes that you know you're going to be pot committed. There will be too much money in the pot already compared to what you have left at that point to where it it, it would be incorrect to fold any two hands, even seven deuce offsuit. So, um, so at that po- at that point, you will be committed. And before it wasn't like that. Before, if if you could survive the big blind and small blind. With folding them, with if folding trash there, if you still had enough chips to go on, then uh, then you could go a whole other round and, and wait for a better spot. Now you can't anymore. Now now there's going to be a lot more people who are pot committed all in on the big blind, and that's that's going to really change the game. And I just don't think the trade off is worth it. So I don't like it, but that's what they're going to be doing for these eight events. Fortunately, I'm not playing any of those eight, so this year it won't affect me. But the reason they're doing eight is as an experiment, and if if they like it, if they think it's successful, then we may see it in all or most of the events in 2019. They haven't announced this, but there's a good chance that that's the way it's going to go. Right. Yeah. I, 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 I played it at Commerce, and I got deep in the tournament, and I just saw people at the end just basically shoving because most of their money was in covering people, Annie's. And I didn't blame them. I mean, I, I think it, it 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 make it promotes more bad play because once somebody puts t- eight annies or nine annies out there and cover them for people, most of them aren't following. They now they want their annies back. So people are widening their range in the big when they got a call, and that's bad because for especially for the pros that like to still people that like to still blinds like me. And it, people are calling you way more light, so that that's a big problem. At the end of a tournament, it, if you get to the final table, you're almost basically forced to chop, you know, well, it, because uh, the ante's being so big and stuff like that. So I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's good for. I I can't. My experience with it, I wasn't a too big of a fan, but you know, that that's my opinion. But I don't, I don't know how other people's going to take it or whatever. I don't know if it could possibly be good. I, I just don't. Okay, now let's let's talk about. I don't like it personally. Let's, let's let's. I agree with you. Let's uh-huh. let's move on to the talk about uh, Jared Click. That's a very strange story. Now I, I gave people the background oh here. Oh my god! Uh, w- 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 now you mentioned he was on Real Grinders and he was uh, being generous and giving money away to people. Uh, you were suspecting it was like a long con. What what, what was it that actually made you finally ban him from Real Grinders? So first off, this guy came to Real Grinders, and he started giving away 
money and stuff like this. And I was like, this guy's got some alternative motive because nobody joins a poker group and just start giving away money. And I just watched them. I had the admins watch them and stuff like that. And then I just said, I'm just going to see what this guy is up to. And then I got an inbox from one of my members that was there from day one saying this guy had been inboxing him, threatening him, threatening his family, threatening to kidnap him and all this type of stuff because he owed him 500 So I got back to Jared, and Jared, you know, said, yeah, he, I said, you got to stop threatening. He, you can't threaten members. It's not allowed. And then the next day, Jared started having his friends call this guy, threatening him. And I'm saying, wow, this guy's wackadoo. So I just, I, I 86'd him. I booted him out. I just booted him out. He inboxed me. I said, you can't be a part of Real Grinders. We don't accept, you know, threatening of members and, you know, from extorting, trying to extort their money from them or whatever you're trying to do. I said, it's not allowed. And after about three or four weeks, he begged me back, said, oh, he apologized, you know, and he had, at, at this point, Todd, he had, builds up a pretty big following. So he had some, a lot of our members was liking this guy because who's not going to like a guy who's giving away money. So I didn't want to be, look like the bad guy because members was actually inboxing me. Why you kick out Jared? Why you kick out Jared? He was good for the group. You know, he's giving away ACR. He's sending people money. Not one person had not been paid their, you know, 10% of the prize or whatever. He guaranteed them. Everybody had been paid. So I was like, you know, when I talked to the admins, I was like, this is like, you know, I'm caught in between a rock and a hard place because I don't want to look like an asshole for kicking out somebody that's giving away money. But on the other hand, I'm not going to let this guy threaten people. And then uh, he started calling me for business promotion, uh, you know, wanted me to be on his team. He was telling me Gavin was on his team. He wants to do a, like a show and give all these giveaways and stuff like this. And I just basically told him I wasn't interested in working with him. Uh, you know, I got a couple of calls from Gavin saying, you know, he knew the guy and, you know, the guy had been robbed for 250000 or whatever. And he's just a good guy trying to get back on his feet. But I still didn't believe it. You know, I, I, I don't know what Gavin Smith's motives was or his dealings with the guy was, but he pretty much, uh, you know, tried to convince me that this guy was a good guy, and I just went with my judgment that he wasn't, you know. And um, anyway, so anyway, I ended up letting him back in after about a, three weeks, and I said, I can give you, I said, you know, because he just kept begging and begging, I said, you know, I made him apologize to the guy he threatened, make everything right and all this type of stuff. Then he welcomed, you know, came back and stuff, started giving away money and stuff like that. And then it started getting weirder and weirder, his post and all this type of stuff. And I noticed that he was trying to, what he was doing is he was building up, trying to build up a loyal following. And his, his motives was to start an online site and get all these people to join. So, you know, his last episode was he had an episode with a guy where he went crazy threatening and all that, and then I just kicked him out for life. I just banned him for life. Then he comes back at me trying to, you know, bash me and all this and saying we had a deal and all this, which we had nothing, nothing, had nothing to do with the guy. All of a sudden, uh, he got this click poker started and all this type of stuff. He's charging people 250 to become members. Yeah, and, 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 and all, you, actually, all you get is... The, the all rumor, you get is the rumor was he got 13 people 
to sign up for this bullshit. I can't believe it. It's, it's crazy to, to sign up as an affiliate as someone's affiliate code to play poker. They should be paying you. You shouldn't be paying them. So, so yeah. He, I don't even know if thirteen people were dumb enough to pay him two fifty to sign up under his code. Yeah. It's crazy. But, but he, I, yeah, I guess he claimed it. They said it was thirteen people paid him. I don't know if it's true or not, but they said it was thirteen people that actually paid him two fifty. And he gave this promotion for a week. If you didn't sign up with Click Poker, the next week he would charge you twenty five hundred to sign up. <laughs> you know. So, so right now he's given a bargain. And all this type of stuff. So now I, I do some investigation. I, I put up some posts. And then some of his friends came up there. They verified. It was verified that he lives with his mother uh, and his grandfather, uh, that he has no money, uh, you know, and all, all kinds of stuff. And all kinds of people just start telling story that he's a druggie, he pops pills, all this type of stuff. You know, his drug dealer, a drug, his drug dealer, a guy who was actually selling them pills, I don't know if you saw that post actually outed himself just to out air, just to show all the text. You know, I need my pills. You know, you got the, you got the Zannies or whatever. You know, I need to get stoned or whatever. And, uh, you know, just, just lies after lies. So then he, he was claiming the affiliation with ACR. And so I went on Twitter and I said, uh, if this is ACR, are you guys working with Jared Click? At Jared Click, and obviously they they exploded. They said, "No, we got nothing to do with that guy. He's cussing me on Twitter. You know, all kinds of bullshit." Yeah, lies and, then, and then he said and he's, everything. Like, yeah, and I uh, saw when he was telling you that he he's going to sue you and a few other people and going to press felony charges against you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he, one night he posted, uh, "Raymond's no longer around. He's in prison right now." Yeah. I didn't get to go to jail. I won't have a go to court. I just went straight to prison. I, I like how I like just like, I like just like how an individual thinks he can just file felony charges against you. Like he could just somehow do that. Yeah, yeah. He, he was just going to file him himself, not the DA, just him. Yeah. So yeah, the guy's obviously crazy. And uh, I'll tell you, the, the most surprising thing with him was was year, a few years ago when he had that situation of getting robbed. His story seemed so uh, full of crap on two plus two. Yeah, I never believed it. I read the police yeah. report. I read everything. Uh, Gavin told me a story. I didn't believe it. I don't believe it from day one. I think it was all made up. But then it turned out to be true. People that's in prison for for for, for nothing. No, no, I, no. I believe at this point it's true. No, I I don't know. I believe at this point it's true. I'll say when when he told it initially, it sounded like such BS. So I was actually shocked when they arrested someone for it and found some of Jared's stuff on the guy. So like, I believe they really arrested someone who robbed him. Uh, I really, I think, I think he was robbed, but I don't think he was robbed for the 150 he claimed in one story and 250 he claimed in another. Yeah, it may have been an exaggerated I, number. I, I, I agree with you there. It could have been I, an exaggerated I think, I think number. The money, I think the money was a total exaggeration. And as you, if, if you know our justice system, you could tell them you was robbed for a million and they'll put that in the paper, you yeah. know, on the police report just to uh, sentence somebody, you know. Uh, the guy was sentenced. Uh, end up getting two hundred and fifty thousand restitution. I saw the mugshot of this guy. He's drawn dead to getting two dollars from this guy. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. It was yeah. But by, by the way, uh, so so yeah, this this is a crazy story for those of you that you know didn't see it. It was it. it I know it's the whole thing sounds kind of like convoluted, but it, it really was. It was a very confusing but but crazy 
situation there on Real Grinders. There, there really is. There's a lot of drama on that group. Like, there's a lot of weird things that go on there of, of different types. That's why the, I, that's my favorite group. It's so it's so entertaining with all the weirdness and drama going on there constantly. It's like a, a car crash. You can't look away. <laughs> you know, and, and the thing is, the group will go good for two, three weeks, and then here we go with another wackadoo. You know, yeah. So Just out of the woodwork they come. Yeah. So, and and you know what that got to do with when you're dealing with over sixteen thousand members like we got, and seventy five strongly seventy five percent of our I got the number seventy five percent because I got back admin privilege. But over seventy five percent of our members are active, so that's a huge number of people that's liking posts, comments, and stuff like that. And I mean, you can go to another poker group like Cash Poker, or whatever, and you can hear a pin drop. And not our group. I mean, our group is active. People have fun. People enjoy each other. And it's, I mean, you you love it there. I mean, it's very friendly. People are very friendly to you. Uh, you know, they like you. They enjoy your posts and stuff like this. It's just it's just a great atmosphere. You know, but just like in anything, when you're dealing with this mile and number of people, controversy is coming up. And it, actually, Todd. Sometimes the group feeds on it, and it makes the group bigger or stronger because we get more people. You yeah. know? Well, yeah, I know. In fact, so on, on this show, we actually get we have the topics of about uh, big controversy that tends to draw new listeners in that that hadn't listened before. So, uh, so now, Ray, uh, let's hear about your real grinders lounge. Because that was an interesting idea, and I, I know you've done some videos showing the lounge, which is it, it's currently operational, right? It's, it currently exists, and. Uh, uh, tell people about this lounge. It's, it's, not, open, it's, it's not open yet. The, the lounge is on, you know, right across the street from the Rio, next door to the Gold Coast. It's the first poker lounge in Vegas. The first poker lounge in Vegas that's that's exclusive for my members. Uh, I we put I already put that's already been put over fourteen thousand in it. I want you to come by, Todd, when you get a chance to see it. Anytime you're in town, I want you to see the setup we got. We got a live seat area. We got six or seven TVs on a wall. We got a living room area. It's really nice. So members would be able to come there, eat, have a snack, uh, you know, on us, uh, have a drink, have a soda, charge up your device. I put seven, eight charging stations in the place. Uh, it's it's beautiful. You know, it's got to, it's, well. I mean, you come watch a baseball game or come watch Netflix or whatever. And the thing I wanted to do is I wanted people to have a place to go between their breaks or say they're in Vegas. And we also got Real Grinders merchandise there. It's not for purchase. Uh, it's, it's like gifts to certain members or whatever or drawings or whatever. Maybe in the future we'll make some of it for purchase, but we the place has no money. There, there, no money can come in there. We don't want that. But we'll be having live interviews with, you know, celebrity poker players and stuff like that. We'll have a uh, poker table in there for coaching. Um, you know, hopefully Poker Fraud will come in there and stream a couple of episodes. That'd be great. Yeah, that, that, I, I, actually, but, um, I would be interested in doing that. I'm, now what, I'm curious about a thing I don't quite understand with it. Maybe you can explain. You say members can get it. What do you mean by members? You mean just anyone in the Facebook group? Or how, how, does, how does someone – No, what, what's going to happen is going to be a small, a small monthly membership on realgrinders.com, which is right now down at the moment. Also, realgrinders.com is going to have all kinds of free roads, poker online and stuff like that. It's all going to be free. No money is going to be accepted to play poker or to gamble on this site. It's going to be an informational site. 
everything everything possibly won. Like last year, we gave away three seats to the World Series on on RealGrinders.com. This year, uh, I already gave away two seats. My goal is to give away hopefully ten seats mm-hmm. if everything goes right. Uh, Real Grinders is now incorporated. We're a corporation. Uh, everything's patent. Everything's you know registered. So. I mean, it was a lot of lawyers on this stuff, and I just want—I just want to give back, just give the smaller players an outlet. That's what real grinders is. I felt in the poker world that it was too much attention to these super high rollers and all this. When the mom and pop and the people that's grinding and really working hard for their money, the people, the ninety-nine point five percent of the people that play in the casinos that was getting no recognition. So. That's why we came out. You know, we had a series at Hollywood Park. We drew 1,300 people. Uh, on the 23rd of this month, the Real Grinder series goes back to the Venetian with $147,000 worth of guarantee, Todd. $147,000 worth of guarantees at the Venetian from the 23rd to the 29th. Uh, we got a 50000 guarantee. We got that bounty event that was so popular at Commerce where it's a $300 buy-in. And two hundred dollars is bound is two hundred dollars is bounty. We're trying to bring fun back to poker, and let me tell you, Todd, this we don't have three or four real grinder event series. We've been to Commerce, been to Hollywood Park, we've been to Venetian already, and everybody loves it. The buy-ins are cheap, the prizes are nice, and everybody is just a lot of camaraderie. Okay, so, so, so here, here's my here's my question. Let's, let's get back to, to the come question. Down here. there and check it out one day. You know, you don't have to play, but see 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 what happened. What's going on? We had James Woods playing. A lot of celebrities playing. You know, and well, yeah, like, building. Let's get back to the lounge though. So, so if someone wanted to get into that lounge, like the World Series starting in about uh, you know, six seven weeks, if someone wants to get into that lounge, what specifically would they do, and how much money would it cost for them to to get going with this? It's going to be. We're going to set it at eight ninety nine a month membership. Uh, we're giving out uh, over fifty VIPs that people will never pay. Like you, you'll be you'll be on that list. Oh, you'll wow, be on the okay. never that's, pay that's list. Great. Wow. And uh, you know, yeah. Look, so you can come get all the chicken wings you want. So, you know? so, so you're saying for nine? You're saying eight ninety nine, nine dollars a month? That's what you're saying. Eight nine, yeah, nine dollars a month. They can come get. They can come every day, but Sunday. Sunday's lounge will be closed. For restocking, really? So someone so can someone can pay nine dollars. It's a reception. That, that, it's a beautiful reception. Just there, you walk through the door, uh, you check in, uh, you, you just have have a ball. You can sit there all day. I don't care. Hit, sit there all day, drink soda pop, eat chicken wings. You can't live there. You can't sleep there. You can't sleep there. Okay, so, uh, so, so close it up. are there going to be any any, uh, any bouncers there to kick people out for uh, rowdy behavior or sleeping? No, we're not going to do that. I mean, obviously, uh, it's a pretty big police presence there. Security in uh, the the mall, little, little business mall we're in, so it's pretty good. But you you you'll be impressed, Todd. I want next time you come to town, I want to personally show you show it to you. And uh, so you can see the setup you got. You'll yeah, I'd like, to, I'd like to see it there, and I would be interested in doing a show from there one of the times from the, during the World Series. And uh, now the so you're saying if someone pays nine dollars, and I, I'm really I I'm just finding this out for the first time. I'm not just doing a bit on radio pretending not to know. Uh, so if someone yeah. pays nine dollars, then you know, they for a month, for like the, for the month of June, for example, they could pay nine dollars and then have full access to that lounge. Yes. Huh? Okay, good. Yes, nine dollars. That's actually a good deal. I I thought it'd be more. So, 
All right. Well, yeah, nine dollars. So some people wanted me to make it fifty dollars. I said, no, I don't want to milk. I just want enough to to cover our overhead. I, obviously, I can't make it free, Todd, because I got sixteen thousand members. I don't want. To, I can't feed sixteen thousand people. No, I agree. Look, I I, <laughs> you know, I, you, I think that's a very low price. Yeah, you know, I, I will tell you. Uh, now it's good. I'm a cheap Jew, like like Kessler, not quite to the same degree, but 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 I'm still a cheap Jew. So I'm I'm happy to have the 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 VIP uh, to avoid the nine dollars. But but I, I think that's that's actually a very reasonable price. And uh, I I will I I guarantee during the World Series I'm going to come down to this thing. It actually sounds when I first heard about this, I said this actually sounds like a cool idea. Where because there's a lot of there's there's a lot of people. Yeah, would have noticed that come to Vegas for the World Series, and if they don't know a whole lot of people that are out there at the same time as they are, especially from the, out of the area, uh, they, they kind of just live uh, a bit of a depressing existence, either just hanging out in their in, their, in, in their Rio hotel room where they go degen money off and, and blackjack, what they don't really feel like playing. Uh, like they don't really know what to do with themselves when they're not playing poker because they don't really have friends to hang out with. So you know, first like this lounge to just go to and, and just go with other people from the group that you've seen posting or whatever, just other poker players and hang out. This, I, I, when you first announced this, I thought this actually sounds like a good idea. I actually, I actually thought this this one sounds like something that that's good. And, and it, you know, it's, it's walking distance from the Rio, so you know, it's not in the Rio, but it's not you know you can just walk over two, there. So. Two minutes, door to door, two minutes. Yeah. So, so I, th- I think it's a good idea. So you, and, and, and Ray, he didn't even ask me to promote it on this show. This isn't like some kind of sponsorship. I just, I thought it was interesting. And you know, the real grinders is it's a friend of Poker Fraud Alert here. So I, I said. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I want to put this out here and have people find out about it. So, anyway, we're, we're, we got yeah, you. You've been one of our number one supporters. We we all love you here. I mean, you're you're one of the best. You speak your mind. You you know you comment on posts. Uh, I know you have a good time and stuff like that. But we really value the time that you uh, spend in real grinders. You're you're great. You're great for poker. You're one of the good guys. Well, thank you, Ray. Well, okay. So anyway, I'll, I'll definitely be coming down, and, and I'll let you know when you know when I can, uh, you know, even come check it out beforehand. I would like to see it. So uh, anyway, Ray, th- thanks for coming yeah. on the show. We've got a bunch of uh, other agenda crap we got to get to here, but uh, I, I think anytime, anytime. And, uh, and so I'll see. Uh, I'll see you. So all uh, love all my real grinders. You know, we got we're army now. You know, we're a movement. <laughs> so you know, you guys look look us up. Join if you're not listening. Real grinders on Facebook. You know, we're the number one poker group. Uh, you know, also, uh, you, you know, it's some groups that got some debts that need to be paid. There's some poker groups that got some debts that had some contests. James Placek had a contest in cash poker where the person who had the most members got 500. See, we don't do nothing like that at Real Grinders. That The payoff, Todd, supposed to have been, was announced for April, from, uh, the March the 15th, the 17th on St. Patrick Day at the cash poker extravaganzas at, you know, Stratosphere that was a total flop. So the winner's supposed to have been announced then. The winner has not been announced to this moment. Uh, members are asking where's the 500 for the person <laughs> who adds the most. He came on Facebook today. Somebody sent me a screenshot where he's saying he's sorry. It's been almost a month. But they kicked him off Facebook, some kind of bullshit lie, because he ain't been booted off Facebook, and he's going to make this right. So guys like him is bad for poker. He needs That group needs to be called out. The members of that group deserve their fire. So whoever got the most members 
to come to his group, which is the stupidest promotion I ever heard, because people was just clicking on anybody they could just to get their numbers up. And to not be paid or honor a contest is just beyond criminal. I mean, it's horrible. Yeah, and everybody's there's, there's talking about it now. Right and, and it's... I posted about this topic. I mean, he owes somebody five hundred dollars. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, I mean, a, you can't do this. There's a lot of disreputable groups like that out there. So, anyway, uh, thank you. Thanks for coming on, Ray. Real Grinders on Facebook. Very interesting group. I, I post on it personally. You guys will see if you join it. And uh, thank you for coming on, Ray. And I'll uh, be in contact with you about. Thanks, uh, Todd. See you soon, buddy. All right. See you. That's Ray Davis. Always an interesting character, and. Uh, uh, I really do. I'm trying. Skype is terrible. I'm trying to get. I'm trying to get him off of the, the Skype group here. Hello. Yeah, sorry, Hello? Ray. <laughs> there we go. Finally got rid of him. We 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 pranked him one more. Time. We did a hang up call on him, trying to get him out. The 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 way we do these calls on here, they they all come in through Skype. No matter what number you call. They all feed into the same spot eventually. It all comes together into Skype. And uh, that includes the S- Skype connections like Cal Watt and Traderuski and, and, and actual phone calls like, like Ray Davis. So Skyping, as buggy as it is, it was hard to remove Ray Davis from the group. And the reason I had to remove him even after he hung up is because if it's too easy to accidentally call him later when we're getting other calls or whatever. So when, if someone's off, you want to remove them from the group. So I tried that and it just kept calling them back. <laughs> so, so anyway, I, I wasn't just, uh, yeah, trying to kiss ass or, or, or say what sounds polite about the, the lounge. It actually does sound like an interesting thing. And I actually am going to check it out and, uh, um, and go down there during the world series. Cause I, I, I have noticed, I've even noticed myself, you know, there's been times I've been at the Rio where there's a lot of people around that I know. And uh, in fact, I, I, I seem to have uh, less time than there are people to meet and hang out with. But then there's other times I'm there. There's like nobody in town that, that I know or want to spend any time with. Like there's people I know I'll see in the hallway. But as far as anyone I'd want to hang out with or, or, or see socially, like there's nobody sometimes. And um and I, I sometimes just sitting in my room and go, you know, if I had a place like that to go, I probably would go down there and uh, and check it out. So, uh, anyway, let's see. Uh, Cal, are you still here? Mostly. Mostly. And what about you, Trader Risky? I'm here. Okay. So let's. Hey, hey, Druff, with that uh, tournament that Ari won, so how much was the original buy in if you bought in early? Yeah, see, it was very confusing. There's 160, 550, and then this highest one of 4,300, depending on when you enter. I don't, I still don't completely understand the 160 versus the 550, but the 4,300 is to enter day two with, uh, with an average deck. So, yeah, because I think for some of these late registration things, it might be interesting to say like you could get in at the regular price for the first five levels. And then, like six through ten, you pay a little more. Uh, my so, idea, know. my idea was always that for the people who want to come late, that I think the big problem is they're letting them start with a full stack. I think there should be just some fixed amount that uh, starting maybe from hour two that comes off of your stack uh, that increases every hour. So if you show up late, then you they're not going to do it because they want to collect more money. People are fewer people are going to buy in if they can't come in late, but. Uh, 
that would be the most fair. I, I just I hate the idea how people with deep pockets who are willing to just gamble. Uh, good players usually will will buy That's in. That's why at, they like it at the very right at the, <laughs> at the very latest point. Try to double yeah. up, and once they double up, they're they're pretty much close to average. And uh, yeah. and if they don't, okay, no big deal. They they have so much money, they don't care. So so so, so they they lost their buy in, big deal. But but it, and, and I think some of them also just look at it from the amount of time that tournaments take. You know, they would rather just play cash game the night before or the day before, make their money, and then buy in. And if it works out, great. And if it doesn't, they can go home early. No big yeah, deal. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's and that's. Uh, I've actually thought of doing it myself. The only reason I don't do it myself, I actually think strategy wise, in some of these, it's correct. Uh, because you do get the big edge. Now, yes, you're starting with a shorter stack at that point because you're, uh, the starting stack is now short, but you also have the advantage of you got to leapfrog all the people who already busted. You get guaranteed make it to you – know, you, you have a guarantee to make it to a certain point of the field and still be in. So that's, that's actually a bigger edge than people realize. So I think actually it might be positive expectation – to enter at the very latest point possible in some of these tournaments, even starting with a small stack. The only reason I don't do it is because part of the reason I play the World Series is just for the experience. And it's not much of an experience to just go there, start with a starting stack, which at that point is short, with two-thirds of the field gone, and and then immediately need to double up, so you either double up or bust, and many times you're just playing two minutes before you're gone. Like, that's that's not fun or interesting for me to do. That's not worth the trip out there to do. But but from a purely financial standpoint, especially if you're going to be just sitting there all summer playing, you know, 50 events, uh, then, yeah, it, it, may, it might make sense. It, it, you may even be advantageous to do so, just overall. I'm not talking about the results, but uh, but as far as whether that's, it's maybe a positive expectation move to do. But they'll never change it because they, they have a lot of people that enter late and they want their money. If they if they penalize them in any way, like taking money off their stack, they're not going to do it. So uh, unfortunately, this is the type of thing where the World Series is going to keep it that way, even though it's unfair. And that's kind of frustrating. So speaking of someone who's unfair and frustrating, let's talk about Tam Wynn. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this guy this is amazing. He's been on the, he was on this site before. On this not site. He was on the show before about talking about Jow Poker. We gave him a chance. We like we even let him like give his whole spiel on you. We were very polite to him and then afterwards he was he was nasty to me on Twitter because we didn't completely eat up his uh his sales pitch. Like he he, he so hung- who ended up being on the right side of that discussion, do you think? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he he when he hung up, he really believed that he convinced us. That's the funny thing. And then he like he was shocked. He's like, "Okay, well, can you remove your post about Jow from Poker Fraud Alert?" And I go, "No, I'm not removing it. I haven't changed my mind. I, just, I gave you a chance." Oh, no, no. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, you came on the show. We gave you a chance to give your side, but and we were polite to you. But that doesn't mean you didn't bamboozle us. Like, like I, but most of the points I raised, I still strongly believe. So he got all pissed and started and started bashing me. So we we listened to your. Uh... We listened to your talk, but we're not going home with you. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, Jow Poker, as we mentioned before, uh, crashed and burned. Now, Tam was he was like the face of the site. Uh, he was the kind of the idiot they put out front to promote it. And useful idiot, Druff. Yeah, useful. He, idiot. That's exactly. He was the useful idiot. And uh, well, by the way, I'm not calling him an idiot, right? Because I'm not trying to insult his intelligence. But in this case, he was a useful idiot to them. Yes, you know? yes. They needed someone who. You kind of acted as the face of the site, the manager of the site, and 
someone, you, know, you always need someone like that. You can't have just everyone hiding in the shadows who's running it or people don't trust it. So, someone that people can focus their negativity on when the place goes under and steals their money. Right, you know? right. So, so that, that's yeah. exactly what happened. So when they stole the money, that most of the people are angry at him. Now, yes, but, you know, the name of the owner also got out, but everyone just keeps thinking, okay, Jow Poker, oh, Tam Wen. Yeah, that, that's, who, that's yeah. who it is. So Everyone needs a, a sucker for a lightning rod when something like this goes down, you know? The fall guy. Yeah, so... Yeah. So, Which was a great show, by the way. I used to love that fucking show. <laughs> so Tam Wen, uh, fresh off of that, he's decided to hitch his wagon to another shady poker site. This Rob, time, I got to I got to tell you this background. You sent me that video link, right? Yeah. And I didn't even wasn't really paying attention. I just like clicked it in the video play, and I'm like, who is this idiot? Like hawking <laughs> this complete bullshit. And then I, I looked at it closer. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's that guy. So, so here it is. I'm, I'm going to play. Has he no shame? Yeah. I'm, so I'm going to play this. He, he even addresses the Jow thing like super briefly, as if it's just no big deal. So listen to this. Here we go. Hey, what's going on, guys? So uh, obviously, I've been kind of underground here the past uh, month or so. Uh, Jow Poker's closed up shop. That's fine. It's a business. <laughs> what? How is that fine? So you were promoting this constantly. I, by the way, um, he's very soft. This video, it's, it's a very qu- poor quality video. It, it jumps. It has sound yeah, who issues. Was that, who was that Mexican guy who was doing like, uh, you, you remember that? He oh, made some video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, Fernando, the, for the friend of, uh, yeah, ja- of Jack of Moscow. Of Jack he of Moscow. way better production quality than Tam's got yeah, on Yeah, this is horrible. Like, how hard is it just to make a <laughs> cell phone video? Anyone could just, like, e- even Benjamin, seven-year-old Benjamin makes a better quality video. I'm not even kidding. He, he'll, like, make videos of himself on his on, i gave him an old iphone 4 that i don't use anymore he makes better quality videos than this i'm not even exaggerating so like well, glad he got dressed up for it too you know? <laughs> so let me, let me just see if i can okay so i gotta boost the audio on this i didn't realize the audio is this bad but it's, it's very soft i want everyone i want everyone to hear the important message here let me boost the audio of this somehow uh okay i think that's good okay so i play the rest of this here business Things happen internally, externally, things like that. So job poker closed down. So we took the time to kind of take a step back and kind of move on to what's new. In We're the not industry. getting it, by the way. Oh, you're not getting Okay, let me get The wonders of Skype. Okay, let me. Trader Ruski, you still here, man? Maybe he's making tea. Uh, no, I'm here. I'm here. Okay, okay so that's it. Let's let's continue here. And just right. want to continue to promote the online poker industry in a the best way possible. <laughs> That's not what he's doing. <laughs> you gotta be fucking kidding me. <sighs> like, why not just at least tell the truth? Why not at least say, "Look, okay, sorry, Jow didn't work out. It wasn't the way what I thought it was. You know, it sucks. It went down, but you know, I really believe in this new site much more. Sorry about the other one. I believe in this one. Oh, I'm trying to improve the poker community. No, you're not. <laughs> You're just you're just trying to make money. That's all. You, that's all you want to do. You, you, you're trying to make money. You don't give a crap who gets ripped off. That's that's the truth. But if if you don't want to admit that, then at least just say, hey, here, here's another site I think is better. Give this one a shot. Like this, he's just laying it on so thick here. It's just it's, it's almost sad, Druff. Like it's so so poorly executed on so many levels. It's just fucking. I almost feel bad for the guy. Unbelievable. Okay, this is. I, 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 that, that, that line was the, <laughs> the dumbest thing. 
Okay, let's, let's, <laughs> let's continue playing this here. By the way, the, the, like the, the bad SoundCloud that like and the skips, that's not on our end. That's actually on his video. Right. So uh, with that being said, there is a new online poker site. Um, you know, I kind of want to talk to you guys about. So let me go ahead and flip the script and kind of talk to you about. Uh... <laughs> what the fuck, man? <laughs> it sounds like a robot short circuit. <laughs> It's the quality of everything in here. The message, the presentation, the techni I mean, I, I thought it was a troll. I really did. How can you? This is a three-minute video. How can he not re-record this? Like, why, why not just? Even if he didn't realize this was happening, you you play this and you see this is the terrible quality that came through. Okay, you just wasted three minutes of your life. Re-record it. You don't you don't have to post it up at that point. You don't say, okay, well that, that's a good finished product. Let's 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 go with this. Let's go with this. PFA Radio, we have standards, and we yeah. would not have allowed something like this out. Even even the fail on this show, <laughs> that this is beyond that. Right? Listen it's to this, pretty listen, incredible. It listen really to, is. Listen to this again. So let me go ahead and flip the script and kind of talk to you about... Uh, <laughs> we're not getting it again. Okay. It was the same thing. I actually reset the sound here. but Oh, my gosh. Okay, let's, let's go on here. You'll be able to hear it now. Uh, being launched um, April 20th, 2018. So go ahead and get pre-signed <laughs> up here. Um, get a 50% bonus. Uh, when you a 50% bonus. Today using cryptocurrency uh, as a poker platform. So a little bit more safe. So I kind of want you guys to go here. And this is pretty simple to kind of remember. So Get right so, on it, Tam. So, so now, first of all, how is it more safe because you're using cryptocurrency? That can be stolen just as easily by the owner as, as regular currency. That's a, It's no more safe. If the owner just makes out with, makes off with the money, then it doesn't matter what currency is being used. It, it can be cryptocurrency. It can be U.S. currency. It can be uh, the Russian rubles. It doesn't matter. When, when you sent me this video and I watched it, I was like, well, you know, I was like somewhat concerned that we had to make sure that no one was being influenced by this and everything. But when you sent me that video, and after I watched it, the view count was eight. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he's getting way more listeners to this on this show than the videos have. Let's look at it right we're, now. Me... We're at least going to double his. Oh, view by count. way more than. Let's see. They... Um... Yes, he has thirty views at the moment. If we we posted this, it was eight when yeah. I looked at it. Yeah, <laughs> I shouldn't be giving him this publicity. It's just funny though. I can't. I can't help myself. Uh, Can you hear it now? Yeah. Okay. Um, if you guys go here to, I don't know if you can see it. Well, I can't uh, hear it. I don't know what's seeing it. I PokerClub.io <laughs> and just um, create an account, right? It's like Tam's short circuiting um, here. All it takes is to get on the waiting list here. Um, create a screen name. Your email Create your password. It does have to be six characters or more. And referral code. Um, referral code type in when type in e poker um, because uh, you know this I, I want to share this with you guys early before it launches and then just hit register so no other information needed I, I have a question <laughs> I, I have a question here <laughs> I have many how, how is this even happening like so you don't even need an internet connection to do a video of yourself you can do a video with no internet on your phone okay so what what exactly happened here 
I don't know if he's doing this on his phone or through his computer, but you can do all this locally if you have the equipment. You don't need the inter- you you make the video first and you upload it second. So I don't even understand like from a technical standpoint how this interference even occurred. It's it's the weirdest thing, and then so nobody's viewing it, and it's so funny because he actually promoted this. We know about this because he promoted this on his Twitter. It has thirty views, and it's been up for like a week. Hey, Druff, you know the origin of the term con man, right? Uh, no, actually, I don't. Like where, what it's short for? Trader Risky, you know? Is it confidence? Yeah, confidence, man. I, I actually didn't know And that. watching this whole video, this guy is not a con- he's, <laughs> he's not a confidence man. He's a lack of confidence man. <laughs> like, you couldn't convince me to do anything. I mean, this is so pathetic. This is a, this is a, a cryptocurrency <laughs> site. It's very safe. <laughs> You can trust. You can trust the technology. I, I thought it was like some kind of. I really thought it was going to be. It was intentional, and it was going to break and actually like be something cool, like, like Matrix style or whatever. <laughs> I watched it through. I'm like, no, just lots of fail. <laughs> it's incredible. It really is. And uh, hope you guys did uh, any two percent deposit. Take a minute to take alert. Take a look about the site. Um, a couple of things for you guys. The rewards. Free rolls, bonus, right back. So this is for all players. So oh, it's for all players. Great. So, you know, everyone can rank up from bronze to silver to gold, platinum, depending on how much you, you play, right? All-star. So take a look at this site. Uh, once again, that's CryptoPokerClub.io. Um, type in the... Re- type in- <laughs> You know, you don't have to put in my code, but, you know, just want to let you guys know, you know, for as a referral. Oh, nice. oh boy. You yeah. know, Gruff, he, he didn't convince me to sign up for Joe Poker, but this video, I'm on board, man. 100%. <laughs> he has fucking convinced me on this one. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, my God. What is this guy doing? This is why you check your work before posting online like like not only is the message terrible and the video terrible like he he just he's just kind of reading from the screen but the the technical difficulty it, it this really this video really has a little bit of everything the lack of self-awareness is fucking off the charts <laughs> it really is i mean now now it makes sense how he got uh, got duped into being the the useful idiot of jow poker it makes sense to me now Unreal. Okay, so so moving along. <laughs> oh my god! You got to have him back on for an interview and just troll him, like have some kind of a, a, a static sound effect that you'll just play constantly while you're trying to talk. To him. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's what I should do. I should. Let me go. <laughs> uh, he probably won't even get the joke either. He probably won't real, realize what we're doing here. No. No, he won't. But it'll still be fucking funny. Yeah, like it, it'll it'll be like this. Like, so, 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 Tim, uh, I've got a question for you here. I want to know about when you got onto Jow Poker and, and uh, script and kind of talk to you about. <laughs> and then he'll say what? And I'll say what? That actually was fail because the sound effects stopped working. Oh, it stopped working. <laughs> Boy, this is, yeah, I'm making fun of his fail. And we have fail of our own. But so yeah. I, so I'll say things like like uh, say Tam, what you didn't understand me. What I'm trying to ask you is. Uh, 
Christ. You should pair him up with the other guy. What was that sound drop he used to always play? Oh, yeah, the, from, the, the, uh, the Quad Jacks thing. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. I, I got to bring that back up now. I got to bring back the Quad Jacks. I actually heard that again. I heard the original show when we played that. It was still funny. It was, uh, I want Trader Ruski's take. Did you see this video at all, man? I did not. You heard it. What do you think? Are you are you convinced? You on board? I'm, I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, the other site went down. Yeah. Your money. Yeah. This, but this site's going to be fantastic. Yeah. This, this was the, the Seth Polanski interview on Quad Jack. This, this is the, this is the famous sound that just. They asked him a question, and he Seth is starting to answer, and then it just does this. Wait, where is it? See, now it's YouTube's frozen here. Nothing ever works here. It does this. <laughs> that was Asian Spot's favorite sound effect. He, he loved it. Which did not play. Oh, it didn't play. Okay. We didn't hear it, but we, we did envision it in our heads, though. No, it, it's this. You'll hear it again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so this went on forever. <laughs> it went on for like a minute. <laughs> and they didn't they never fixed it. Like they got the funny thing is they were making people from our show were making fun of Quad Jacks for this and they still didn't fix it. They they just left it up there. So that that was uh that was Tam may want to hit him up to be an affiliate with that uh, video. Yeah, maybe Tam can get the the old Quad Jacks producers to do his videos. <laughs> yeah. That was that was the other one. They had another one earlier in the video this. <laughs> Whatever happened to that quad? Those quad jacks guys. Well, um, snake well, in the grass guy, and what else was? Well, that? okay, so so seriously, Sirius is actually part of that. At least he landed on his feet. He he came on later though. He got screwed. Oh, up. that's right. I forgot that that he started out and he was working there. Yeah, he, he if got, he's still he, listening. We got to get him to call in. I want an update on the. I remember he was getting screwed by them for some web web work, but well, yeah. We, what, we, what, was, we, what were the guys' names? There was one guy, Marco, who went yeah. on to actually do. Like legit work, and then the other guy was kind of like a douchebag, right? Yeah, it, it was Zach who was the the owner of it. Marco was that's kind the, of a, that's the snake in the grass. Yeah, that right? was the snake in the grass, and uh, yeah. and the reason we called him that was uh, Quad Jacks. Even though they kind of ripped off Neverwind Poker in many ways, uh, we were still friendly with them, and we found out like there's there this porn star that went by Young Smooth, which is kind of a weird name to begin with. So Young Smooth, we were going to have on the show, and suddenly she didn't want to come on. Suddenly she was saying that uh, she knows we're just going to be making fun of her, and that uh, you know this isn't the type of show she wants to be on. It is this complete 180-degree turn she had regarding her enthusiasm to come on the show. We said, that's weird. Someone must have gotten to her. So at first we thought it was, it was one of the listeners that uh, had just you know, decided to screw with us and contact her and try to convince her not to come on. But then Brandon noticed that Zach was a friend of hers on Facebook. And then I forgot how we found out, but I think Zach told someone. We found out in some way that Zach was the one who was telling her I not to come on. she might have told Brandon. Something, something happened where she, we found out for sure that Zach had told her not to come on and all these terrible things about us that weren't true. And basically scared her away from coming on. And I think he wanted her on his show. I, I don't know what the hell this was about. But uh, she never came on his show. But, but we were really pissed because we had always been on good terms with them and ver- been very nice to them. And then that happened. So we were really mad about it. And we were uh, uh, we, we kind of had a little mini war with Quad Jacks for, for some time. 
and, and then uh, eventually Zach screwed over everybody who's involved with it, including this Marco, including uh, his name's Marco Valerio. So he screwed over Marco. He screwed over mm-hmm. uh, Seriously Serious. So like everybody got screwed over. And then uh, Zach pretty much left poker after uh, the Seriously Serious thing because Seriously Serious uh, brought it up on uh, on a forum on 2 Plus 2. And then Zach actually showed up trying to defend himself, thinking that he was so much in the right, everyone's going to take his side. But he just looked terrible, and everyone just tore him apart there. And, and he, it, it kind of ran him out of poker. Like, he, he decided his reputation had been ruined and, and just left. So, At it, for shits and giggles, I went to quadjacks.com. I don't even know what the fuck it is now. <laughs> well, it, it got bought by, by unrelated people after this, and then they temporarily brought back Marco, but it was a fail. Like it, it just never came back. The only yeah, reason- but like the 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 top like articles posted on there, the first one is seventeen factors to exclude glyphosate, <laughs> and then the next one is how to change a paper, how to become an academic philosopher. Oh, I see that. How to, yeah. how to develop a faculty admissions officer? What the fuck is this shit? And the other weird thing is that this is uh, I think that's their same logo. It is. Yeah, they must have sold. Who knows what they? Maybe the people who bought it changed it to something else. Just some link farm thing or something. Yeah, who knows? It's it's weird. But four uh, four renowned scary poems. <laughs> this is from this is from May twenty. I got to see the four renowned scary poems. Yeah, I wonder what those yeah. are too. Maybe maybe you'd like to recite one to us, Calwan. <laughs> Would you like me to? <laughs> Absolutely. What the fuck. So Quadjax. No. Uh, yeah, it was. Wait. This is. You know what I think this is? You know what I really think this is, Druff? I think that someone just like left the site up there, and it's yet another like shitty WordPress site. I think it was hacked. <laughs> and I and I no, I, I mean this is really what I think happened. And I think the the hackers are just stuffing it with content and links because none of this makes any sense. Like there yeah, actually are not four renowned scary poems. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at this. I think you're right. Male, male, males who abuse creatures are far more likely to neglect women also. All peculiarities. So what, this has nothing to do with fucking poems. And <laughs> I, I really do think this is hacked and it's just the site is just fucked. I actually, I don't even agree with that. I think males who abuse creatures are probably more likely to abuse women, not, not neglect them. Well, don't argue with the hackers, okay? I, I think, I think uh, yeah, I, I've never heard of a connection between an abuser and... And a neglector, like usually the uh... well, it goes it goes transitions right from that to paper writing service overview charges <laughs> and special propositions. You know what I mean? Like there, there's something. And what about the seventeen factors to exclude uh, glyphosate or whatever that is? I, I, I really think that the site was hacked <clears throat> because it, it. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yet it still has like some poker elements on it too. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it did get Okay, out. 17 factors to exclude glyphosate. This is really exciting. And the content of this article is uh, edit post ways to get gifts simple on Movie Stars Planet if you are yeah, this is I guarantee you this was hacked because I have I've dealt with this kind of thing before where they get in, in there and they just inject content and links and, and none of it necessarily makes any sense. Yeah, I've seen that too, where, where it's just like yeah. nonsense sentences that uh, are, are just meant to be uh, separate from other sites they've hacked. Yeah, do claim put fats with some vitamins and minerals for foods that you are already eat. Yes, no crushes on boys. How to be more confident? Yes, no crushes around on your. Boys. I mean, it's it, it's all it's nonsense. <clears throat> well, 
Man, seriously, serious. If you're listening, you should go look at the the corpse of this fucking site that you used to be involved in. It's all <laughs> fucked up, man. It's crazy. Yep. All right. Well, let's, let's see what else we got here. Um, when you have a hotel that's a, that's a complete fail, then usually, unless you make some kind of major change, it's not going to turn around. Usually hotels that are failing don't just miraculously get better and become profitable. Uh, usually what happens is... Uh, it goes under or, or they end up selling it and it gets rebranded or, or uh, they, they do some kind of major overhaul to where it has a completely different theme. There, something has to change for a, a struggling, unprofitable hotel to become profitable. Just, just injecting more money is never the right solution. So it always amazes me where these investors are found to do things like this. And this has happened at the SLS Las Vegas, which is the former Sahara. And it's been struggling ever since it opened as the, SL, as the SLS. So I'm going to tell you about this here. It, it's, it's mind-boggling how yeah, there's like money to burn that uh, I, I don't understand always where it comes from. So the... SLS Las Vegas, as I said, it's it's supposed to be a higher-end hotel in an area you would not expect it to be. The area where the Sahara is on in Las Vegas is considered like the North Strip. It's past any of ho- any hotel you'd want to go to over there. It's just it's just far from everything. Not super far, but I mean, you're not going to want to walk there from any of the other strip properties, any of the other major strip properties. At one time, it was a good location, but not anymore. Now it's it's out in this no-man's land in between the Strip and downtown. Closer to the Strip, but uh, it's kind of a no-man's land. And it's not that good of an area, and it's not near any other high-end hotels. So you're not going to walk over there for, from the Wynn or from the Bellagio or, or from the Aria. You're not going to do it. So people Yeah, but drop when when Wynn builds builds that new property across the street, I mean, wouldn't that almost connect that whole area? It's got to be what they're banking on. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, I didn't think of that, but may, maybe that's what it is. But I, I still think at this point it's uh I, I still think it's a waste of money here to try to throw good money after bad on this. But uh uh Reno-based businessman Alex Murello, M E R U E L O he told regulators last month that he will spend up to $100 million to revitalize the property and that he's actually agreed to buy the casino uh, in, in from uh, Stockbridge, Stockbridge uh, Capital Group. I guess he owned it at, uh, at one point, then they got it, and now he wants it back. Uh, they, they claim that part of the $100 million is going to go toward giving these casino slot machines a new look. Like, that's going to help. I don't think that people go in there and go, ah, I'm not going to really play here because I don't like the way the slot machines look. <laughs> Unless they're, like, really old and run down, which I'm guessing they're not. Uh, I don't think that's their major problem. That, that's kind of a weird thing to be overhauling. And they also want to brighten the gaming floor. Now, SLS, does anyone know what that stands for? Anyone have any idea? 
I know the brand, but have no clue. I didn't until uh, I saw this article. It stands for Style... Single lug- single Labia Sloppy? <laughs> that probably would be single better. Single Loser or something? Style Luxury... What did you call me? St- style Luxury <laughs> Service. Style Luxury Service is the SLS. And mm-hmm. uh, this guy, Murello, actually thinks that uh, these small changes, which are going to cost $100 million, or up to $100 million, uh, will somehow make the casino profitable. And he says, the capital investment is something that will make it a dramatic impact. Things are already turning around and very optimistic. Interestingly enough, he doesn't even mention the, the, the only factor that could really save them, as Trader Risky said, maybe that area, you know, the strip building up further north of these hotels like resorts and other ones that they claim that uh, are going to be coming up in the next few years, that maybe that'll kind of connect it. That's the only chance it has. But... Uh, they also may drop the SLS brand and call it Sahara again, which I, I think is probably a mistake because Sahara spent many years as a, a rundown has been. And you may say, oh, well, you know, that, that's it's been since 2011 that there hasn't been a Sahara. So people will assume it has to be something new. No, they won't. There's a lot of people who don't follow this and they'll just see Sahara again and think, oh, it's the same rundown piece of crap. We, we're not going to go in there. So I think I think they actually are better off with, with a new name. Even if they don't want to keep SLS, I don't think returning to Sahara is the right thing because of the reputation Sahara had when it closed. It's not like it had that reputation in 1975. 2011 is still recent enough to where uh, a lot of people will, will see Sahara and think it's the same thing that they remember from before. Uh they were actually very close to bankruptcy as late as last year. And then uh, there was the whole controversy <clears throat> involving the U.S. citizenship that was dangled in front of Chinese investors in, in a uh, – there, there was – I thought that was for that Dragon Hotel. Um, no? That's right. It was, for, it was for that, but I guess this was involved as well too. It was it was for both of them. You're right. It was. For, I, I'm confusing them because they're so close. That Lucky Dragon, but yes, this one also had that, where, where people, uh, um, where, where Chinese investors uh, invest money in, in exchange for U.S. citizenship. So, um, I guess this, uh, I guess it happened with both of them. Or maybe, you know, maybe it was... I, I don't know. I, I've seen now an article from December 2017. See, now I'm confusing the two. They're so close together. They're both failed properties. They're both relatively new. So, like, it's it's merging in my mind. I, but I know, which makes it even more puzzling with that place going down, why this guy would put money in it. Yeah, so, so yes, there is a lawsuit, though. 60 Chinese investors claim they haven't gotten citizenship yet, despite investing a lot of money. So th- there is a lawsuit about that. There may, but I, I kind of remember also Lucky Dragon had that too. So maybe both of them. Maybe that's why we're getting confused here. So yeah, the, the lawsuit was filed on November 30th in Los Angeles. So uh, the whole thing's a mess. And this is one of these things that when it started, I said, how's this going to work? There, there's been casinos that have opened that I've wondered, is there really a market for it? Is, is there too much? Is it saturated? Like, for example, the Aria. I wasn't sure if the Aria was going to succeed. I wasn't saying it wasn't, but I wasn't all that optimistic on it either. It ended, it ended up working out. But um, 
that was one of the things where I, I couldn't really tell either way. This yeah, and it was really bad timing for them too. I think right because wasn't when they were creating City Center, didn't they even put it on hold for yes, like a year? Yes, or that's, something? that's part of the reason I was skeptical because Vegas was in a tailspin because of the the uh, economic crash of two thousand eight. So yeah, so that that I was kind of questioning, but I wasn't shocked when Arya ended up working out. But but this, I, I just thought, what are they doing? What, why build a luxury hotel there? Why why convert the Sahara into something like that? Why if you want to keep that property open, if you want to keep that location as as a hotel, then why not uh, you know create another budget hotel, maybe with a different image than Sahara? But why this just didn't make any sense to me, and, and it still doesn't. So I don't get it. It's so weird that this article does not even mention that they're hoping that. Eventually, the other properties that are going to be somewhat near there will kind of connect it with the rest of the strip, and it could be viable. That really is the only chance it has. I I don't think. Uh, yeah, and, the, and I was going to say too, like they might have because they have customer, you know, hotels all over the world, and it's known as a luxury brand. Maybe they're like thinking about, you know, they'll have customer loyalty, but any of their customers are going to stay at the Aria, the Bellagio, or the Wynn. So that's like. Yeah, the, the whole thing never I made think any sense. I, I think this is another case, much like with these online poker ventures we hear about and laugh at. I, I think it's just you have these people who attend a presentation and and someone pitches it and it seems to make sense on the surface, and they don't for whatever reason they don't look into it much deeper. Because I I just can't imagine anyone who who would put any kind of time into researching this would come away with the belief it's going to work. Because I just right away when I heard about it, I said this is going to be a fail. Right away, I would have been shocked if it worked out. I would have been shocked if this is a successful project. From the very start, it's, almo- not- it's almost like there's a sucker born every minute, Drew. Yeah, but for this amount of money, like <laughs> how how do you invest so much money in something like this from the start without really researching everything uh, to figure out if this is going to be viable? It it just sounds like they pitched this to people and they go, "Oh, yeah, it sounds like a good idea to me." Okay, where do I where do I send the check? It's amazing. So. Let's see here. Moving on. By the way, I'd, be, I'd, I'd forgotten until this SLS story to note the times. So I'm going to have some project in my hands to go back and uh, <laughs> go through the show and note when everything began. What a pain in the ass. So I'm going to talk about this uh, this Reddit thread. It's in the it's on the Poker Fraud Alert uh, radio thread. You can find a link to it if you scroll down a bit. And you can read it, but I'm going to read it out loud anyway. But if you want to follow along, you can go there. But this is in the unethical life pro tips section of Reddit. And I've never read this section before. This was sent over to me by a listener. But I assume this section – well, here, I, I can read the description – an unethical life pro tip, or ULPT, is a tip that improves your life in a meaningful way, perhaps at the expense of others and or with questionable legality. So he, I, I haven't read this section, but I'm just guessing it would be something like uh, giving you tips on how to cut in line or things like that. That uh, it may not be the right thing to do, but if you're selfish and you feel like uh, doing it to benefit your, your own interests and feel the no one's going to really suffer much, then you can just do it. And uh, so it's, these are, that's the section for that sort of thing. That's what they're trying to say. So in this section, there is 
a post that was uh, written to give tips on casinos. And I've seen things like this before, where someone comes out and claims to be very knowledgeable about casinos or Vegas, and they they give advice which on the surface sounds like it's very clever. And you sometimes go read it and think, oh, wow, why didn't I think of that? Okay, I'm going to try this next time. So I'm going to go through this and tell you where this guy is right and wrong. It's, it, it's gotten some popularity, this thing, even though it's uh, a fairly new post. It's gotten a lot of uh, views already. It's already been seen. Uh, I'm not sure how many times. It, it, it's, a lot of people have seen it. So it, Is it more than 31? Yes. It's, it's doing, better than, doing better than Tam Nguyen somehow. So this is what the guy wrote. Uh, While playing a table game at a casino, secretly pocket some of your own chips so that when you color out, the pit boss marks you down as losing more money than you actually did, and spending more money gets you more comps. More casino tips inside. So he writes this, this one little teaser at the top and then puts a bunch of casino tips under that. Let, let's stop. Let's do that one right there. So he's saying Don't they that, track it at the table. So right. So so here's here's the problem, is that um, this guy is basically going by old information, very old information. A long time ago, the casinos would base your comps on what you lost. Where if you lost more, they give you more comps. And if you won more, they'd give you less. They'd still give you something, but they knew you are playing with a disadvantage. But uh, if you lost more, they'd give you more comps, thinking that you'll, you know, feel better and come back. Uh, um, and I mean, like, on the spot. You can say, hey, can you give me uh, a nice meal at such and such restaurant uh, you know, for me and four friends? And they'll do it. They're more likely to do it if you just drop several thousand than if you just won there. Um, but, but they're actually talking about here that somehow they'll note down in the system that you lost more than you actually did, and, and then they'll send you better offers. That's what they're trying to say. Or may, maybe they even mean food comps. It doesn't matter. Let me tell you where the flaw is here. That's not how they do it anymore. They do this by theoretical losses, where they say if where they try to compute if your luck was average, given the amount of time you played and the amount of money you were betting, what you would have lost. That's how they that's how they compute your comps. Whether you got lucky and won, or got unlucky and lost more than you would be expected to lose, that doesn't matter that much. Now, with blackjack, it's a little different than uh, slots or video poker. With blackjack, they really they're also noting down your skill. Video poker, to some degree, it tries to do that, but but it's it's more about just the coin that you put in the machine you're playing with with its return. But with, with blackjack, there are players who are just awful and have no clue what they're doing, and then there's uh, they're all the way up to card counters who are advantage players. So in blackjack, they actually will give you a rating, which ranges from beginner, novice, which means like you're horrible, all the way up to what they call uh, basic strategy or better, meaning that uh, you're either playing the optimal strategy but not counting cards, or maybe even above that, maybe you're actually a card counter. Uh, Basic strategy or better is, is usually one level, meaning that uh, this is the least desirable player to have. So that's what they're rating. So they're rating your average bet and the time you're playing and your skill level. That's it. Now, yes, it will be noted how much you won or lost, but that's not going to figure much into your comps. So.
So pocketing a few chips and making it look like you, like you lost is not going to help you very much. Uh, it will help you if now if you're playing, if you you are engaging in advantage play and you want to make it look like you're losing, that can work. But keep in mind the eye in the sky might be watching you, and if you do that, that's super suspicious. So I wouldn't advise it anyway. So that that's not a good that's not a good uh, tip. Um, you see, it goes on to write. Keep in mind the dealers do have an idea how much you lost, so you can't go crazy with it. Also, if they catch you doing it more than once, they will tell the pit boss about it. It's not illegal or anything to take your own chips off your stack, but they don't like try, people trying to lie about how much they won or lost. It's not really true. It they, doesn't make sense. No, they, you, you can take them off your stack, and they don't give a crap. The, 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 they're not going to get mad at you. Uh, they may get a little suspicious of you, but but you're you're not doing yourself any favors by doing it. So don't bother. It's just. So the guy goes on explaining more about this. I'm just going to skip past it because I'm telling you it's BS. Then he writes, when you leave a table, always cash in your chips at the cage before going to another table and then buy in and buy in with cash again to the new table. So it appears you're spending more in the casino's eyes. If you sit down at a new table with chips from another table, you're not spending more money, just the same money at a different table. So he's trying to say that the more you keep buying in with cash, uh, The, the better they're going to see you. No, again, incorrect. Again, no. It's all about the Theo, man. They don't give a fuck. Yeah, I, I could buy in for, for for much more than that. You know, I I could show up at a, at a blackjack table. You know, let's say a twenty five dollar minimum blackjack table, and uh, I could I could whip out a massive roll of money and say, yes, I'd like chips worth massive one million dollars. I, I could do that. And they they would not they might let me buy in for a million, but they wouldn't note. Oh wow, this is a, a high roller because if I'm only betting twenty five dollars a hand, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter what I have in front of me. So again, that's nonsense. Um, yeah, and like you said, they're they're not basing this stuff on their observations of you. They're basing they know these games are rigged. They know. You know, I'm saying rigged colloquially, but they they know how much you're going to lose. Yeah. Well, like, I, you know, they don't care if you, if you happen to actually win or happen to actually lose. It doesn't matter. That's not what they're looking at. And so, so this guy already starts out showing he has no clue about how these comps work. But let's move on. He says, it's becoming more and more common for casinos in Vegas to charge for parking. But parking is free for people in the higher tiers of the Players Club. People accidentally leave their Players Club cards in slot machines, and if you can find a higher tier card somewhere and someone lost, uh, you, you can use it at the parking ticket machine for free parking. For a more ethical version, ask, simply ask someone if they can get an extra copy of their card made for you for this purpose. Okay, let me stop right here. Yes, this would work. He's right. But here's an easier way to do it. Sign up for the free credit card at these places that are associated with them, and uh, they will upgrade you to a level that will get you free parking anyway. That's how I get free parking at MGM properties. I don't ever play games there besides poker, but I, I get free parking because I signed up for their useless credit card that doesn't have a fee. And I, I got upgraded to Pearl, which is all I need for free parking. There you go. So you don't need to grab other cards. Now, yes, if you see a, a higher tier card, and when you see it's higher, just like anything above the bottom. So the second level card is good enough for this. So you've you find one of these cards around? Yes, yes, you can use it for free parking. No one will know the difference. And it's not going to charge the person anything. So, yes, let's say you find a platinum card, which is the second to bottom level at Caesars. That's good enough to get you free parking. If you scan that every time you come in, 
uh, no, it will not charge that person anything. It will not harm them at all for their account, and nothing will. They won't even know. It'll have no effect on them if you use it for free parking. So yes, you could do that, but why bother? Then he says, if you want to watch a game or otherwise hang out in the sports book, but don't want to pay ridiculous drink prices, find out what their policy is for complimentary drinks for people betting on horses. A sports bet will get you one comp drink voucher, but many casinos have a policy where horse players get free drinks without needing to use the drink vouchers. This has something to do with horse betting being paramutual. The casino makes money whether you win or lose. Horse players also tend to spend a lot of money going to the window and betting before each race, something multiple tracks at once. Sit in the horse betting area, turn your little personal TV to a racing channel, get a racing program, and find some losing wager tickets someone left around so it looks like you've been betting horses and enjoy free drinks. You'll be able to see the sports from that area, too. You may have to, play a bet. You may have to place a bet on a race once in a while to keep the facade going. I mean, this is so complicated. <laughs> um... I don't know if this works or not. I don't know if, if they really give free drinks to horse players. Uh, maybe if, you, if this is what you want to do and just get free drinks, yeah, maybe give it a shot and just sit in the horse race area and then watch sports from there. I don't think you have to keep them. Yeah, whole but I think they give you the tickets when you make the bet, not when you walk up there with your slip that's been, like, stepped on by 14 people. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I, see, I don't know. Like, he's saying you can get it without a drink voucher that they'll just, you know, give you drinks. I don't know. But uh, – uh, Can we just look at the other things that he said and assume that it's probably bullshit yeah. too? <laughs> I mean, this, this could be right, but it, it sounds like a lot of trouble. If you want to just sit in that area and see if they'll serve you free drinks, fine. But to have to keep the facade going by placing horse bets, I mean, it's, at that point you say the drinks aren't really free anymore, not to bother. Then he writes, uh, when you're playing, th- this is the first one that actually rings true and, and is useful if you want to bother with it. It's not going to be very worthwhile as far as uh, what you're going to save, but it's true. When you're playing a slot machine or table game, cocktail waitresses come around and serve complimentary drinks. If, if you want a mixed drink, such as a vodka and cranberry, ask for one with a vodka and one with cranberry, and then mix them together yourself, as they're quite stingy on the liquor and the comp mixed drinks. Tip your cocktail waitress as well. It'll ensure you get drinks quickly. Plus, these poor women have to deal with a lot of drunk assholes all day. It's just a nice thing to do. Besides, a buck or two is still a lot cheaper than if you had to pay the full price of the drink. What he's leaving out here is, uh, and this is where I thought he was going with it, is that... Well, and he said, tip him a lot, and then he said a buck or two. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. But what, anyway. he's le- what he's leaving out here is that you don't have to actually play. Now, a table game, you can't. it's harder to sit there and not play. But at a slot machine, if you really want to, yes, you can sit there and just kind of at the machine. And while the cocktail witches don't come around there as often as they do... The uh, the blackjack table, they will come around every so often and ask you, you want any drinks. They, and they won't check if you're actually spinning the reels on the machine or or, 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 or or you can sit in front of a video poker that's even harder to tell if you're really playing or not. And, you know, so so if you really want free drinks, you can sit there at a video poker machine, put no money in or just put money in and not play. And then as soon as you see the cocktail waitress walking over, just, just uh, you know, pretend to be concentrated on the machine and say, uh, yeah, excuse me. Uh, can I have a drink? She'll she'll never know the difference. To give you a free drink. Yes, you you will get a free drink there. Uh, by the way, don't feel too bad for the cocktail waitresses. They make a lot of money compared to what they're doing. Like they they they're doing an easy, unskilled job, and they're getting a lot of tips that add up to a lot more money than people make for much more skilled jobs. So I'm not saying don't tip them, but. Um, I wouldn't. This guy's putting it like, oh, the poor women have to deal with a lot of drunk assholes all day. Well, the, yes, but they're getting paid well for it. 
they're getting paid much better than they really deserve to get paid. I mean, good for them, but you, you shouldn't feel you shouldn't tip them out of sympathy. Uh, the best reason to tip them is because if you want them to come back, uh, that's what you need to do. Otherwise, they're going to avoid you. Then he writes, uh, casinos have different lines for people to wait on at the box office, players club, help desk, hotel registration, etc. One line is for the members in the lowest tiers of the players club. The other one is for elite tier members. The elite line is usually a lot shorter and gets priority. You can stand on this line and then pretend you didn't know the difference once it's your turn. There's a good chance to let it slide. That's true. That is true. Um, the It depends where you are, though. Uh, sometimes they will ask immediately to see your card. Like, like the Players Club, you can't do that. You can't stand in the Seven Stars line and then show up to the front with a gold card. They're going to say, sorry, wrong line, and kick you out. Um, if it's something that isn't directly related to the card, like hotel registration, yes, you can get in the Seven Stars line, and they often won't even notice if you're not a Seven Stars. Not, not every time you'll get away with it, you can. So that that is true. Uh, at least often it's true. And... Uh, I'll tell you somewhere else that used to be very true, but they're starting to clamp down on it, and that's at the World Series. The World Series has a diamond registration room where diamonds and seven-star members can go into this special room and register a lot faster. The only time that room sucks is when there's a lot of payouts going on. The same room is used for payouts, and they don't separate the lines very well, so the the registration women suddenly become the payout women also, and it it gets very slow. But aside from that, that's a much better room to use to register. Um... You used to just be able to walk in there, and they never cared what card to use. You, you could be the bottom tier gold card, and they would uh, happily register you in there. Uh, they finally decided, I think this is two years ago, they finally decided at the World Series enough is enough with this, and they actually post a security guard in the room to make sure that you show a diamond or seven star card, or they will not let you set foot in there. However, there is a trick to get in there. There is a trick to get in there if you don't have a... There's two tricks to get in if you don't have a Diamond or Seven Star card. First of all, if you are with a friend who has a Diamond or Seven Star card, they will always let you walk in with a friend. Number two, there are two entrances to that room. One of them has a guard. The other entrance does not have a guard, typically. So, the more obvious entrance has the guard, the other one does not. I don't have to go through that trickery, because I have... A seven stars card myself. So, by revealing this, I'm actually going to make it more difficult on myself if, if some of you decide to sneak in there. But I'm telling you honestly, that's what I've seen. Um, when I registered one step for his event, remember uh, I met with him. I wasn't the one who staked him, but I, I supervised his registration with with money that was uh, uh, put up for him by others. You make it sound like you were watching a child. I pretty much was, but uh, <laughs> when I did that, um, he, he didn't have a diamond or seven-star card, but I just walked him in. He, he was even nervous, and, he, and this, this is someone willing to roll anyone uh, one step, but he, like, especially, like, like, especially like businesses. Like, I, I'm not saying he was going to rip people off here who, who, who staked him, but, but like, like as far as like rolling <laughs> – he just fucked his whole reputation. Well, no, no. Side. Like, as far as rolling businesses, like, this is a guy who wants to ask any borrow of someone's military ID to get a military discount for a mattress. Like, like, like I'm telling I'm you. I'm sure like, he'll get lots of investors this year now that now that everyone knows this is a guy that would just roll well, anybody. Okay, I, 
I, I, I got to rephrase I know, the this. lobster mac and cheese. Everybody just forgot about. I've got I've got to rephrase this. Restarted. One step. One step hasn't he, he hasn't he hasn't scammed anyone in poker fraud alert or in poker that I know of. I'm talking about like with companies. Like he he he'd uh-huh. be the first one who would want to jump at this. But when I told him let's go in this room, he's like, oh, we can't go in there. That's, that's the all right. Stuff. This is a tough. This is a tough one now. Druff. Who are you going to trust more, Tam Win or One Step? Oh, One Step for sure. Because one, one, step? Okay. as I said, One Step there hasn't he hasn't ripped anyone off on the site. That's why, like, I didn't feel bad about him getting staked for that event because, like, he <laughs> he's always rolling companies. He's always posting like shady things he's done to companies, but he he's, he hasn't rolled individuals on the site. So I'll say that for you. You got a, you got a backpack with thirty thousand dollars in it, and you got to hand it to either uh, Tam or One Step. Because you you get in, you're going to tell them here. Hold on to this for the next hour. I'll, I'll pick it up. I give it to one step for sure. It's not for even, sure. They, okay. Right. Easily. So so anyway, one step. Well, uh, Tam Tam he, might double your money though. He might <laughs> invest it in his cryptocurrency site and sign you up as a platinum affiliate yeah. well, and double your money, man. It's, it's safer because it's cryptocurrency. <laughs> yeah, sure. So so one step. Even he was like leery. Will this work? Was it? No, no. You can you can come in with me. I'm a seven star. I'm gonna show my card. You you can actually walk in with me, and then I'll walk up with you. They'll probably just let you register, no problem. But if they give any hard time, I'll say I'm I'll say I'm the one staking you, even though I wasn't. And you know I'm a seven star, and they would have done it. But he didn't have to say anything. He just gave him the card. They they registered him. So once you get in that room, you can register. So this guy's right about that. Even though he didn't mention the World Series specifically, uh, he says, "If you're a girl, hang out by the, a crowded craps table, act excited slash interested, and mention you've never played before. Everyone will want you to roll the dice, and some might throw you a dollar chip or more if they make money on your roll. This is likely to happen with older, wealthy-looking gentlemen, and in my experience, has the lowest success rate of all things on the list. But it does happen. Just FYI. First of all." This is a dude writing it. How much experience does he have with this? Unless he's one of the the older wealthy gentlemen, he's probably not. Uh, but yes, if you're a girl, especially an attractive girl, and you hang around in Vegas with older wealthy gentlemen, of course there's opportunities to get money out of them, much more than a dollar. So if you really want to use uh, rich older dudes in Vegas for money and you're an attractive girl, then there's a lot of ways to do it. Uh, he does have a point that like if that they'll let you roll the dice, especially if you're a pretty girl there, and that maybe if they hit that they'll they, they may give you some of the winnings. That could happen. So uh, um, it's just funny the way he puts it there. He says, speaking of craps, it's not really unethical, but you're kind of seen as a jerk if you bet the don't pass line because you're betting against the shooter. I don't play craps often, but the way I see it, they wouldn't have the craps table if it wasn't the money makers. The majority of people must be losing at least some money. If you do the opposite of the majority, maybe you'll do better. It doesn't quite work that way. Now, the don't pass is technically a little bit better odds in the past, but he is correct that it's like an etiquette breach and people get pissed off. So that's why you barely ever see don't pass bets there. Because you're basically rooting for everyone to lose. So who's betting the pass line? So, uh, uh, anyway, moving on. He says, to kill some time and get some free drinks, put five bucks in one of those oldish Game King multi-game machines and play Kino for five cents a game. You can make five dollars last a long time. Uh, oh, this is interesting. I think a girl may have written this. It says, personally, I play Caveman Kino and pick only four numbers while my boyfriend always picks ten numbers. This is either a gay guy or a woman. I, I thought a dude was writing this. Hmm. Not that that really changes much, but uh, I was going to say it's still a sh- it's still a shit. So. Yeah, it's still crap. But <laughs> I mean, who cares? I, I guess it gives a little more credibility about being a girl on the crap table. But other than that, I don't really care what bunghole it's coming from, Druff. It's still crap that's pouring out. Yeah, 
no, it's just fun. Like, I kind of just picturing the author in my head, and I kind of just pictured like some like like late twenties guy who thinks he knows all about Vegas and doesn't. So, but like for some reason now, now, that I hear, now that I hear a girl wrote it, I'm like I'm trying to picture like what she looked like, what her story is, and I have, I'm having a lot harder time envisioning her than I did with the, the the dude that I pictured writing it. Are you trying to picture her naked? No, but uh, but I think the it could still be a guy. It could be a gay guy. So we can't overlook that in this day and age. It could easily be the boyfriend. <laughs> it could be of another guy. So anyway. Uh, this is a form. It goes on to explain about uh, the cocktail waitress, and they'll, they'll check what you're doing. This is unnecessary. They don't check anything. Trust me. The only time they check is at the casino bars. They check that you're really playing. But but in the, in the main casino, they uh, they don't. As long as you just kind of have the appearance that you're playing. If you look like you're just sitting around waiting, they usually won't give you a drink. But if you're uh, if you look have any look like you're playing, of course they'll give you a drink. They don't. They never look at anything. Uh, the 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 bars and casino are stocked with mach- with matches, so you can grab a bunch for free and maybe a few pens too. They can come in handy or make a souvenir if you're on vacation. Anybody wants free pens? You know how to get them now. If you make a complaint about something and bitch long enough about it, the host or manager will probably offer you a voucher for free dinner at one of the casino's restaurants, or a bottle of wine, or a discount on your room if you're staying there. I've only done this once because they put me up in a disgusting room that was absolutely filthy. They moved me to a new room and gave me a complimentary meal at one of the restaurants. But you could probably make something up to bitch about if you want to get unethical about it. Okay. Um, first of all, I always say you should never make up things to complain about. You should you should always seek to get what you paid for. So if you paid for something and, and it's crap, like if you pay for a hotel room and it's filthy like this person describes you, then yes, definitely complain. And, and, and yes, uh, angling for them to give you something extra for this happening, the inconvenience of having to switch rooms, go through this, yes, that's uh, that's reasonable. Uh, making up something, I, I've always said, don't do that. And I'm not saying that don't do that, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I'm saying really, like, I don't ever do that. I, all of my complaints are about real things that that I feel should not have happened and I feel like I'm not getting what I paid for. But um, you can't just go up to a host and go, uh, yeah, uh, this this uh, blackjack dealer is rude to me. Give me a free bottle of wine. It doesn't work that way. They don't do that. They will take your complaint, but they will not give you anything. Maybe if you're, if you're betting a lot there, they will, but not, not just out of the blue. You can't just walk up and make some complaint. Um. The hotel is different. The hotel, they will give you things if there's a legitimate problem. But um, not uh, you can't just make up a problem in the casino. You're very unlikely to get anything free. Uh, finally, just one, if, if you're trying to raise enough tier points to get to a higher level player's card... Without actually spending money, you could actually you could have the players' club desk print you a bunch of copies of your card and stick them into a couple slot machines and hope the next person to sit down to play one doesn't take it out to put in their own card. Now that's I've never thought of this before, but this would probably work. They're saying just shove a bunch of your cards in random machines around the casino and assume some people are not going to use their card and just put money in, and you're going to uh, uh, end up with. Extra points. The funny thing is, I've gone up to machines before and seen other people's cards in them, and I always assume they're just left behind. I never thought that this could possibly be what's going on. So at first, when I read this, I go, "Wow, that's a great idea." That's like getting other people to play for you <laughs> without them even knowing it, and it's not even hurting them any because they're they're not using a player's card anyway. If they are, they'll just pop yours out and put theirs in. 
and and you can always claim that hey, you know, I just forgot my card in in various machines. Now, if you put a hundred cards all over the place, they'll know you're pulling it. But if you, you know, there's five cards around there, you could easily claim you're just playing those machines, even if you're caught. But here's the problem. Here is the problem that this author did not think of. Uh, they will often rate you based upon your average play in a day. So if you leave your card in a machine that's not used very much and then you leave and then the next day one of your cards is still in there and someone comes down and plays a dollar in the machine and then leaves and then your card's either eventually popped out or uh, just sits there for another few days, they will have down that you gambled a dollar the entire day, which is a killer to what's known as your average daily theoretical. I mean, your theoretical loss. So obviously your theoretical loss on a dollar bet could never be more than a few cents. So that's that will feed into the system and drag down whatever your average is and kill your comps. So yes, this may raise your tier points, but it may actually kill your comps. It'll actually do reverse for your comps than what you think. Now, yes, if you get lucky enough to sit down, if, if someone sits down and, and, and uh, plays a lot of money into the machine without ever putting their card in and did it on yours, that will help you. Or if you put a bunch of cards in the same day, and by the end of the day, someone, you know, they're all taken out by various people, but all the cards combined ran up a, a good deal of play, yes, it'll help you. But you do risk that uh, if the cards sit around until the next day, that it could actually hurt your, your daily theoretical. So, and, and also you can get caught doing this and they can kick you out. So, um, If you are going to pull this, you know, just make it look like you were playing. You know, sit down and put the card in and, and pretend like you're going through the, the motions of the machine, like you're figuring out what the, what the rules are and, and, and how, the, how the game works, and then like walk away. But... but you can't do it with too many or it'll be obvious. But I, I, I think this is kind of useless. I don't think there's going to be that many people who are going to put in a lot of volume without putting their own card in at this point. So, the person put it at the end, Hi everybody, this post has gotten a lot of attention, so I want to add, there are some people commenting who actually work in the floor of casinos who disagree with some of the things I've written. So, even though I know these things work for me, you might want to read those comments before actually trying any of these tips. Yeah, you think? This is a... But the funny thing is all these people are also praising you. Oh, this is the best one I've seen. You put in so much effort. Thank you. Uh, you know, this is actually getting a number of good responses. So, but, but I can tell you, like a lot of, if you think about it, read this post, and, like on the surface, a lot of this seems like it's good advice if you don't think about it too hard. So. Yep. This is exactly why there's a supplements industry in the United States. <laughs> you know, people will just, Believe anything and take it. Yep. Okay, so moving along here. And the reason I read this and whole by the thing, way, by the way, you'd think you'd have them you'd think you'd say to go to get all the free plays that they give you to first sign up for a card. Right. This, Isn't uh, that the obvious one? Right. That's what I when I read that whole thing, I thanks for mentioning that because I, when I read this whole thing I was waiting for that one to be there. Like the first time you sign up yeah, they're going to give you the best comps, so you know, play play the first time, then move on to different casinos. And some casinos even have special sign-up bonuses, like you know, a hundred dollars free uh, loss rebate. Or the, nothing about that there. <laughs> so, 
basically being a gambling virgin coming to a place like Vegas, you actually can sign up if you want to put out the effort. You actually can sign up for a lot of different players clubs and either get some benefits on the spot or get some mailed to you later. Like there's a lot you can do as like never being in their system before. So that should have been the number one thing mentioned. Not not all this stuff about how to get free pens out of the bar. Uh, okay, so Doug Polk. It seems like we always have some Doug Polk story here. It's seriously serious. Should convince Doug Polk to pay me for promoting him so much on this show. I just thought of this today. Like, how come? Like every week, I talk about something Doug Polk's doing, much of which is like. That means his marketing strategy is working wonders, Yeah, like like, like he does things that that I know he's doing for attention, and then I buy into it, and because I think it's entertaining or interesting, and then I cover it here, and I go, crap, I'm like like advertising for Doug Polk on every show, and he's not giving me a dime. Anyway, I'm... I'm, I'm, What can we learn from this, Drew? Well, nothing. I'm falling into the trap again, knowingly. (laughs) Well, so... That, and also uh, adopt some of his strategies, man. (laughs) So... Um, this one actually wrote itself for him because Jonathan Little decided to uh, go at it with Doug Polk. And kind of indirectly bash him on Twitter when it was very clear what uh, what he was talking about. And uh, let me get to this here. So this was... Uh, a tweet from Barry Carter, and uh, he quoted a portion of a blog from Jonathan uh, that uh, where Jonathan Little was interviewed, and this is what Barry Carter wrote. He was praising Jonathan Little, saying, "This guy really understands the industry and marketing. This bit really hurt it, hit a nerve with me." So this is what Jonathan Little wrote that Barry Carter liked. It's definitely a slam at Doug Polk without naming him. The main takeaway for people considering getting into content creation, referring to poker content creation, is that you have to add value to people's lives. If you add value, people are going to like you and respect you. If you don't add value, then people are not going to like you, and if they happen to be in love with your personality, they will not respect you. I worry that poker content is going the direction where people are looking to promote themselves by trash-talking their peers as opposed to promoting the game in a positive manner. Some of the more vocal content creators are now actually making poker look like a negative and childish activity. Hmm. Who, who might be a, a poker content creator who, who's trash-talking their peers and, and, and not promoting the game in a positive manner? Hmm. Who could he be talking about here? Is, Is he a, talking about us? That's what I thought at first, actually. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, crap. Jonathan Little's been reading Poker Fraud Alert. Motherfucker! As he found my. He found the side finally. Okay, so then uh, it's quite depressing for to me to see this taking place. I realize that people who enjoy hearing gossip and reading tabloids are are nowhere near my target audience of people who want to spend their time working hard to enrich their lives. It is difficult for me to wrap my head around the idea that some people might want to be entertained by drama, much of which is overhyped or outright false. When all wait I want. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! What fucking country did he grow up in? <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, well, I like this. When, Soap operas, sitcoms, he, he thinks... Okay, anyway, go ahead. Right, so when all I want to do is is do good work and help people. <laughs> so, sure. This is such a load of crap here. See, okay, he, as you said, 
of course people want to see drama. That's of course that that does bring clicks and and brings people's interest. But even putting that aside, there's I can understand the point he's trying to make that if you give useful information, it, it's actually you're contributing more to people's lives or or to the the reader or the video watchers. Uh, you know, to what they gain from watching it. To, to actually give them something use, useful information rather than just uh, creating drama which they can laugh at but doesn't really help them. I I can sure. I, I can understand right. that point. But but when he goes on to say that all he wants to do is is, is do good work and help people, come yeah. on, he's he's trying to make money with with, with his own style of content and he's trying. So he's no, he's, basically, he's trying to do good for forty nine ninety five per month. Yes. So. So he right. The drama creators are adding value in a way that is very different from the way that poker educators add value. However, just because they're adding value differently doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. Uh, although it's important for their audience to understand that a common cheap marketing ploy is to pinpoint an enemy and throw all your hate at them in order to rally your fans behind you and make them feel like part of a team. Hmm. Who could he be talking about here? Who, who might be creating a lot of videos these days with, with, with an enemy that's also well-known in poker? Even better known than him, and, and 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 trying to make their followers laugh at that person and feel like they're part of it. Who, who might he be referring to here? I just I can't figure out who he might be talking about. It's uh, tough. It's tough. Hatred is a powerful tool that some people are more than happy to use to promote themselves. It is certainly concerning to me, though, because I'm actively working to promote poker in a positive light and help people improve their lives. There we go with the improving oh lives. Oh God. Um, I have, improving your life through poker, I mean, yes. I guess. I don't know. I have no desire to use hate and drama as a marketing tool. So, yeah, my main piece of advice is to provide value in in a meaningful and positive way that will lead to years of prosperity for you and your, and your followers. So – uh, so then Seriously Serious, who, of course, works with Doug Polk, so he's a bit biased, but he brought up a good point in response. He said – uh, gosh, Jonathan sure has a lot of negative things to say about his, comp- his competitors. I, I I thought he was above such cheap marketing ploys. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just that. I mean, you know, he he actually comes off as a tool to some extent, you know, because I mean, he's obviously not doing this to better people's lives. I mean, come on, man. Yeah. Just be realistic. And be that's, real. That's the problem. Is he, he couldn't just keep it simple and say I think everything's too negative these days I, I think that a lot of the promoters are getting away from you know, educating people about poker all they want to do is attack other players and what was this really getting us even if it's a few laughs you know th- think about it uh, why are we buying into this childishness like I, I I still think it's it's funny when these videos are created especially if it's about something true but uh, I, I don't think that's bad I mean we do that on the show all the time but Jeff, this is the nice guy bemoaning the fact that he never gets the girl Pretty much, and and uh, yeah. so so. But the problem is when you start saying, "Oh, this is," uh, I'm just trying to make the world a better place by this. I mean, that, that's when you sure. that's when you lose all credibility sure. at that point. When you, when you're changing from like I, I think poker content is is getting away from what it should be to, oh, why why can't everyone be making the world better through poker like I am? Then <laughs> has he cruised YouTube at all? Yeah, you know, I mean, look at look at the content creators that are. Super, super popular on YouTube. I mean, th- this is what people want, you know? Yeah. What the fuck? Well, you know, Jonathan Little... What the hell is that? Oh, I see. This is, He's a very selfish indivi- selfless individual. Right. He only wants to help. He only wants to make you a better player. 
Oh, Druff, I'm getting moist already. You know, I remember the days when poker content creators, <laughs> when they just wanted to help. They wanted to make me a better player, you a better player. They wanted us to all win. In fact, they wanted everybody to somehow win. Even though there's a rake and even though someone has to lose, their goal was to make everyone win. Or at least all the good people win. But the sad thing is we have these awful people like Doug Polk showing up. Yes, I'll say his name, Doug Polk. Who have come here and are attacking people like Daniel Negreanu, who want nothing but to see people helped by higher rake on poker stars, and attacking sites like America's Card Room, just because they have a few bots there that might collude with each other. People like Joey Ingram who call them out. Like, we need good people like Jonathan Little out there, who will never say a crossword about anyone in poker. Except for maybe competitors. Because all he wants is to make your life better. All he wants is to make you a better player. All he wants is for you to learn and better yourself. So don't fall prey to the drama and the gimmicks. Remember, negativity is never the answer. Unless it's in response to other negativity. But only if it's a competitor. So it's it's that's pretty ridiculous. I I'm surprised that Barry Carter even fell for that because it, it was such a transparent essay there. I mean, uh, it, so uh, Doug Polk actually shot a bar back at him when uh, so seriously serious wrote uh, about how Jonathan has such negative things to say about his competitors. I thought he was above that. Then mm. Doug Polk said back, uh, "I resent that, Thomas." I don't think anyone views Jonathan Little as a competitor. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Yep. So uh, I got to respect that. That that's a good one. So I mean, that's what's really going on here is that that, that Jonathan Little was was annoyed that uh, people like Doug Polk are getting attention to their site. Uh, and, and now, did did Jonathan respond to that, or did no, he turn the other cheek? No, he turned the other cheek, as far as I saw. Mm-hmm. But uh, so that, that would be like the New York Times complaining about the National Enquirer. Yeah, it's it's stupid. forgetting readers and advertising and eyeballs. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Look, if you if whatever you want to do to get people over to your site, uh, to, to your training site. Uh, as long as the only pro- if, if you're making up things, if you're completely manufacturing attacks on people to get views, I can understand here. But if if you're just if you're talking trash about something you you truly feel, you, someone you just truly don't like that you you want to criticize, and you can make it entertaining, and then people are going to come to your site to see what you're talking about. Fine, yeah, that's a, this has been going on on the internet forever. So uh, I, I've I don't been have saying any- for a long time that I think they've got a really good marketing strategy. The the stuff that they're doing, yeah, not not just promoting the. The site that shall not be named, because unlike you, I'm not weak. I'm not going to give in and give free promotion. Um, but not just promoting that site, but also he's, like I've said for a while, he's promoting himself as a, a media personality, and it's working out. I mean, yeah. I find him entertaining to watch. Yeah, but I mean, that's why we talked about it every week here. So uh, now, And then that's it. He's got you talking about it, even though you know what's being done. <laughs> now, now, you, know, you know you're being manipulated, but you can't. Help it. Well, I'd like to think that I'm helping Seriously Serious <laughs> indirectly. I see, you know, Seriously Serious, I like him, and I, I want to see him remain employed. And, you know, if, if, if Doug Polk uh, hits hard times, then, uh, you know, he may have to. However you have to rationalize he it. May have to, he may have to make some cuts at that point. So, mm-hmm. so along the same vein, uh, 
Seriously Serious uh, came on Poker for Alert today to note that the story by Jonathan Little is not even... I the got big... a terrible mental image the way you pronounce that. <laughs> like, you, your your timing was just off on there, Drew. Okay, I'm not even going to think about it. But right. he he showed up here and he pointed out that this is not even the biggest Doug Polk story of the week, in his opinion. And he mm-hmm. posted a video, which, of course, seriously, seriously, is just promoting himself here because this 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 is something he made. But uh, and yet, yet I'm going to play it. But <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, serious got blocked by Daniel Negreanu uh, recently, and and so now has Doug Polk, and so has uh, Joey Ingram. All three have been blocked by Negreanu, who's just tired of them. So uh, Doug Polk has made a statement about this. I'm afraid I got some bad news today, guys. You know, I I always knew this day would probably come. I just thought we had more time. All good things come to an end. And sometimes, it just all gets a little too real for some people. You might be thinking, Doug, sure, this is just you. But a lot of innocent people also got harmed in the line of fire here. It happened to Thomas. It happened to Joey. And if you guys don't play your cards right, it could happen to you too. That says blocked on the screen. I guess in this exact instance, less takes might have been better. I will remember you. So now they're playing uh, the montage of uh, Negroni. Now some of this is video you'd have to see you know, to, to get it, but some, you'll hear some audio here of... of uh, Various statements Negreanu has made. It's kind of a, a montage here. Will you remember me? Don't let your love he has the picture. He has the picture of him both of Negreanu parked into the handicap spot <laughs> at the Rio, which that was really a case where Negreanu made a. You know, he made it so much worse for himself. Instead of just telling the truth that there is some construction going on in the parking lot and someone told him to park there because there's yeah, a lot of extra spots. So something like that. Like he, he just he changed the story so many times. It's it's one of these things where the cover up was much worse than the crime. If he just was just open about what happened there, like no one would have cared. If you keep posting dumb shit on my YouTube, banned. Whereas if the rake is too high, it's actually better. It went from one penny to two pennies. It went from two to nuts. That was like 100% increase. But fuck the pros. Yeah. <laughs> she said it not many. So I, I'd never seen this video before. This is, I guess, his girlfriend or something. She, she says, yeah, fuck the pros. And he, he starts laughing. He's ah, she said it on me. <laughs> I don't know what context that was in, but... Uh, that sort of thing doesn't make him look good, unless it's really taken out of context. I can't say for sure, but uh, I, I'm guessing this was something with pros that were giving him a hard time over Poker Star stuff. But I, I let me say this: I, I felt bad for Negroni at first when this whole, whole Supernova Elite thing happened, and he tried to kind of get in the middle of it and help them, and they ended up doing it anyway, and. A lot of people got in this case. Oh, you said you'd resign if they didn't do this. And, you know, 
I said, look, he tried to help you. He didn't have to, but he tried to help. He has only so much say in these situations. And I, I think it was one of the cases of no good deed goes unpunished, that he, he tried to do something extra for the players and help them out in a dispute they had with the site he was representing. It didn't go their way, and then they blamed him. But then, since then, it's kind of been downhill. Like he, he wrote a horrible blog rationalizing the whole thing, which he shouldn't have written. And there's this whole thing about the more rake being better. And it just seemed like he's been bending over backwards to give poker stars uh, and their recent player unfriendly actions uh, excuses, and, and also been kind of bashing the pros to some degree here. So. I can understand not going along with the poker stars bashing when you're representing them and even trying to make them look positive. But yeah, when you've, you've got a standing in the poker community that you care about, which he does, uh, sometimes those two can be mutually exclusive. You've got to be careful and you've got to tell your, uh, the company you're representing, OK, you know, I, I, I have a reputation to protect also. You know, can I say this instead or can I just say nothing here or so, something like that? Because I, I've thought about what if I'm in that spot? What if I'm being paid like a million bucks a year to represent poker stars and they're doing kind of crappy things? Not like stealing from people, but, you know, just doing some very player-unfriendly things and uh, in some cases acting kind of unethically towards the pros. Like, would I quit? Probably not. But I thought, would I write blogs defending it? No. Like I, I, I would at some point say I can't do this. I, I, I would tell them one, no one's going to believe me, and, and two, uh, it, it's going to hurt my own reputation. You know, if, if it's up to you how you want to spin this or do this yourself, I won't, I won't join the bashing thing. But I can't, uh, I can't write something defending this. Nobody's going to believe me. It's just going to blow up in our faces. I, I'd say something like I, I would not do and say a lot of things he has done to defend poker stars, and that's. And then I think this kind of becomes a pissing contest at that point because then he has pros that are bashing him, like Doug Polk, and then he gets pissed and wants to bash them back, and and that leads to things like this where his girlfriend says, fuck the pros, and he laughs. And uh, yeah, that's not ingratiating himself to people. He didn't used to be like this. This was not uh, – he was once a very, very well-liked figure by, by the vast majority of pros. So uh, you know, definitely some of this is his fault, and I think he doesn't realize it. I think he's. I think he can only see that he's being attacked here, and doesn't really think about why. So, well, I felt the players initially were unreasonable in attacking him. I, I also feel that uh, he's made some mistakes in recent years here in backing a lot of uh, poker stars' actions to the point of absurdity. <laughs> uh, this is so. Then let me play the rest of this here. Name one single action I've actually taken that has done anything to like embarrass the poker community. He does make mischaracterizations and like blatant lies. So they're losing the rake money, which is going to be more, but they're they're not losing as much. I never said that in my life. So just remember next time that the hot 320 goes from 20 cents a break to 40. Remember people like me and don't make the same mistakes that I made. That's so. Do you see how they cut to him in blackface? Yes. <laughs> that was, <laughs> that, was Yeah, that's what he said. I've never done anything to embarrass poker, then they cut to him in blackface, right? The, uh, now, now, admittedly, man. he did this like more than 10 years ago. So, I mean, I was stupid. I, I, he was still well-known at that point. So, 
like how could he not have realized that you don't do anything in blackface now unless you want everyone to be really pissed off that that's considered like really offensive so i i don't even know what he was trying to do there i i I don't even believe Negroni was ever racist. I just think he he was just kind of ignorant to do that. <laughs> so, no, that was clueless, not racist. Yes, right. That's what I thought when I saw it. I, I never thought of racism there. I just thought, but I thought, how could he have thought this was okay? How could he thought this was not going to backfire? I remember seeing it. I just cringed. I'm like, yeah. oh, man. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> so, anyway, uh, he, yeah, he's definitely had a big target on his back from Doug Polk, that's for sure. That Polk's been really uh, bashing him pretty hard and... Uh, uh, and that's what's made this whole thing snowball. And now Polk and uh, Joey Ingram, who were, they were already friends. I mean, like I, I, I saw them at the World Series uh, last year, like hanging out all the time. So those, those, those two aren't just like happening to agree with one another. They, they're, they're close friends. Yeah, they've known each other for a long time. Yeah. So, but, uh, but now this is the first time. Like Joey Ingram, like pretty much starting this year in 2018, as, as. Before this, he was kind of laying off Negreanu. There now, he's just like gone full throttle against him too. So that's why all three of them got blocked. Seriously, serious Doug Polk and, and Joey Ingram. But the the thing is that both Joey Ingram and Doug Polk have big followings, and not always the same people. So that's like a lot of people who are seeing a lot of Negreanu bashing here, and and that's kind of what Negreanu was risking when he was. Bending over backward to defend a lot of poker stars' actions, and uh, again, I, I see where he, I, I see why he had to do it to some degree. And also, if you think of the grand scheme of things, of poker pros who have done unethical things, uh, far, far, far worse can be said about most poker pros that have any kind of. Uh, Reputation for doing anything wrong, like there's, like like look at Phil Helmuth for example. Even putting aside his bad behavior at the table, Helmuth, his whole handling of UB was horrible and far worse than anything Negroni has done. Yet, yet uh, Polk is not bashing him. So, I mean, I, I had this discussion with Seriously Serious on on the site and. Seriously, seriously, oh, you know, Negron is such a phony. He's so bad for poker. He's just, uh, you know, he, he's, he's always on his high horse and he's always, uh, you know, he's become such a shill and he, he doesn't want to admit it. And, you know, I, a lot of the points Seriously, Serious raised were true, but it, it still doesn't make him nearly as bad as, as a lot yeah, of other I poker pros who, who, don't, who don't get any kind of, you know, don't get that much hate from, from people like Doug Polk. So definitely they don't like each other. Doug Polk has a history with Negron going back years. That started a long time before this more rake better thing, and uh, so it was just a case of he wanted someone. You know, he had a big following at this point, Doug Polk. I, I don't even think he's necessarily doing this for views. As as seriously sure has said accurately, this has cost Doug Polk some opportunities. That he's a the ground who has a lot of friends that are you know influential in poker, and and now they all pretty much hate Doug Polk also. So it is true as far as like having a, a career. Uh, being connected with you know, w- with those who are influential in poker, he, he's kind of alienated a lot of people by doing this. So, so whatever good he's gaining from getting laughs from his followers, uh, he, he's also hurting himself a lot too. So, I, I more think this is just he thinks, okay, I have a big following now. I want to bash someone that I've always disliked. I, I think that's uh, what it's more about, rather than trying to do this. Well, he's he's tired of the bullshit. He. Feels that uh, you know there's some hypocrisy going on, and he's got a platform. 
Yeah, you know? it, right. And it's the and the hypocrisy is, is is coming from someone that he's not liked for many years. That's that's the big point here. Is if it, I think if somebody else was representing poker stars that Polk did not have a problem with before, he wouldn't be doing this, or not to this extent. It's, a, it's that he already had issues with Negreanu way before this all started, and that's a, and so now that doesn't mean he's not saying true things or making valid points. You you can you can bash someone you dislike with the truth, and that's fine. And and I've done this before myself. I I have had more motivation to bash people I personally dislike on this show and on this on, on my forum uh, than I have people that that I like or feel neutral toward. But I but I make sure I'm still telling the truth when I'm doing it. And that's uh, just, so. Just remember, Druff, the opposite of love isn't hate; it's indifference. Yes. <laughs> so. <laughs> so yeah, it's just it's understand. You need to understand where this is all coming from, and I I think that this is probably coming from a long time dislike of Negranu, and then he uh, he legitimately sees things that he disagrees with anyway. He's like, okay, perfect, and the, perfect. I can I can present this to the public in a, in a way they can all understand and relate to, and uh, you know now everybody can dislike Negranu as much as I do. I think that's kind of what he's doing there. So yeah, that's. And he is doing it in his own peril to some degree, with uh, as far as his connections in poker and uh, uh, you know someone who's very influential in poker. If you want to get invites to televised events and other stuff, you're going to get a lot less of that if if you make people who are influential hate you. And that's what he's done. So, hey, Drift, while we're on the topic, kind of of uh, social media, who who is that? Um... YouTuber that you had on that uh, felt that she was she had been demonetized. Oh, okay. Who was that? Okay, so we're going to talk about Ashley Kate or Kate the, something. Yeah, yeah, that was Anna Kate. Yes, and, and Anna uh, Kate. Yeah, I definitely thought of her when the YouTube uh, shooting occurred this week. Right. Yes, <laughs> I, I even posted that. That was the first thing I posted on Poker Fraud Alert. Was uh, you know I wonder if Anna Kate has an alibi. <laughs> so or anyone who'd been demonetized. Right. Right. Well, okay. So so let's. Uh, <laughs> Let's move into this now, since uh, since you brought it up. I'm not sure what's next on the agenda, but I'll, we'll move into this. Oh, I didn't even know that was on the agenda. Oh, yeah, I it skimmed is. it, but I didn't see it. It is, yeah, it's on the agenda. So, uh, But since you bring it up, let's talk about this YouTube thing. I and want to hear you pronounce her name. I don't even have the name in front of me. <laughs> but oh, my God. An, an Arab woman. I think it's a woman. I, I've been trying to figure out, is this a genetic like, is this a natural woman or is it a tranny? I, I see, like... Wow. I keep No, I keep going back and forth whether I think it's a tranny. Like, And I posted it on a Poker Frawler. Not, not all, you know, kind of unattractive, androgynous women are trannies, man. No, 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 but I'll, I'll tell you. I, okay. okay. <laughs> I, I, I've since come to believe it probably is a natural woman, but I, I have reasons for believing this. Or I had reasons for believing this, okay? First of all, uh, the face is kind of manly looking. Uh, number two... The body is like not very curvy. Uh, it kind of looks like a tall, thin guy's body that kind of like went through a transition. And and but but the thing that jumped out at me the most was the style of dress. So this person's thirty nine, and there's a lot of different videos I've seen of her that were deleted from YouTube but then reposted since this all happened. Uh, and and she's like in these these like tight clothes that that uh, you know try to. Pretty much, you look at her, and the clothes are. What she's trying to say with the clothes she's wearing, these tight clothes, they're supposed to be sexy. Is like, look how sexy I am. Like, transsexuals do this all the time. Transsexuals try to wear like the eye-catching, uh, tight, like what they picture a sexy girl is going to wear. 
where and, and including older ones whereas a lot of uh most 39 year old women by this point they're past that they're, they they don't need to wear clothes like that constantly i don't mean like if they go out to a club or something i mean like she's constantly or on videos like they they don't feel a need to dress that way. They don't need to hit you over the head with, look, I'm a sexy woman, because they, they've, they've been female their whole lives, so they don't have to uh, overcompensate. So I've seen. Holy shit, Druff, I'm doing a little off the cuff research here, and it looks like you might actually be fucking right. Well, so, so okay, well, I'll tell you why I thought. <laughs> so I told. Okay, I'll give you the reasons why I thought this. The reason that I thought I yeah. might be wrong was that someone on the forum who's pretty reliable said, and he didn't post any proof of this, but he said that he had seen some old pictures of her as, as a girl, as a little mm. girl, and it was, you know, it looked like just any normal little girl. And that, uh, and then someone else said that she's become like a, uh, she had become a vegan bodybuilder, so that it was actually, the theory was that she actually became less feminine looking from doing that, that she, you know, by becoming the vegan bodybuilder, her curves kind of disappeared. And uh, sure. So, so I, I can believe that. So I started to think, okay, I'm probably wrong, but I, I actually posted on the site that I'm afraid to say whether this is a tranny or not a tranny, because whatever, whatever I say is probably going to end up being the wrong guess because I'm like right in the middle there. And I really was, I, I was right in the middle with believing whether it's a tranny or not a tranny, but the, the reason that was most interesting to me is just because females are very, very infrequently, Spree killers. It's very uncommon when females commit murder. Usually, it's what against... about what about vegan females? I don't know about them, but uh, when <laughs> females commit murder, that usually it's against someone like they that directly wronged them, or they believe directly wronged them. Like, uh, or sometimes an opportunistic murder, like you know, for money or something like that. Or, or sometimes they'll do it like along with a, a male partner that's that's pushed them into doing it. But but when a, a female doesn't just usually show up somewhere and shoot people, even if it's a place she doesn't like. Like it's very, it'd be very uncommon for a, a woman to just feel like some company wronged her and, sh- and show up and shoot up the place. That's totally like a, a guy thing to do. So, uh, I don't remember the last time a woman did something like this. Even you know, I've seen some, you know, plenty of cases where, where females are accused of murder, but it's 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 never something like this. It's always that they they, they believe they had a reason to go after that particular person. So, I mean, I'm finding some sites that's talking about her being trans, but they're all like 4chan and, you know, stuff that I wouldn't yeah, necessarily say are credible. That's why that's why I think it's actually going to be wrong. But I can understand why they think that because I was, I was kind of thinking that too. I was thinking like it, it, it kind of looked like a, a, a thin, a tall, thin male who decided to transition. That, that's kind of what it looked like. And then was wearing all those like tight, want to be sexy clothes to kind of show off. Oh, look, I'm a sexy girl now. Look at me. Like that's, that's, uh, uh, it's, it's just kind of like, like picture this. Okay. If you just woke up one day and, and you're suddenly female and someone told you, okay, now you've got to go out and look sexy. Like you, 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 you'd probably end up dressing like this, like, you know, provided you, you, you had a female body, like you wake up with your own current body. But I'm saying like if, if a guy who has little idea of how like a sexy girl dresses, you know, other than what he's just seen around might choose to dress like that. If, if, if asked to, if they were a girl themselves for a day and, to, and told to dress like that's, that's what I've seen with transsexuals when they're trying to, well, you know what they would tell you though? What is that? If she's transsexual, she was born female and she still is female. 
Yeah, see, that's that's the part you know I don't I mean? believe. I, I can believe people feel female and, and that they have certain traits of females. I don't know, be- man. I, everything I'm finding, though, Druff, I think she's just kind of a manly-looking woman. That's what I think now, too. But yeah. but like but like if it was a transsexual, I wouldn't say, well, it's you know it's still a female because she had the female brain. No, she, a lot of... Oh, you know who she reminds me of? Do you ever see the Rocky Horror Picture Show? Yeah. Yeah, the lead, right? No. <laughs> I think you're right at Tim Curry. A little bit? You know yeah, what I mean? Right, Tim, right. Yeah, Tim yeah, Curry you're right. as yes. uh, Frankenfooter or whatever. That he actually was. He actually did dress up as a woman in parts of it. He so. totally, totally looks like that. Yeah, you're right. Really looks like her. So, but yeah, I like, there's, you're still, you're still, we're born a male. You still have a male brain. I mean, even there's parts of your brain that, that more resemble female. Like there's, there's still a lot of male parts to it. You still have a lot of male traits you don't realize. Even if you're, you're, you've transitioned all, there's still parts of You're still not the same as a woman who was born a woman. I'm not just talking about not having a vagina. You're, you're still, there's still a lot of you that's, that's male that you don't even realize. There's still a lot of traits you're going to have that are male that you don't realize. And, and so that's why I think whatever it is about males that make them, you know, the, the, the deviant ones, do things like this that for whatever reason females just don't seem to do it uh i i would have if, if if this was a transsexual i'd say oh it makes sense okay it really was kind of a guy you know like uh, so uh, but but here it, it i i do think it probably is just a, a kind of a strange looking female a strange looking and very strange acting female but that, that wasn't what i really wanted to talk about here uh what i want to talk about is the demonetization thing and obviously even if she was treated unfairly by YouTube, uh, clearly it doesn't ever justify anything like this. But uh, and it, just, it looks like she just kind of shot random people. It wasn't even like she went after – though I think it said at first that she knew some people there. I, I don't know. But, but then I read that she drove all the way from San Diego to do it. So how could she really know anyone? Her, so, everything I'm reading is just that she you know, she was uh, – she's Iranian-born and she had a following there on Instagram and, and YouTube – and, you know, now she lives in the U.S. And after that whole change that YouTube made, she was pissed off that her videos were being demonetized. Yes, that's what I read. She'd too. been like ranting against it. And the, the gun apparently was hers and registered to hers. And interesting side trivia in May 2015, she released a video titled Boob Balloon Girl, <laughs> which, which, which mocks women. Who have breast implants and people who eat animal products? Oh. <laughs> That's an interesting yeah, juxtaposition. I, I, I don't understand how that one has to do with the other, but okay, nothing. nothing. <laughs> but anyway, she. Uh, so, so the thing is, though, it got me thinking about YouTube and how they really resemble poker stars in some ways, and the way they've treated their content creators the same way poker stars treated the pros playing on the site. Now, there's two schools of thought you can have. You can think, okay, YouTube or Poker Stars does not owe their customers anything as far as making a living through their site. Their only obligation is to themselves to make money and that they don't have to operate in a fashion to where others can use them to make a living. And if they need to make changes for their own good to uh, – that, that adversely affects those that were making a living through their site that they didn't ask for, that just kind of came there, uh, then those people have no right to complain. That, that's one school of thought. The other school of thought is that when they have <clears throat> promoted themselves to those who helped build them up and build their popularity 
and uh, uh, you know when when people have uh, people are making a living there because it was pretty much advertised to them that they could and should, and people put a lot of time, effort, in some cases, money into doing so, and 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 establish a channel on there, or in PokerStars case, you know they established a high level uh, ranking there that takes uh, many hours and, and a lot of money and rake to pay to make. Uh, when people do that with the belief that this is something that's going to be around long term, even if not explicitly stated, and then the rug is just yanked from them, nope, tough luck, we don't want you anymore, we don't need you anymore. Uh, even if it's not illegal, it's 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 kind of unethical, it, that, that some people think. So I was thinking about YouTube and the content creators and I started thinking more about it, and I said, you know what, they, they really do have a gripe, because YouTube really d- has reached out to these people over the years and tried to make them feel like, especially the bigger ones, but but even some of the smaller ones, they, 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 YouTube tried for many years to make them feel like they're welcome. YouTube tried to make them feel like uh, the only limit to their success is how much they can promote themselves and how good their content can be. And that uh, that's all they had to worry about. You know, keep people subscribed to your channel, keep people coming back to watch your channel, keep creating good content, stay within the rules, and, and, and you're going to make more and more money. And, and that's that's the message they put out to the content creators. That A lot of them were contacted by YouTube uh, employees and, uh, you know, some of the bigger ones. And uh, they even had conferences they'd invite them to they really made them feel like they were part of the site, even though they were not direct employees. And YouTube did benefit and does benefit from these content creators. Let me give you an example. It's a very simple example um, and how the demonetization is kind of unfair. So a content creator uses YouTube and puts a lot of effort into making good videos that people are going to watch, puts a lot of effort into marketing themselves, getting themselves known, getting followers, getting subscribers, and, and eventually, they have a channel that has a ton of viewers, ton of subscribers, and um, it's doing very well, making money. And then and they uh, win that they win that funny little award that that Polk won. Right? Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that stupid award. <laughs> and then and then the, and then just one day, for no reason, YouTube demonetizes most of their videos, meaning that they can't run ads on them anymore, and they can't, uh, you know, YouTube YouTube won't automatically run ads on them, meaning you don't get money from them anymore. So. What's what sucks for the creator is not just losing money, but YouTube, the, the average viewer doesn't say, oh, man, no ads on this video anymore. I can't watch this. No, the, the average YouTube viewer either doesn't notice or is happy not to have ads there anymore. Well, there are two gripes, right? One is the demonetization, obviously, but also um, some videos were depromoted, right? Yeah, depromoted or ban- or just deleted. That, yeah, so, right. So, yeah. so, yeah, so the, 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 the problem is YouTube is still gaining from this because there are people – watching these videos on YouTube that wouldn't have otherwise been on YouTube. Like, everyone knows YouTube's there. But, like, I, I have some people I watch on YouTube that... Uh, I, I watch more YouTube now in the last two years than I had in the several years before that. So, and that's thanks to a few creators on YouTube who I like and have been watching. So when I'm there, sometimes I'll see you know, other videos that I go click on. And so so it, it brings me to watch other videos. I'm not just watching the videos that I'm there for. I end up sometimes watching, clicking on other videos because I'm already there to watch the first video. So, next thing you know, it's 4 a.m. Yes. So, 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 <laughs> so this is kind of crappy to where someone 
is enticed to put all the time, effort, and money into building up a very popular channel, and then one day just the monetary rug is yanked from under them, where they wouldn't have done this if they uh, if they had known this was going to happen, and yet their content is still there, and yet people are still watching it, and yet people are still clicking on YouTube's other videos, which do have ads on them, and so so YouTube is still making money off these people, even without ads running directly on their channel. And I, so I think that's very misleading. And I th- and so, but at the same time, you have to say, okay, well, YouTube should not be forced to have ads on every video because going back to what happened to Yahoo in the 2000s... Well, do, you, do you know why they're doing this, though? Well, yeah, I do. It's because of what happened. It's similar to what happened to Yahoo in the 2000s. Yahoo had a okay. chat in the 2000s, which is now gone, a, ch- a popular chat system that ran ads for major companies, Sprint, Pepsi, things like that. Well, Yahoo had user-created rooms where users could just create every room, and, and Yahoo made the mistake of running those ads also on the user-created rooms. So there would be rooms because like... Because those are impressions that they can charge the advertiser for. Right. So the, so yeah. so people would click on the room like... Uh, and literally, there were rooms like this. Uh, uh, older men for preteen girls 8 to 12. Spend a lot of time in there? No, but I saw them. So you, cl- <laughs> you so you you click on this, and then it would say you know, "loading room sponsored by Pepsi." So like, oh, so, so, so so like Pepsi and Sprint got wind of this and were furious, obviously. So you so think? they so they so they <laughs> lodged a major complaint to Yahoo. What the fuck's going on here? And Yahoo immediately just yanked all user rooms and never put can them you, back. Can they, you imagine? Tr- <laughs> If there's like a, one of those pedophilia rooms and and Nike was a sponsor and they got like just do it <laughs> with the swoosh, I mean that's just fucking absurd. So it's so absurd. Now Yahoo, I, I I never understood how Yahoo let those rooms exist. It's like for years and years these rooms existed. There's no way they didn't know they existed. They just didn't seem to care. Uh, but uh, but this bit them in the ass and they abruptly yanked all the user rooms to where there were no user rooms after that. But it was too late. Uh, Pretty much every company that was advertising with them had canceled the ads on Yahoo Chat, and Yahoo Chat uh, died some years later. So, similar on YouTube, what they found was they were getting advertisers complaining that their ads were running on very controversial or disgusting or uh, uh, very off-putting videos. So... That's understandable. Yeah, and this is all advertiser-driven, right? I mean, the reason they're doing this is they want to keep the advertisers happy and advertising on there. And a lot of these advertisers, there's been public outcry over their ads appearing on all sorts of controversial shit that they don't want it on. Right, right. So, so they, you know, so for example, just to take a random example, maybe an advertiser does not want to appear on some uh, 9-11 conspiracy video that, uh, right. you know, the Jews really did 9-11. Or th- they don't want their product advertised in that video. That's understandable, and YouTube should have the right to say to those content creators who are making videos like that, that, uh, all right, you can create these videos, but we're not going to run ads on them because we, we don't want to piss off our sponsors, and that's, that's but, the most but important. But KitKat should be running... Ads on all the uh, anti-Jew videos, yeah, right? apparently. Right? <laughs> so, so uh, there has to be a middle ground where YouTube, uh, where they number one, they, they create like a few different tiers of advertisers of, of, of you know ones that want to opt out of the controversial stuff, the ones that don't, maybe ones that want to be on the controversial ones only. You know, they could they could have ones that are very happy to be on those videos, uh, and and then the other thing is uh, that they need a very 
clear and strict set of rules that content creators understand and know and either follow or won't follow as far as being monetized. And that's what's been sorely missing. And that's what many creators have been complaining about is that you have no idea. Just one day your, your video becomes demonetized. You have no idea why. Just, just one day people wake up and, and they have 700 videos on their channel and, and 600 become demonetized. And they, can't, and, and they look at them and some of them are super harmless and they can't figure it out. And, and they, they ask YouTube and YouTube gives a very generic answer. Oh, you, you violated our terms. So they, they, they can't get an answer. What did we do wrong? What could we have done differently to have remained monetized on these videos? And they can't get a, a straight answer. And this has been very frustrating and I don't know why YouTube cannot just post a very strict set of rules about this is the type of content where we will run ads. This is the type of content where we will run, where we may run limited ads to advertisers that want to have uh, these type of uh, videos uh, connected to them. And then uh, here's ones we'll run with all ads on. So, so then the it's content- hard though, man, because they have so many videos up there. And you can't have an algorithm making a qualitative decision about whether something is controversial or not. And and also controversial is very much in the eye of the beholder, right? Like if I'm if I'm an atheist and there's some guy with a, a video on atheism, that is perfectly normal to me, but someone who's a devout Christian might find it blasphemous and well, that, that's what I'm offensive. Saying. They, they, and yeah, I mean, it's really fucking hard. Well, the thing is that the, the bot has – it's programmed by humans to, to look for certain keywords or certain things like that. That It's not just right. – it, it doesn't have a mind of its own. So some humans creating that, the same human can create general rules. Like, say so you bring up the atheist thing. They, they could say, okay, uh, religious videos may be partially demonetized where, where some sponsors may not want to be part of it. You know, we – they can have a it's big list tough, of things. It can be it's, it's tough. tough, but and they should have an appeals process too. Something like this, where I know it'll be. Some, they have to spend some money. They have to hire some staff to deal with it. But the way it's currently working uh, is very, very flawed, and it's getting a lot of people angry. And it's it's and not only that, there's there's allegations of, of bias of, of uh, that they're much tougher on on conservative leaning videos as far as being demonetized than apolitical well, this, or left leaning videos. This chick was the opposite of conservative. No, I know that. So that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's not just it's not just conservatives being demonetized. There there's there's plenty of other videos getting demonetized, but uh, there's been allegations that the bar for being demonetized for conservatives is, is much lower than it is for right. those who are apolitical or, or to the left. That there well, are here, pe- here's, the, here's the thing though, Druff. Like I understand what you're saying, and their their bot is definitely flawed. And yes, it is programmed by humans, so there there could be a uh, while the bot itself isn't biased, there could be a bias in the the programming or whatever. But the as advanced as computers are in in a lot of areas, one of the things they're terrible at is context. And context is really what you need to be able to evaluate these videos in terms of you know are they offensive or not. And there is so much content, like I don't have any idea how they can actually do it. Um, now on the other side of the, the fence though, I mean, one thing that content creators can do, like, let's say I am someone who's got a big following and, but I talk about controversial stuff, right? What you can do is you can go out and get a sponsor. Like there's nothing stopping you. Like the only getting revenue from YouTube, the only way to do it is not necessarily going through YouTube's ads. There are a lot of very successful, um, YouTubers that either they use Patreon so their supporters can directly donate to them, or they go out and find a targeted sponsor. 
like in your case, if it's a, a conservative voice, they would hire some a company that shares similar values. If it's a, a liberal uh, voice that talks about controversial stuff, they'll uh, you know get some sponsors that have that kind of slant to them, you know. So it's not the only option to them that they run YouTube's on, on there to get revenue. And in fact, targeted ads in terms of uh, instead of just like random ads being thrown on there, um, but we, we you actually find someone in your niche to advertise can end up being much better for everyone involved. You know? yeah, but it's a lot tougher. It's a lot tougher, and, and there's lot, much less money in it. It's, it's much Life easier. is hard. It, well, no, I know, but but the thing <laughs> is, there there has to be some sort of middle ground where, where there's. Uh, some way to appeal where there's some better idea for the rules. They're very, very murky about the rules about what, uh, what, why you'll get demonetized, why, why you'll, your videos will be deleted, why, what, what will put you featured and not featured. They're, they're very secretive about a lot of these. And, and as far as the rule, if they, if they don't want people gaming the uh, being featured algorithm, that's fine. But for them to hide what the rules are as far as getting monetized or demonetized, that, that should be uh, as much as they can. That should be open and transparent, so people know if they're going to create something. Create they're going to create something controversial that will demonetize them. Then they knowingly do so, and if they get demonetized, they say, "Okay, I knew what I was signing up for when I made a video like this." But but it, I can understand how frustrating it is when you've you've worked so hard to get it like a million subscribers, and you think you've got it made, and a lot of money's rolling in, and you a lot of these people actually hire real employees. That's that's the other thing that's being overlooked here. It's not just some guy in. I mean, to some some people do it very cheaply. They just sit in their uh, in their room and 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 say you know things on on video that people find funny or entertaining and uh, don't put much right. production value into it. And somehow it still gets a lot of views. There's others who really up the game here and have actually hired employees to to edit them and make uh, you know like seriously serious types they hire to to help them out. And, right. and 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 often they get, you know, they hire others to uh, you know, book guests. Or they're, they're, so there's some some of these YouTube personalities. They have a much bigger operation than it appears. They, some of them employ you know, 15 people, 20 people, 50 people, and sure. and the, and the, the money that's coming in is justifying it. But then just one day you wake up. Uh, 90% of your videos are demonetized. You go, what the hell? Like that's a, yeah. that's a huge kick in the ass and YouTube all this time has made you believe that that you're staying within the rules, you're you that, that you're part of their team, that they're uh you you two have a symbiotic relationship and then just one day bang it's gone and then you try to complain and say, "Hey, what's going on here?" and you, and you don't get a you get a generic response. And it's imagine how maddening that would be. I I think about it. I think if I woke up and saw that and then said, "What the hell? Well, I'll get YouTube to fix this." and I write to them uh, dear sir, uh, we have demonetized your video because you have violated uh, such and such term of service. Uh, thank you. Like you know, I, and if I write back, what are you talking about? Dear sir, uh, we explained in the last email that we can demonetize any video at any time at our discretion. Like, you know, I would be tearing up my hair. I I go what the I I'd feel yeah. like I got ripped off. And that's and that's there's got to be some solution to this. Uh, and, and especially because they YouTube got to where it is. YouTube became what it is largely because of all these content creators who were encouraged by YouTube to create. And, sure. and now yeah. things are changing too quickly. Now, at the same time, again, I, I think YouTube has every right to keep ads off of controversial 
videos that uh, will piss well, off. I the think you, YouTube would run ads on absolutely everything. Oh, they would. Give a fuck. They would. They, they would. <laughs> that, that would be they totally. Would. They would love to. And, they, and I know this. I know they're doing this to keep sponsors there. Uh, and, and I know they think that just overcorrecting the problem is, is, is their, in their best interest. So if I think if anything good can come out of this total whack job of a woman who uh, drove from San Diego to San Bruno, which is near San Francisco, to shoot up YouTube because they demonetize her videos, if anything good can come from this is that maybe it will create a conversation or even a conversation within YouTube that maybe their, their approach with just demonetizing tons of people at once over the summer of 2017 and then continuing to do so even more strictly since then might not have been the best approach because they up till now that the, the attitude has been, well, fuck you. This is what we've done. Deal with it. And I think that was a mistake. And I, I don't think that was the right or ethical thing to do. And I just, I put myself in the shoes of these content creators and what they were led to believe was going to happen and what it's not like they were warned, hey, you know, you can do this, but at your own risk. One day we may just remove it all from you. One day we may just take it all away abruptly. It'll just all disappear one day. You won't make any more money from you know, from our ads. And uh, just letting you know this may happen at some point for no reason. So do it at your own risk. They didn't say that. They they made these people feel like they were they were part of they were a big part of YouTube. And now and that's that's where I felt some sympathy for the grinders on poker stars of the supernova elite thing is they were kind of also made to feel that way. Uh, however, uh, in that case, I felt stars had a right to change what they wanted, but that at the very least, anything that had already been earned should have stayed for its full duration. So if supernova elite was like a two year program, let the full two years run. And then at that point, whatever change they want to make, uh, people can stay or go. And, and the difference yeah. there. I'm I'm of two minds on the whole content creators thing, Druff. So, I mean, I know on the one hand, it's a, a hell of a lot of work to create this stuff and to do a good job and to appeal to a lot of people. Um, but on the other hand, there are also, like, I've known a, a number of people that are YouTubers that they're just, I mean, they just got fucking lucky, like a lot of things in life. And they have opportunities that they never would have had, like just would not have had um, if this platform wasn't around. Oh, yeah. You know? I mean, that's, 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 that's very true. That's, uh, and, but, but still, I, I don't think that takes away from the other points here. It's true that YouTube yeah. has benefited a lot of these people, and especially the ones that, you know, the ones that have managed to find a lot of success there without even having to put out a lot of effort, where they just get on and start talking. And people like what they have to say, and then they just keep making the same type of videos for years and get lots of views. And uh, they they never hire a whole production team or do a whole lot. They're just still shooting in their in their bedroom and uh, somehow. Yeah, and there are other people that have been producing videos for years and years and years, and they may be very good, but just for whatever reason, it it hasn't taken off, and they don't make shit. <laughs> yeah, I've I've seen that. I've run into videos on YouTube. I look at them and go, oh, this this is really good, and I like expect to see that it has like two million views, and I see it's got like. You know, it was posted three years ago and has nine thousand. Like, well, that's- like a, like a lot of things in life, there's there's talent, hard work, and there's also luck. I mean, honestly, there there are lots of equally skilled people that are making videos on various topics, um, and the the one that has two million subscribers is not necessarily that much better than the some of the ones that just have a few thousand. You know? Yeah, and I mean, a lot there, of times it, it's, it is it is a thing. A lot of times it's also. Uh, more views, actually, it's kind of an 
it's almost like an exponential increase because because you get recommended 100%. a lot more by, yeah, by, by the algorithm. But if, when, if, when, once you get on that kind of fast track, um, it absolutely is exponential in the way that it. But <laughs> this is amazing. So you know you're familiar with the Onion, right? Yeah. So they wrote an article on this, and it's got a picture of of her, and it says. Authorities fear YouTube shooter might inspire wave of copycat content creators because, <laughs> because of how much like copycat content creators is a thing on YouTube. Like it's only it's very rampant. Like uh, you know there'll be a, a meme and then everyone will copy it and do something with it. Yeah. Can you imagine if that actually did happen in this case, where all these <laughs> like drone content creators are like, "All right, fuck it, let's load up our our nine mil and head down there." God. <laughs> all right. So, but, yeah, so that's that's all I wanted to say about this. But I, I just I, – I feel something has to be done. And I think that YouTube, because it's pretty much a monopoly, they've they, they've been very callous about the situation with the demonetization. And they uh, they just figure, okay, we're unhappy. What are you going to do? What's going to happen? But this, this woman is an enigma, though. I mean, she's a vegan. She's a, a, a – according – to to what she has written herself, she's a a leftist, uh-huh. and I mean she's just not who you would and and just the fact that she's female, not who you would typically expect to see shooting up a, a building. You know? No, but let me let me uh-huh. tell you about the, the the vegans I've seen. It's, it's there's we're gonna lose more subscribers. We, we might. Let me mad them. Okay, well, <laughs> listen here. I, Okay, so I'm I'm friends with a, with a vegan uh, poker player, and she's very nice and she's very reasonable. She's actually, you know, she's left wing in her politics, but she's actually very reasonable. She doesn't like, even like SJW. She's, uh, you know, right. she she's not the type I'm talking about here. Uh, but uh, there's there's others that I've actually seen through her, like on her Facebook page, and just total whack jobs. Who uh, being vegan is just kind of a uh, Virtue it, signaling. It, it, it's it's something they they gravitated towards because of their other their outlying mental issues that they right. they had big. Oh, wait, whoa, whoa, hold, hold on. Are you calling vegans mentally ill? No, I'm saying that a lot of them. Are, I'm not saying you you have to be mentally ill to be vegan. I'm saying that there there in that community there seem to be a lot of people who are mentally ill that are drawn to it. That's that's what I'm saying. And so. So for whatever thank, reason, thank God there aren't going to be many vegan listeners. No, there aren't. But, no, no, but I'm saying there, there's some very reasonable vegans, but then there's other ones. There, there seems to be in that community. That community seems to attract a lot of people. Just like poker seems to attract a lot of scammers, mm. uh, but that doesn't mean everybody who plays poker is a scammer. Uh, it, it, similar, like in the vegan world, it seems to attract a lot of people who are kind of off. There's people who are uh, who do have major psychological issues and uh i've seen some really weird offshoots from the vegan community one of them i saw was the anti-natalist community which is uh people who feel that no one should get pregnant no one should have babies right and uh it's a tragedy every time a baby's born and that uh they should that they root for abortions and miscarriages that when a miscarriage happens, they're happy. And the in fact, they they're really obnoxious on Facebook. That when someone posts like a, a tragic message about how they, uh, you know, I'm sorry, you know, uh, the pregnancy I announced last month, unfortunately, it's ended in miscarriage. Then they'll they'll post something, you know, the, the, how good it is, and 
how, how thrilled they are to get this news. Like they'll post obnoxious things like that. And these are people who otherwise like are, are normal in real life. Like you'd meet them in everyday life and have no, no clue they're like this online. And they're not even doing this to troll. Like they, they really believe this. They get the, there's some people who, who believe this. And then you ask them, okay, well, why do you feel this way? You know, if, if you feel this way, the population will cease to exist in a hundred years. We'll all be, there'll be no more humans. Well, say, well, that's what we, we should do. The humans are evil. Humans are, are, uh, terrible for this earth. Uh, they should all be gone. So then you say, okay, if people should not live, then why don't you kill yourself? <laughs> so that's the toughest question for them. If it's so terrible for humans to exist, if it's so terrible when a baby is born, if every human is harming this earth, then if you believe it so much, shouldn't you kill yourself uh, and, and help the problem? So they, none of them ever kill themselves. They, they always say, well, once we're already here, that's a different story. We're, just, we're trying to prevent mm. more babies being created. But once we're already here, uh, you know, now we might as well stay. So they, 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 you know, they're trying to come up with an excuse of why, they should, why they're not hypocrites to not kill themselves. So uh, – but, but there is that like, – they really believe it. These are not trolls. These are people who really somehow believe it. So there's, a, there's that weird community. Uh, I've seen a lot of other – Offshoots from well, Nassim the is addressing you from the grave, Druff. In really? one of her videos, it says the rail thin and raven haired Nassim says in Farsi that she has no specific physical or mental illness, huh. but that she lives in a planet that is filled with illness and disorder and perversion and injustice. Well, I, th- I think she proved otherwise recently. That, uh, <laughs> I think you might be right. <laughs> I think she proved otherwise that uh, she does have some yeah, mental illness. But, not, maybe not the most stable person. But uh, so that part, the vegan part didn't surprise me that much. I mean, yes, it's not typical free killers vegan, but that part, I wasn't like, oh, a vegan would never do this. Uh, the, the female part is what was most surprising. Because just the, the females just, don't tend to. Oh, and her her YouTube channel apparently was shut down. Yeah, YouTube shut this before before this all happened. Okay, yeah, yeah, I read yeah, something about that. YouTube, uh, they're talking about how a lot of her social media uh, stuff had uh, been disappeared. There, there are a few videos that are still around. Um, her personal website vanished, and it says her YouTube account had been shut down. Due to multiple or severe violations of the company's policy. Oh yeah, I'd read that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I mean maybe that's what drove her over the edge. She so got demonetized, and then you know maybe she kind of went uh, over the edge, and they just shut her whole account down. And she said, "All right, yeah." I, well, speaking <laughs> a of rational going- thing for me to do is go shoot randomly at your headquarters. Speaking of going <laughs> over the edge, though, see. Not condoning it at all, but I, I can actually see how someone who's already has obvious mental issues and uh, it's obvious emotional problems that when this is just yanked away from them like this, and then when they try to get an answer as to what happened, and they just are just shut down, we're not telling you basically. You know, this this happened. Tough luck. Deal with it. We're not even telling you why. Uh, and, and then every attempt you make to like reason with them or even find out why you just hit a brick wall. It is really frustrating, even just for the average person. It is for the person who's not mentally ill, for the person who's never going to commit any act of violence. It is very, very frustrating. It is, it, it, it is, you, you feel very powerless. You, you feel like, like in a way you want someone to hurt for what, what's going on here. Now, and I'm not saying to go do it. I'm saying like you, uh, you're really mad at someone for what, whoever made this decision or, or, or for, the, for the person receiving your complaint that's just dismissing you. 
Uh, right. Even and, even though they're just a functionary that can't do anything. Right. So so you take someone who's mentally ill, receiving that type of treatment, and rather than just like punching their desk and and, and complaining to to their spouse about what happened here, uh, then you'll have someone who may go over the edge and do something like this, and they they have to deal I, with that too. They have. To I have here what she posted on her website, and actually, it looks like um, she was harshly criticizing seriously serious. <laughs> No, I'm not kidding. She was going after Thomas. All right. In in a screed posted to a website that has become a subject of the investigation, Nassim complained that YouTube employees had purposely limited the number of people who viewed her videos and criticized the practice of paying for likes and views on other social media platforms like Instagram. Her complaints about unfair compensation were similar to those of some YouTube creators who have publicly criticized the platform. There is no equal growth opportunity on YouTube or any other video sharing site. Your channel will grow if they want it to, she wrote. Well, that's I, I, and that's, I, what, that's what she was mad about. In, in, in defense of Young Seriously Serious, he actually what he did was was viewbot. He just artificially inflated one of his videos a long time ago. Yeah, that's what she's saying. Criticize the practice, the practice of paying for likes and views. But he didn't pay. He just he got some third party service to do it. He is a. That's what you pay the third party service to do. Do the view body rough. Come on, get with it. I, I guess <laughs> that's how that works. Exactly. That's how and, that you know, works. And, and and I think with her too, she's like. I mean, coming from like a Persian family, a girl growing up that you know, it's it's probably she was probably much. Had strict parents, very sheltered. Then all of a sudden, she gets you know YouTube. So it's not it's like the money plus just an outlet. And then when they cut it off, I mean, have, did you watch the videos? Were so kooky. They they, they were insane. They were crazy. <laughs> yeah. And and her dad apparently reported her missing a couple of days ago, and told the police that she might be going to YouTube because she hated the company. Yes, and, and then her brother told also them that. then her brother also mentioned that she didn't yeah. mention she was going to hurt the company but she he mentioned that uh that that she was she had been missing and that that uh when he saw that she was in Mountain View thought that she might be going there so like the fact that the police actually made contact with her the police found her sleeping in her car uh the night before this happened uh, right right by YouTube and asked, you know, you know, what are you doing here? Why are you so far from home? And she, you know, she seemed very calm, and she just, uh, I, I don't know, she gave some explanation that sounded. She like, said she had issues with her family. Yeah, something like that. So they said, okay, well, what's the big deal? Some, some, you know, some thirty-nine-year-old woman sleeping in her car far from home, which ran off from her family. Fine, you know, who, whatever. But uh, this was a big. Right, f- but then, hold, but hold on, Jeff. Then, then they called the brother back and said they found her. And where they found her, and that's when he apparently told them that, wow, she's up there. She's on a tirade about YouTube. Yeah, so, so that's... So that's, I think that's the stuff that could come out. Yeah, that's, that's a big fail. And even if that hadn't happened, if, there should be some sort of way in this day and age for them to be able to cross-reference complaints, like if the father calls up to complain that she might be going to YouTube, if they happen to find her independently sleeping in her car, not realizing that complaint had been made. You know, be able to find this very easily that such a complaint has been made and then put them together and then see if uh, she might be a danger. Then this could have been prevented. So uh, that, that there's definitely a fail on the part of the police there as well. So 
Yeah, so I, I, I hope maybe this will open up the topic of the demonetization and the, the, the callous way they've been treating the content creators and maybe a better system will become up they'll come up with there that uh and maybe even the employees will demand it because they'll be afraid this happens again. Yeah, they- I was going to say, they're scared shitless. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, moving on to the different topic here. Uh, those who run the uh, promotions department at Harris Atlantic City, they may worry about uh, someone, some deranged player coming in with a gun after what they did there because they did something pretty bad. Uh, now, Harris is, of course, part of Caesars. They're known for fail in the entire company. So whenever I hear a story about Harris fail, I don't, I'm don't. i not very surprised. But uh, still, this one was uh, bad even for Harris. So, uh, now, Calwatt, were you in the area where the bad weather came uh, in late March? Last year? No, this year. Bad weather. I mean, I live in upstate New York, so like bad weather is. Yeah, I guess. Thing. Uh, I, I mean, it's just there, it's just always happening. What, one, what kind of bad one, weather are we talking about? One of those nor'easter storms that they had. Uh, it was in March. I don't know the exact dates. Let's see if I can pull it up here. But they. they yeah, I mean, we did have some a pretty good, uh, pretty good storm come through, but that's not atypical yeah I, I, mean? I guess it's because where you are it's, it happens so often so it doesn't seem unusual but but like in atlantic city it was unusual and so so there yeah was, new york city got hit which right you know okay yeah, yeah, yeah. so 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 this was uh okay this was on march 20th someone posted on vegas casino talk that's where uh so it must have been around then this is what the guy wrote today i will be flying out to the millionaire makers final at the atlantic city harris Due to the storms, the airport of Philadelphia is closed. I don't blame Harris for that. However, as of 5 p.m. Pacific Coast time, Harris has yet to send me an email telling me the event has been canceled or postponed. I had to get that information from canceling my hotel reservation and canceling my airline reservation as I was flying out from Los Angeles to Philadelphia. I realize the situation is fluid, but still a simple email stating that the event is canceled would have been helpful. And then... Another guy wrote, I got the email right after my flight took off. Upon landing, immediately called the travel line and booked a flight back tonight. Damned if I'm spending all week in the shithole for no reason. So so basically what happened here is there was this big storm that closed a lot of airports in that area of Atlantic City, Philadelphia. And a lot of people could not make it out there simply due to the closed airports. So they had this big uh, Millionaire Makers final tournament there. And uh, it's not a poker tournament, some kind of, uh, I don't know if it's a, promotional tournament or what but it was something that uh a number of people were going to who were uh you know big gamblers at in the atlantic city market and they were invited to so it's the final for the millionaires maker so it was it was you know something pretty big and the bad weather comes and harris does not tell anyone that they've canceled it so people show up there and harris says sorry no tournament uh, find something else to do. Sorry you came all the way down here. Sorry you paid for your flight. Uh, yeah. Uh, no tournament. Bye. That, <laughs> why couldn't they have emailed people as soon as they decided this that it was canceled? I, until, like, you know, I guess they finally emailed, like, like too late when everybody had already left by then. But, 
Uh, and amazingly, they didn't do anything for those players. Nothing. They, they didn't have a smaller tournament. They didn't do anything. So that that was a pretty big fail there to think about it, traveling across the country and you arrive there and find out the tournament you came all the way across the country for has been canceled and they didn't bother to tell you. All it takes is an email. Or if they somehow couldn't inform people in time, okay, then uh, run a smaller tournament for them. Or just uh, those that were invited that couldn't make it there, just uh, make them forfeit their position. People suggested that, that they, that they, they have some, something in the rules there that uh, if you can't make it out there for whatever reason, you forfeit your position. I agree that, that will piss some other people off, but they've got to do something. They can't just cancel it once people show up and say, sorry, too many people couldn't make it out here, we're having nothing. So, and these are their, these aren't just average visitors to, to Atlantic City. These are these are some of their best players, like the seven stars there, who have, have put through a lot of action. Uh, so I I did wonder one thing. Now I, I I think this is a big fail on the part of Harris Atlantic City. But knowing who you're dealing with there, if I had seen this, let's say it was me. Let's say I saw that there was a lot of bad weather in the area. Uh, I might start to get concerned. Maybe this is not going to take place. So I would have called in there and I would have asked, is this still going on? I would have been told no. So I, I said, you guys are right. This is a fail and very typical. However, given that both of you knew this was possible, why didn't you just call Harris and ask if this is still on? So uh, one of them wrote back to me. I did call them. I did ask. And I got transferred to India. <laughs> so apparently they had a hard time even reaching someone meaningful. They just transferred them off to a foreign call center. So th- this is not surprising at all because they they just they they just don't re- ever think about the big picture. They don't think ahead. They just kind of fly by the seat of their pants at all these properties, and then it it results in this fail. Yeah, but also I agree with you, Truff. If they got India the first time, call back, ask for the poker room. You got to assume, you know, you have to assume they're fucking up. Right. That's what I said. You know, I, that's exactly I what in I West said. LA, I cross the street. I assume everybody's trying to run me over. That 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 that's that's exactly what I said. I said you needed to call back and demand to speak to a total rewards or casino supervisor on property. Sometimes it's work to get the right person on the phone at a Caesar's property, but I find at times it's absolutely essential to do so. Yeah, or just ask for the poker room. They know what's going on with the poker tournament. I don't think it was Trans- poker. I think it was some kind of other tournament. But yeah, no, it, I know. But still, they'd know what's going on in the poker room or, or the casino. Yeah, you just got to get. You have to get a meaningful employee. And I, I have gone through this dance. I have gone through like some 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 casinos. It's very difficult to reach the right person. Like the, like Laughlin, for example. You try to reach any department in Laughlin. Boy, that's a, a challenge. I've done it though. Like I, it's taken me a long time. It's taken me like half an hour sometimes to get to the right person on the phone. But but I've done it. Like I, if I put enough effort, I can always always reach where I'm trying to get. I add one of these Caesar's properties. It, it just takes some repeated phone calls, and sometimes you have to raise your voice and they keep <laughs> trying to transit to the same place and don't want to listen to you. But yeah, so it's not easy all the time. But if you know that fails coming. Which, which anyone reading the Vegas Casino Talk forum knows that Caesars is full of fail constantly. Like they, they know they they they've experienced it. They're, anybody who deals with Caesars a lot knows they're full of fail. Uh, it, it really it does amaze me. I was thinking about this today. 
you don't hear about this many fail stories with like MGM or Wynn. Like you don't hear from of, of these other casino companies failing in operations to anywhere near this extent. They, they make a few gaffes, but no, nothing like this. I mean, for every single one of these Caesars properties just seems to be an operational disaster. And it's been this way, like just it, it, someone tweeted to me today uh, a screenshot of something. They said this it's a few too, a, a few days too late for April Fools. And what they were tweeting to me was uh, Caesars has a promotion that you can earn extra tier credits if you uh, reach goals for how many tier credits you've earned this month. So someone someone got a, an offer emailed to them. Saying uh, for April, uh, you're only one hundred six thousand one hundred ten tier credits away from your goal of earning five hundred bonus tier credits. <laughs> like, like, how can they send out an email like that? I, I realize it's automated. That's but, hilarious. But, 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 how does this mistake even happen? Like, uh, how are people getting? And Maybe then, it was April Fool's trick. <laughs> and then people will also get these offers, like uh, you know, I get them. I like come to Harris, Philadelphia, for your twenty dollars free play. Like I'll really get that. Like the the computer can't put together that my address in the system is thousands of miles away and not to offer me twenty dollars free play. It's 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 mind boggling. But uh, uh, they're known for that. There, so knowing that that's who you're dealing with, and believe me, I double check and triple check the work of anything told to me at a Caesar's property because I know, I I know what I'm dealing with. In fact, I'll, I'll tell you, on this last trip, I spent one night at Harris, Las Vegas. I had a suite there. The one good thing is you can get a suite much more easily there than you can at Caesars. So they gave me the suite, but I asked for a rollaway bed. And they told me, even though the suite is big enough, you can't have a rollaway bed because it will damage the hardwood floors there. And I said, this is the dumbest thing ever. How could you build a hotel room where the floor is so fragile where you can't have a rollaway there. Like, wouldn't you think about this before designing the place? And they just renovated it. This isn't a decision from 30 years ago. They just renovated it. So why would you ever put hardware floors in where you can't even put a rollaway? And why put such floors in when people are constantly rolling in heavy luggage in and out every day? So I spoke to someone. They said, I can't. I asked if they could talk to the supervisor. They did. They said they came back. Yep. Sorry, it's restricted. You can't have it. So I got to Harris and just checked one more time. I said, you know, I, I'm hearing I can't have a rollaway in there. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And the guy says, well, who told you that? I said, well, they told me something about the hardwood floor. He said, no, no, no. As long as the room's big enough, you can have a rollaway. And since all the suites are big enough, yeah. The only thing we can't do is we can't put it in the bedroom part of the suite because that's not big enough. But if, you, if you're willing to have the rollaway in the living room, then sure. I said, yeah, that's where I wanted it anyway. He says, okay, I'll send it up. So they sent it up. So so two different people told me I can't have the rollaway there. Then I check in there, check one more time. Yes, you can have the rollaway. So uh, Harris Lake Tahoe in 2016 when I was uh, on the way there. The uh, day before I called up, can I have a suite? No, can't have it. Uh, totally sold out. Don't, don't have such a thing. Call back the next day. Can I have any chance suites open? Nope, no chance. I call on the way like about half an hour from the place. Uh, any suites available for me? No, no, no chance, no way, no how. I walk in there to the front desk. Uh, I'm checking in. I go, oh, yeah, I'm a seven-star. You guys have any suites available? Oh, yeah, here, here's one. 
Like, it depends who you talk to. So sometimes good, sometimes bad. But uh, pretty big fail there. So just remember, before you ever travel to Harrah's or Caesar's for anything, always make sure what you're traveling for is still going on, because they may not, may not always tell you. Gemico, the card maker, the card manufacturer that made those cards that had the irregularities on it that was exploited by Phil Ivey and his uh, Asian female accomplice in the Baccarat game that... Uh, Phil Ivey won uh, $9.7 million, and then they uh, sued him for it and won that whole story. There is a separate lawsuit that has been going on where Borgata was suing Gemico. And a decision has come down in that lawsuit. Basically, uh, you might wonder why is Borgata even bothering to sue Gemico when they've, they've already won against Ivey, so if they've if they have a, a full judgment against Ivy, then they've already recovered back their damages. So why do they have to sue Gemico? Well, it's because they're not sure if they'll be able to collect from Ivy. So this is a way to go after a company with deep pockets that they know they can collect from if they are unable to collect for Ivy or, or possibly even double dipping. So a ruling has come down. And that ruling is that Borgata loses, and Gemico wins. Gemico was... all A summary judgment was entered dismissing nearly the entire case. When I say nearly, there's one count remaining that at most Borgata could collect $26 from them for the actual cost of the cards. So uh, basically the whole thing has been dismissed. They're not looking for $26. So here's what... Uh, this is an excerpt from the judge who dismissed the case, Judge Hillman. He says, It is not Gemico's cards that were the cause of Borgata's losses, but rather all the subsequent required elements requested by Ivy and agreed to by Borgata, each a required and integral part, which together caused Borgata's losses. It is true the scheme would not have worked without the asymmetrical cards, they were necessary for the scheme, but they were equally insufficient. Out of the box, asymmetrical cards are symmetrical until strategically turned and maintained in that orientation. In that sense, it was Borgata's acquiescence in Ivy's accommodations that were that were but for cause of Borgata's losses. But basically, what they're saying here is that uh, this whole scheme would not have worked had they not agreed to these uh, odd requests on Ivy and his accomplice's part to turn the cards a non-standard way to where they could see them at a different angle. Uh, and it was Borgata's agreement to engage in this non-standard play that allowed Ivy to take advantage of these flaws in the cards. So therefore, since Borgata did this, since Borgata fully agreed to allow this to happen, and since Ivy was the one taking advantage of it, then uh, he didn't feel the card manufacturers were the ones responsible. Because there were too many things that had to happen together, including on Borgata's part. Though you would think that would also support Ivy's contention that this wasn't his fault. That, that uh, you know, since Borgata agreed to it, that that's, that's what the game became. That, that's what would have been my view, is that uh, he doesn't have to tell the truth to Borgata why he's asking them to turn the cards a certain way or why he's, uh, you know, 
why he wants other things. If they agree to it, they agree to it. If it puts the game in his favor, tough luck on Borgata. That was my opinion, but not the court's opinion. But th- this view seems to be more along the lines with my opinion and Ivy's opinion. But it's on behalf of Jemico saying that basically this is partially Borgata's fault, partially Ivy's fault, and not enough Jemico's fault, so the whole thing's getting dismissed. So Borgata is probably not going to get anything. So that's uh, the latest chapter in that story. I don't know if they've collected anything from Ivy. Uh, They filed a motion to force Ivy to post a $10.13 million bond, which is the entire value of the judgment against him. Before he can appeal, I don't know if that motion has been that motion has been approved. Furthermore, uh, if it is approved, then I, I'm sure Ivy's not going to post the bond in the appeal. I'm sure he'll just uh, not appeal in that case because <laughs> uh, I, I have a feeling he's just going to avoid having to pay that. that. That's a pretty hefty sum of money, ten point thirteen million, especially since Ivy doesn't have a million dollars coming in every month from full tilts. I forgot to note when that started. I did. This this is why this is a pain in the ass. I, I, I just can't get in the habit of doing this. But I, I'll go back. After this whole show is over, I'm going to go back and play it and figure out the time each of these started. Speaking of advantage play, and speaking of New Jersey... Even though this was ruled cheating, what Ivy did with uh, Baccarat, and while not criminal in nature, they considered it to, to be a civil violation to where he did, uh, you know, he, they claimed that the court ruled against him that he owed the money. For other forms of advantage play, more typical forms that are already established not to be cheating, such as card counting and blackjack, in New Jersey you are allowed to do this by law and they cannot stop you. They are not allowed to stop you from counting cards. They are not allowed to eject you from the blackjack game or from the casino. You can sit down at a blackjack table and say, I am a card counter and I'm going to count cards here. And they cannot eject you from the game. It's true. In fact, last I checked in Atlantic City, they actually had gaming officers on premises that you could ask to talk to if you're treated unfairly. However, they do have ways that they can fight card counters. They can make the games so bad that the card counters can't even beat them, or they can shuffle the deck particularly early. In fact, that's what they would do to me. when they I would card count there in Atlantic City. That's what they do as, far as, as soon as they caught me. Is First, they would limit me to one hand, which apparently they're allowed to do. And then the next time they shuffle, they cut off half the deck. So at that point, my card counting becomes uh, irrelevant. So that's the way they can fight it. But um, they they cannot uh, kick me out for it. So you know what I would do when that would happen? I just I just move to another part of the casino and play another table. It was funny. Like they, they fully knew what I was doing, but there's nothing they could do about it by New Jersey state law. It's kind of funny. And this is as a result of a 1980s case, I think 1986 or 87, where a card counter was caught and ejected from a 
New Jersey, yeah, Atlantic City Casino. And uh, a landmark case took place about this where he attempted to, he, you know, he took them to court over this. And it was ruled that Atlantic City casinos cannot eject advantage players, nor can they ban them from games. They can ban you or eject you for cheating, but not for advantage play. So, the state of Louisiana actually is looking to do the same thing. There's a bill on the table in Louisiana called uh, House Bill 152, and it would make it so casinos can't exclude people for reasons based solely on the skill level of the person. Now, currently in Louisiana, they can remove anyone from any casino at any time for any reason other than the federally protected reasons such as race, color, nationality, sex, sexual preference, disability, etc. But they can't eject you for, you know, they can't eject you for that, but they can eject you for any other cause. Even just, we don't like your face. Literally, they could say, you know, we just don't like you. And as long as you can't prove that it was uh, racist or sexist or yeah, homophobic or anything like that, if, if, if you have no way to prove that, and the truth is they just don't like you, they really have a, ra- a right to kick you out. So, a representative in Louisiana named Walt Leaguer introduced this bill in February. Leaguer is a Democrat. He represents New Orleans and the surrounding area. He said, I don't want the casinos to have such a wide latitude to exclude people based upon their winnings. So, if this does pass, then uh, Louisiana casinos will not be able to eject card counters or any other kind of advantage player. So now they probably take countermeasures like New Jersey did, but uh, I I, th- I really uh, hope that passes. I, I don't like the whole thing with them, uh, with casinos having the ability to kick people simply for finding ways to beat them. I have no problem with them finding, you know, adjusting their games to where advantage players can't beat them. That's definitely their right to do. But it's pretty crappy that they'll offer a game but only let you play if you're a loser. An expected loser. But if you can f- figure out ways within the law to turn the odds in your favor, then suddenly they have a right to just get rid of you. I think if you offer a game, you got to take the good and the bad with it. And if you don't want advantage players, then be careful in the way you design your games. That should be a a risk casinos have to take when offering games that are supposed to be to their advantage. That if you screw up and give the player the advantage, then he shouldn't be punished for it. Here's a warning regarding uh, paying for Caesar's hotel rooms with rewards credits. By the way, we lost Calwatt. He, uh, he had to hit the hay, which is understandable. It's it's like 4.30 a.m. there. You still with us, Trader Risky? I'm hanging on, but I could be 
the herbal teas in the oh, process. You, you, okay, you took the, you, you you drank the tea already. Okay. I feel like this is like Alice in Wonderland, where you like drink a potion and then you change. But all right, uh, this is yeah, this is a different radio show. I, I was explaining this to Benjamin uh, about this show, and uh, I was explaining to him that one of the co-hosts is all the way in New York. I explained to him that uh, co-hosts sometimes fall asleep on the show. And uh, he thought it's very strange. It's, it's hard for him to understand this, that, uh, you know, I'd have a radio show where the co-hosts fall asleep. But, uh, yeah, that, that, this That's is... That's a compliment to you, Draft. I know, every, <laughs> I know it goes on without a hitch after that. But, you know, most shows aren't this length without a break. You know, most shows don't just go on for hours and hours. Most shows, when when they're four hours long, it's not a short show. So, this show is unusual in many ways, and uh, the co-hosts, I'm happy for whatever time I have with them here, and uh, if they fall asleep or need to do other things or it gets too late for them, then that's fine, and, uh, you know, just kind of informal over here. So, I I went to as I mentioned I went to Harris uh, for one night last week and uh, thanks to the reduction of seven stars benefits to where I don't get guaranteed free rooms anymore for the first time ever for the first time I shouldn't say ever the first time since becoming a seven star six years ago I actually had a hotel room bill at a Caesar's property. But I have like more than two thousand. I actually think close to three thousand dollars worth of rewards credits, which are the basically the internal money that you can use in Caesar's properties. So I figured, okay, even though you can trade these uh, now at a crappy rate for free play, but and even though you can use them at full value in restaurants there, so I don't want to just waste them, but. I can use them for hotel rooms if I need to without taking real money out of my pocket. So what I basically did is I booked the very bottom barrel Harrah's room and then just upgraded through being a seven stars all the way up to a suite without any paying anything further. And then would pay with reward credits for that bottom barrel room. So to give you the actual figures here, I booked a $43 room which became $49 with tax, which I had to put on my credit card first, but then when I checked out, I could have them refund my credit card and then pay with the equivalent number of reward credits, which is what was done. So the good news is they did correctly refund my credit card, and I received the money. Uh, however, when I checked out there, I was kind of in a hurry, and I forgot to double-check their work, as I was always, always supposed to do. So as I was in the car driving away, I thought, oh, crap. I forgot to check if they charge me for tax. Now you may think, well, of course they charge you for tax. You have to pay hotel tax. That's that's obvious. How could you not know that? Well, there is a little known fact about Nevada sales tax and room tax law. That if a sale is not made, and I mean a real sale where money really changes hands, then tax is not owed. The hotel does not have to pay the government. Why? Because 
a sale was not made. So, you know, for example, if you have a comp meal and you pay with reward credits, you're not actually paying real money. You're not paying any money for the food. They're just giving you food. So why should you have to pay tax on food that's just being given to you for free? You don't is the answer. So that's why if you use rewards credits in restaurants at Caesars, at any Caesars property, uh, at least in, in Nevada, they, they do not charge you tax. Similarly, with hotel rooms, if they give you a hotel room for free, and even if you know, you're paying with rewards credit, it's still free because it's, it's not real money you're paying, then there's no tax because, again, no sale of the room was paid. Uh, it was made. So basically, the, that whatever the percentage of the tax is, it's, 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 it's uh, of zero, so it still equals zero. So as I was driving away, I thought, oh, crap. I bet the person at the counter who first refunded my credit card and then charged the, the equivalent reward credits, I bet they don't have a, a way in the system to automatically do that. I bet they just manually took that number of reward credits away out of my account, including the tax. And indeed, I was right. That's exactly what they did. So they made a mistake. So uh, how much was it? It was a, it was a matter of, of $6 and change in reward credits. Is that a tragedy? No. Uh, did I call up and complain about it? Of course I did. <laughs> and they gave it back to me. Uh, not before two different reps didn't understand it. The first rep just put me on, on hold immediately without my permission, and hung, I hung up and called back. Got someone else who acted like she wanted to help me, but then she couldn't understand what I was explaining here, so she was, she kept begging to put me on hold, and I said, just give me your supervisor, and she did. And the supervisor fully agreed with me and, and gave me the reward credits and, gave, in fact, gave me like 10 bucks more for my trouble, so I thank him for that. Anyway. The reason I'm telling you guys this is not to show what a cheap Jew I am, that I took this time to fight over a matter of uh, $6 and change in rewards credits. But to give you a tip on how to avoid this happening to you in the future, especially if you're spending a lot more than uh, $43 on your hotel room in rewards credits, which you might be. So, th- this is what you need to do. When you're checking out, that's the time to do it. If you're paying with rewards credits, what you can do, you, if you have rewards credits, you can use it to pay for your room. Even after the fact, even if you didn't have them, if you earned the rewards credits while you were there, and, for, and you still can't get your room comped after the fact. When you check out, ask them to refund your credit card, and instead... Pay for the room rewards credits, but make sure you ask them to not charge the tax. Tell them the tax should fall off. They should not bill the tax. This is at least in Nevada. I don't know in other states, but I know for sure in Nevada this is true. So this is true of Vegas. This is true of Reno. This is true of Tahoe. This is true in Laughlin, the the, the Nevada properties. So if paying in rewards credits, tell them that you do not have to pay tax on rewards credits. And if they argue with you, tell them to check with a manager or a supervisor and it will be verified that you're correct. And then they only will charge you the room charge and rewards credits and the tax will just fall off. Do not pay the tax separately. Don't, don't, don't let them agree to, to, you know, to charge your card for the tax and just take the rewards credits. Just No, you shouldn't be paying any tax in any way. Also, if, if at a Caesars restaurant, I've mentioned this before, and you want to pay in rewards credits, always make sure to do it on the spot and don't charge it to your room. Because if you charge it to your room, tax will be paid there. Because they, they don't, when you charge it to your room, 
the restaurant doesn't know how you're going to ultimately pay, whether you're going to do it with Rorts credits or whether you're going to do it with a, with, with a credit card. They don't know. So they charge the tax at the time, assuming a real sale is going to be made. And it's very hard to get that taken off. So if you're going to pay with rewards credits, just do it right on the spot at the restaurant. Then you won't be charged tax, which is like, you know, like an 8% discount. So why not? Uh, it's actually a nice feeling. Like at a Caesar's property, I go, oh, crap, this is kind of an expensive restaurant for what I'm getting. Like, yeah, the food's kind of overpriced here. But I go, oh, you know what? I can subtract 8% because I'm not paying tax on it. So I'm not really subtracting, but like the price I see is really the price I'm going to pay. They just wanted to pass that tip along. A lot of people didn't know that about the tax and the room there. You you ask the average person if you pay with the reward credits, you know, would you pay the tax with them too? Most people would be happy that they could just use the reward credits to pay the tax, which is what one of the stupid reps from Caesars are trying to tell me. She's saying, oh, well, yeah, of course you can use it to pay tax. I said, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that I should not have to pay tax at all since it's a reward credit paid for room. Oh, no, but... But you can pay tax for your rewards credits. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm, like, I'm explaining it so many different ways she's not getting it. And I can tell she's getting exasperated. She keeps begging to put me on hold. And I go, why do you need to put me on hold? She says, well, I, I need to go over your account. I go, no, you don't. There's nothing to go over here. I, I told you the way it's happening here. What are you looking for? What are you looking to find out by going over my account? The truth is she just wanted a break. She just wanted to – this is getting too complicated. She couldn't understand it. So finally I gave up. That, that's, that's what a lot of phone reps do. The last thing a phone rep of any kind, I'm not just talking about Caesars, any company, the phone company, the cable company, the bank, uh, the last thing any phone rep wants is to deal with a complicated, difficult-to-understand situation. They don't want to listen to you. They don't want to think critically. They don't want to figure out your situation and help you. A small percentage does. Most of them just want to go through the motions of their job and do things that are easy. So as soon as yours gets complicated and difficult to understand, uh, they kind of tune you out. And if you start demanding they listen to you and demanding that they help you and, and, and you're not accepting their BS answers, they get frustrated. And what they want to do at that point is put you on hold and take a break while they're, quote, going over your account. It's a common trick. Oh, you know, please, let, please hold while I, I review your records. Well, sometimes they don't need to do that. Sometimes there's, it's not about your records. It's about agreeing whether the concept you're talking about is correct or not. So that's why... When they, they say they want to put me on hold, I always ask why, and, and uh, if I don't like the answer, I, I say, well, what are you looking to accomplish? What are you looking to find out? So, and if I'm still not getting satisfaction, I, I ask for the supervisor, because the, the supervisor is not always their actual supervisor, sometimes just a senior rep, but they tend to be more empowered or smarter than the first person you talk to. Like in this case, the Caesars supervisor I talked to fully understood my point and agreed with me and said, yes, you're correct. So, a lot of people do know that they don't charge tax on, like, at restaurants who use rewards credits, but most cannot explain why. But it's because of that tax law. It's basically if no sale is made, they cannot charge tax on it. Or if they, I guess they technically could charge the tax, but they'd have to remit it to the government, but the government does not require it. See, I, I forgot to note when this is. <laughs> I forgot again to note when this is this topic started. It's so annoying. <sighs> All righty. Let's go to the last topic here. 
this is about the 2011 story. Of money being stolen from the EPT prize pool. The EPT being the European Poker Tour run by Poker Stars. And this story got very, very little play. Almost no one knows about it. But in a Finnish website, they had an interview with a poker reporter in Finland named Juhani Tarasiva. And he was asked about, or he brought up the topic of Thomas Kremser. Most people don't know this, but Thomas Kremser was accused of pocketing money from EPT's side events after players there noticed that four buy-ins had just disappeared from a 5k euro entry event in EPT Madrid. And not much was ever talked about after that. So Kremser was caught, but they uh, there, there wasn't much investigation or discussion of what else this meant at the time. But this is what... Uh, Juhani Tarasiva said about what was going on. He said, uh, and this is translated, by the way, he said this in in, uh, in Finnish, but Poker Fraud Alert forum member Klins, who I believe listens to the radio show as well, translated it himself. I give him credit for that. He manually translated this from Finnish to English. He didn't use Google Translate or anything. Springing to mind is also a gig at EPT Madrid, when PokerStars fired tournament director Thomas Kremser. PokerStars, for some unfathomable reason, made a seven-year-long deal with Kremser for the arrangement of the EPT tournaments. At this time, at the time, the, his seventh year was underway, and in Star's mind, they were paying Kremser way too much. They wanted to negotiate for them a better contract, or alternatively discontinue it. Kremser then got caught for a considerable swindle, and his career with the EPT ended then and there. Nobody knows for sure what was the decision to end the contract uh, was made before the theft was revealed, but the incident itself was clear-cut. The case was discovered thanks to Yuha Helpy. By the way, I, I, I knew Yuha Helpy a long time ago. I, I knew him before really uh, he was known at all. We used to play a lot together on the high-stakes limit hold'em games on Interpoker. And then I met him in person a few times at the World Series and at St. Kitts. So I actually, I just saw him in 2017 at the World Series. We ended up at the same table briefly. And he said hello to me. He actually looked a lot different than he did when I first knew him. Um, Yuha was like 24 or something when I first got to know him, 23, 24. So he was like a kid. And now he's in his mid-30s. So... A lot can change about the way someone looks in that time period. You know, they can go from like a very youthful, kid-like look to looking like a, you know, a middle-aged man. That's what he did. So, like, I saw the guy. I'm like, this kind of looks like Yuha Helpy, except it's kind of like old Yuha Helpy. It's kind of like, like what I would have pictured Yuha's dad to kind of look like back then. So, I mean, not that old, but he looked considerably older. But it was like the same guy. 
and he, he was older. It was more than ten years had passed. So, uh, but he immediately said hello to me, and I knew who it had to be. So, anyway, so he goes on to say, Helpy was one of three remaining players in a 5,000 euro side event that was about to go on break for the day. The players were discussing a deal when Helpy noticed that there were 80,000 chips more in play than there should be according to the number of entrants listed on the tournament info screen. It was undeniably clear that four player buy-ins had been embezzled from the prize pool. Poker Stars restored the 20,000 euro to the prize pool, but it is unknown. Did that money come from Kremser or the company's own pockets? I can answer that. I'm sure it came from the company's own pockets. Um, I'm not sure, but I, I bet that's what happened. Uh, Kremser, his wife, and a man named Gerard manually, between the three of them, handled all of EPT's cash transactions for seven years until PokerStars developed a computerized system for it. That's unbelievable. That's from uh, 2004 through 2011, by the way. My careful estimate is that Krenzer and his collaborators have stolen hundreds of thousands of euros along the way. I have no evidence, but by Kremser and company's methods, it was, my opinion, easy to embezzle money from a a specifically large field side events. In these events, it was more difficult to keep track of the actual numbers of entrants. In the main events, uh, Mad Harper ran such a tight ship that Kremser never had the chance to steal. Harper made the players list list themselves and always debriefed the floor to make sure everything was ran to precision. To Kremser and his companions, skimming off the top and side events that no one was watching over was much less riskful. At, at the time, all the buy-ins were made in cash in hand, so the process in question was no more difficult than handing the chips to the player and putting the buy-in in your own pockets. The tournament where Kremser was finally caught only had 123 players, thus four buy-ins missing were easily noticed. The more players, the less the risk of getting caught. In that tournament, there were, besides a few players, also big money in question, so Kremser finally got busted. This is just speculation, but I believe for the, from the EPT's 1,000 and 2,000 euro side events, hundreds of thousands of euros have gone missing along the way. Nobody can, of course, know for sure, other than Kremser and his partners in crime. Maybe it's somewhat telling that Kremser had the peculiar hobby of collecting sports cars. <laughs> By the way, I uh, don't think he was banned from playing tournaments elsewhere. Uh, he, in, as recently as 2015, he ran a tournament series in the Caribbean. That was found by another member of Poker Fraud Alert. You can see a picture of him, too. So, he moved on to still uh, run tournaments. So, so basically what this was saying was that uh, he realized that these main events at the EPT, there's going to be too much visibility if he stole money out of the prize pool, but these side events, you know, meaning all the events that weren't the main at each of these EPTs from 2004 through 2011, uh, he figured there's much less visibility. Most people were not going to check that closely, and if there were a lot of entrants that... Uh, nobody would notice if a few buy-ins were missing. You may think, well, can't people just do the math? Can't they just multiply buy-ins to chips and figure it out? Well, number one, a lot of times people don't do that. And number two, there do become some discrepancies due to coloring up. This has even happened at the World Series. There's been some controversy where extra chips seem to show up and people are wondering what's going on. And they're wondering if it's a color-up error or is there something shady going on like it it's never even been fully figured out what happened at the World Series some of these years I'm talking about you know, fairly recent years so if there's a lot of entrants 
then if there's some discrepancy of what appears to be a few buy-ins of extra chips, uh, it may just be from coloring up error or or rounding, not even error, but could be from rounding. Uh, to show you like what rounding, what I mean by rounding is when you're coloring up, uh, they will pay out extra chips. So let's say a table has, uh, you know, when they're coloring up the green chips that are worth 25 each, if there's 725 worth of green and they're coloring up to, to $100 chips minimum, then they'll change those to $800 worth of, or 800 chips worth of, uh, of blacks, of $100 chips. So the reason I'm mentioning this is, you know, right there that adds 75 chips to the prize pool. So then as the color-ups get for higher denominations, you get more and more extra chip value in there that was not originally bought in. So in a large tournament field, you're not going to have the exact correlation of chips at the final table to buy-ins. But in this case, there's only 123 players in the tournament and four buy-ins of extra chips was too noticeable and Yuha Helpy figured it out. And that's when they figured out the Kremser stole from it. So, very unlikely to be the first time this happened. But Krems are still running tournament series. I bet. I wonder if he stole from this one in 2015. This was from the Daily Herald in St. Martin. 2000, uh, November 18th, 2015, only about two and a half years ago. They have an interview with uh, Thomas Kremser, the uh, poker consultant and leading executive in, <laughs> executive in tournament administration. And he now runs a company called uh, TK Poker Events. Yeah. I'm sure I'd like to play in those events. I wonder if he's stolen from those. Especially running in other countries and not under the umbrella of a company like PokerStars. They could really rip people off and there's not much you can do about it. So wa- watch out for any tournaments that are run by uh, TK Poker Events. I don't know if they still run these in St. Martin, but he's saying that this article says that he was running this uh, St. Martin event in 2015. By the way, the same thing happened at the World Series of Poker in an event I cashed in where I definitely had money stolen from me because I finished 10th. That was at the 2007, I was talking about this, the one Negreanu bought in 48 times. The 2007 $1,000 No Limit Hold'em with rebuys where I did not rebuy or add on at all. I used my original 1000 Made it to 10th place. Would have made the televised final table, but got rivered on a, a hand with 10 people left. Me and one other guy were the short stacks. No, the, neither of us were super short, but we were both fairly short. And it was a blind versus blind battle of ace-king suited versus queens. I had the queens, safe flop, safe turn, bang, ace on the river, and I lose. We had... Just about identical stacks. He had like a hair more than me. He went on to finish third for 230-something thousand. I finished 10th for 23,000. 
But uh, anyway, that event, and I've talked about this before, when you would want to add on or rebuy, they would just take the cash from you. You got no receipt, no proof you ever did it, no proof the money went into the prize pool. You just had to trust them that the number of total add-ons and rebuys were accurate. And reportedly, a lot of people disappeared from employment there shortly uh, after this. And the allegation was that there was stealing from the prize pool. They also did away with those rebuy events at that time and changed them to what were called triple chance events the following year where you would not pay any money to rebuy, but certain events you would just get tokens that you could use to re-enter that just came with the event. You didn't have to use the tokens, but if you busted, you could use the token to re-enter. They were able to bring back the rebuys when the whole thing became computerized. I mean, it was somewhat computerized before, but when it was fully computerized to where you would just go back to the cage to rebuy. And then there was no way any money could be embezzled because the computer would fully keep track of every buy-in. In fact, would print you the appropriate voucher to uh, get a seat again at the table. And there's no more add-ons at the World Series. So the rebuy events, you have to go back to the cage to do it, and there's no more opportunity to steal. So it's, it's not going on anymore. But I heard very, very strong rumors that it happened in 2007. So it wasn't just uh, the EPT. A lot of shadiness in poker. I remember sitting there and watching people rebuy. And thinking, what the hell? Like uh, The floor men are just taking the cash from people. And giving them chips. The guy busts and says, hey, rebuy! And they just come over and bring him chips and he hands them a thousand cash. No receipt, no nothing. I remember thinking, if I rebuy here, how can I prove on my taxes, if I'm ever audited, that I rebought? Because they don't give you a receipt. There really is no proof. Like, they, they really did not keep records. They didn't ask, who are you? They didn't get your player's card. They just, they, you'd, you'd hand them the cash, they'd hand you the chips. So even if you believe that they really put the money in the prize pool... They don't know what came from you. So like if the IRS audited you that year and you claimed that you bought in 10 times, um, you could probably have gotten away with it because they kept no records. You had no way to get records. It wasn't just that you didn't get the records. You had no way to get records that you rebought. So you could have claimed you rebought 10 times. They wouldn't have known. So I'm glad they did away with that system. The 2007 World Series of Poker was the worst-run World Series of Poker that uh, they had there. That was the absolute worst year. That's when they had that poker tent that was super hot and that eventually collapsed. So when they had those rebuy thefts. The year was a disaster. Interestingly, uh, Jack Effel was one of the people in charge of that. He was the tournament director that year. Um, 
he was actually under Jeffrey Pollock at the time. So so Jack Effel's higher up now. Maybe he's the assistant tournament director. He was a second in command there at the time. Uh, Jack Effel. I actually argued with him about the poker tent. I went up to him and gave him a piece of my mind about it. And he gave me a lot of excuses I didn't like. That was my first interaction ever with Jack Effel. But he was the one responsible for a lot of that fail. He was not the boss then. As I say, he was he was second in command to Jeffrey Pollock. But Jeffrey Pollock was more of just a marketer. Uh, Jack Effel really... Um, I, I think the World Series now... I, I, I haven't quite figured out the hierarchy. I know Ty Stewart is above everybody there, but I don't know how hands-on he is. Um, I think that Jack Effel and Seth Polanski are on the same level. I, I used to think that Seth worked for Jack or was below him, but I think that was incorrect. I think they're on the same level, but they just do different things. I think that uh, Seth is doing the marketing type stuff and the, the marketing and media stuff, that he's handling that. And... Uh, I don't know marketing. I know like communications and media and all that. Like they, that's his area, and then Jack is the director of the tournaments. So I know, like as far as the the structures and all that, like those decisions uh, go through Jack. He's the one who decides that stuff. Uh, some of the operational stuff, Seth has influence over, and uh, like some of them, either of them can do. Uh, when I see there's employees or vendors misbehaving, I, I will email Seth. And I, I've gotten a good response from him in the past with that. Like, he's uh, he's taking care of it. Last year, last year I did that. Last year, Brandon reported to me some things that he found to be wrong and unpleasant there. And, and I, before I even set foot at the World Series, I emailed Seth and said, I have a friend who said such and such, and can you look into it? And he did, and he actually improved all those situations <laughs> and, and told me what he did. So, uh, uh, also, he, I think he was the one who had that uh, floor man fired who was taking bribes to start sit-and-goes. So it's basically those two that actively run the World Series in different ways. Like they, they each have their area of responsibility. And then, of course, there's tons of guys below them. And then there's Ty Stewart, who's above them. And then Mitch Garber, way above him. So that's kind of the, the structure of the management of the World Series, in a nutshell. Uh... Jack has never liked me very much. I, I don't even bother to speak to him. He knows who I am, obviously, and he... I don't think he hates me, but I don't think he cares for me very much. In fact, I was blocked on his Twitter for some time. So, I have a better relationship with Seth, so that's why I, when I have something to uh, bring to their attention, that's who I go to. 
I did bring to their attention the situation with the restaurants there, and I was just ignored. It was the first time I've ever been ignored. Every time I've ever written Seth, I've gotten a response. That was the only time he didn't respond to me was about that. I didn't keep pressing it. I mean, I, I said my piece, and that's it. And honestly, like like whenever I write, I'm, I'm like when I write to Seth, I'm, I'm always very respectful. I don't uh, I, I don't write in a critical or nasty fashion, or I don't mock anything there. Like I I, I send very professional and, and friendly emails, basically with the tone, "Hey, I'm just trying to help here." I'm you know, hey, here's a suggestion from someone who's there. Involved in all this and from the player's standpoint like a, that, That's the tone I write the letters And that's the tone they received But uh, I'm surprised that nothing's being done About the food situation Because this is a way that not only will the players be happier But they'd actually make more money selling food So like everybody would win Except for the Outside places that people have been going to eat Because everything keeps closing At, at the Rio I really hope my prediction that eventually the World Series is going to move to that new convention center they're building, Center Strip. I hope that comes to pass. Again, it's never been announced or suggested. This has been my idea. This has been my assumption. For reasons I've stated before, I think we lost Trader Ruski. But I believe that will be the future in the 2020s. I think the fir- it's even possible the first senior event I play, which is in four years, might be there instead of the Rio in 2022. But that would be nice because it would do away with the necessity of the Rio. The Rio right now is the only place they can hold the World Series, the only place that can really house it physically of the properties they own. But it would be nice to not have that be the situation anymore and have something center strip where you can walk to other properties center strip. I'll tell you I'll tell you something that I go through when I'm at the World Series and I want to play cash. And when I don't care for the selection at the Rio Cash section, which is often. And I think, okay, I'd like to go down to the Bellagio. But then I think, well, what a pain in the ass. I have to get in my car. I have to drive up Flamingo. Not very far, but I have to drive up Flamingo. I've got to park in Bellagio. I've got to walk in. And then I've got to see if there's like an obscene waiting list to even get in the games I want to get into. Like, It just seems so unappealing to me. And a lot of times I just don't do it. Whereas if I could just stroll over there, that would be a different story. So it would be great if there would be some place center strip where you could stay in one of several hotels. You don't have to stay right there. Because the Rio is isolated there. You know, where where else are you going to stay? There's a few places like Gold Coast, I guess, you could stay next door. But uh, as far as Caesar's property, that's the only one you can stay at unless you want to have to drive there. That's why I stay at the Rio when I play the World Series. Not because I love the Rio. I've gotten used to it. I, I know the property really well. I know its idiosyncrasies. I can kind of dodge some of the fail because I know 
exactly where to stay and uh, what to avoid and what to do and what not to do. But, you know, I, I'd prefer to just be done with the Rio and not deal with it. So eventually that's going to happen. What's going to happen one day is they're going to move to that convention center, which is going to be it's going to be complete supposedly in 2020. But one day the World Series is going to be announced that it's moving there, and I'm going to tell everyone, oh, you know, I I said this back in 2017, and no one's going to believe me. They're going to say, no, you didn't say that back in 2017. I say, no, no, I did. No, you were just guessing back then. Well, kind of, but I was using common sense. Like people are not going to believe me that I saw this coming. In fact. I think it's possible the World Series itself has not even thought of this yet. I think it's possible the management of the World Series has not even put this together yet. They haven't, like, thought, hey, this thing's being built over there. Maybe we'll move over there one day. It's very possible they have no idea that they're going to do it. It's possible that I know they're going to do it before they know they're going to do it. It's possible I know they're going to do it before they've even thought of doing it. Because that's the way Caesars operates. They Each department is in its own little bubble. They only see what's directly in front of them. So it, it's, it's very Caesars-like for the World Series to like not even notice that a convention center is being built center strip and that it would be perfect for them to move to. Alright. i, I got to remember to buy a new adapter. At least it kind of stopped breaking through the show, but... I will buy a new one. Coming very soon, the Poker Fraudler Spring Invitational. That'll be fun to play. Oh, wait, hold on. I, I gotta stop this. Hold on. Hang on. Hang on. I told you I'm gonna let you know about the other Heads Up Tournament. I see a call coming in. I don't feel like taking it. But uh, there's there's another Heads Up Tournament coming up. That uh, I wanted to announce And it does not involve 32 or 64 people It involves two people Eric Benzamokin Wants to Have a little heads up match against me Now he's a limit hold'em player In fact the, the first time I ever Knew his name was way before he listened to the radio. It was a few years ago. I think it was in 14. When he was the chip leader for a while in one of the Limit Hold'em events I played. In fact, I cashed in the event too. I don't believe he was ever at my table, but uh, he got near the final table and he was chip leader in that event for a while. There was 1,500 Limit Hold'em at the World Series. So he's a Limit Hold'em player for the most part. And uh, he still considers himself a recreational player. He sometimes calls himself a fish. But uh, he wants to play me heads up where uh, we play for $1,000 each. I hope I'm getting this right. This is his idea. But I, be- I believe I've got it right here. That We, we each put up $1,000 and that if I win, he just gives me $1,000. If he wins, that I will pay him 1000 and then he will immediately 
take that thousand and just put it up towards a free roll for the site. So he ends up making no money. He either uh, puts a thousand dollars towards the free roll if he wins, or uh, of mine. Yeah, he doesn't put it. He, he either takes my thousand and puts it towards the free roll, or he pays me a thousand. That's that's what he's proposing. <laughs> so either I win or the site wins. That that's what has been proposed. So. We're going to figure something out. We'll do this soon, and you guys can watch. It'll be an event everybody can watch in the No Fraud Online Poker Room. I did lose once to an amateur player, heads up, but to Yebsite. Even though Yebsite kind of tilted near the second half of that event, he he just was getting run over by the deck, and I lost. <laughs> we played a pretty deep structure, too. So who knows what will happen? But a very generous offer from Eric, and he's you know, he's always very generous here, and I appreciate that. And I know he likes the show, and I'm you know, very very grateful for all the support he's given, and, and grateful as well for the support I've gotten from the co-hosts and from the frequent contributors to the free roll and to Belly Buster for running the room, all that stuff. Anyway. We'll be back next week, April 11th, 2018. Should be back every Wednesday until late May. Then, what happens from there, I don't know. Hopefully we'll be delaying some shows because I'm making day threes of events, maybe even the final table. It's about time it happens. You know, it's been 13 years since I've won a bracelet. Can, can it finally happen for you, May, again? Just one more time. Good night, everybody. Shalom.